Welcome to the smartest decision you've ever made, Hustlers University. This is the smartest thing you've ever done. If you're sitting there wondering, you should already know, but if you're sitting there wondering, hmm, is this gonna be worth it or not? Buckle the fuck up. This is the smartest thing you've ever done because this is the first time, besides the PhD course, where I'm gonna lay down all of my knowledge in the world about, about a particular subject. PhD course was girls, this is gonna be about business. Everything I know about making money. So the way this came around was, I was convincing yet another person to not go to university. I have convinced, well, I don't know if I've actually convinced them, but I often say the biggest mistake people make in their lives is traditional education. It's a waste of time, it's a scam. And I always tell people why it's a waste of time, why it's a scam. Like there's the double inflation principle that I coined myself, the fact that more degrees exist every year, which inflates them because they're less valuable because more exist. Plus the price goes up every year, which means it's less valuable because it's more expensive. If more exists, the price should go down. Scarcity and value are linked, but there's some kind of double inflation that goes on with education, which is propagated by the mainstream think tanks because they want to put you in there and they want to brainwash you. They want to put you in there and they want to turn you into a pussy, not actually teach you anything that's useful, just turn you into a little worker drone. Nobody goes to university and leaves knowing how to get rich. And if you look at all the richest people in the world or all the most successful people, they'll say, I didn't go to school or I quit university, I dropped out. Because you're not learning anything about getting rich. You're sitting there just being brainwashed. It's bullshit. So when I was sitting there saying to this person, don't go uni, don't go uni, don't go uni, they said, well, what do I do instead then? I said, learn from me. And they said, oh, okay, well, what do I learn? I said, well, you can join the war room, you can learn there, da, da, da. So, okay, yeah, I'll join, but is there anything else? I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start my own university. I'm gonna give people a genuine option, a genuine alternative to mainstream education. I don't know about you, but me personally, all I ever want to do is get rich. I didn't give a fuck if I got rich breaking rocks or got rich being a professional fighter. I didn't care. I want money. I was not passionate about some business. I was passionate about money and money only. So if you've joined this course to learn how to run a business and get rich, congratulations. You're about to learn a whole bunch of shit because I've run a bunch of companies you're going to find out during the length of this presentation. This is no nonsense, no fluff. No doubtably the hardest hitting presentation given by a multimillionaire on how to make money in history. Because all the other multimillionaires are lying to you. They're lying to you by talking bullshit. Ty Lopez, if you read books, you'll be rich. Lie. You can read books all day, you're not gonna get rich as a lie. These other fucking nerds, think positive, you'll be rich. Another lie. What do you mean if I read books and I think happy money appears in my bank? No, it does not. This is garbage. We're cutting the garbage. We're getting down to it with 100 points, 100 business lessons I've learned across my business career. So, well, as I said, if you've just made the decision to join the university, congratulations. Your worldview is about to change forever. I don't have a seatbelt on my chair, but I'm ready. If you have a seatbelt on your chair, put it on. If you don't, hold on tight. We're about to get rich right here, Hustlers University. Lesson one, I've even got a whiteboard for you motherfuckers. That's how hard I've worked on this university project. Whiteboard, markers. Lesson one, speed. Now, I tell this to everybody all the time and nobody understands what I'm trying to say. I'm gonna try and articulate it. Speed is extremely important in business. Everything that needs to be done must be done fast. That doesn't mean it has to be done cheap or shit. It means it has to be done quickly. People seem to conflate the two, that if you do something quickly, it must be terrible. That's not the case. When you're a professional fighter, you learn to punch. 
Your instructor says faster, faster, faster. You learn to punch faster. You don't degrade your punch. You don't start punching like an idiot. You keep the same quality of punch, but you do it quicker. Now, nobody in the world, the modern world especially, and I'm going to say this, a caveat that I've learned across my career as well, especially if you're dealing with creative people in any kind of regard, they don't understand speed. Numbers people kind of understand speed. Creative people don't understand speed. And this is their, they have a strength and a weakness there. With creative people have something I don't have. They're very creative and they can see things I can't see, but it takes time. I'm the complete opposite. I want everything done straight away now. But speed is super important for a business and I'm going to tell you why. So whatever you're thinking of doing, whatever the business you're thinking of running, you need to do things quickly. If an airplane, everyone knows how planes work, is flying through the sky, arrow, beautiful demonstration for you there, a beautiful fucking diagram. Even if its engines fail, it will continue to fly. If the engines fail, it will not fall out of the sky and instantly crash to the ground. It will continue to fly. Do you know why? Because it has forward momentum. It's going forward, and that means the wings are creating lift. Air is going underneath the plane. As long as the plane goes forward, it will not fall and fail. And a business is exactly the same. The key with business is to make sure you're always moving forward, always producing content, and always doing everything you can as quickly as possible while maintaining the quality. Do not conflate quality with speed. You can do the same. If you have an idea right now and you have someone you're working with, let's say you need a new website. You tell the company, it's going to take two weeks. No, it's not going to take two weeks. It's going to take three days. We're going to find someone else. We can't do it in three days. I'll find someone who can. You can build a good website in three days. People have unrealistic, stupid timeframes. Everyone thinks things take forever. Things don't take forever. Things can be done quickly. I know, because I've done it. I've, I've pushed people or done it myself and seen what's going to be done. Do you know what I could do in two weeks? Me, as a man who knows nothing about web design, in two weeks, I could learn web design and build a website. And I know nothing. So how the fuck can you, the guy who knows websites, take two weeks to build a fucking website? It's garbage. Everyone is slow. And being slow is deadly to a company for two reasons. One, the faster you get things online, the faster you start making money. Now, if you make money today because you were in a rush, let's say you quickly push and you get it online today and you make money. That's one universe. And another universe where it takes a week and you get it online. That week of making money is gone. That money is lost. The longer it takes to get something online, the less money you're going to make as a whole. If I start a company today to the end of my life and start a company next month to the end of my life, the one I start today has been running longer. It's going to generate more money. The quicker things are done, the quicker money is made. It's as simple as that. That's starting a company. Even if a company is already online, speed is super important once again. I'll give you an example. Let's say, uh, I don't know, producing an advert. The faster you produce an advert, the faster it's out, the faster you get results. If you do it quick enough, you might be able to produce two adverts in the time that other people take to produce one. Now you have double the advertising that other people have. Speed. You have to attack and you have to move quickly. When I talk to people, people say to me all the time, I have a business idea. I'll say, okay, cool. A week later, I'll say, how's your business? They'll go, what business? You have an idea and it's been a week. Where's your fucking company? Where's your business? It's been a week, you ain't done shit. People are lazy, people are slow, people are complacent, including you. Everything must happen instantly, quickly, fast, speed, attack. Hitler conquered Europe with blitzkrieg. You need to go quickly. I cannot emphasize this enough. Lesson one, speed is important. Nothing can be slow. I'll tell you another quick story about this lesson. I used to run a company, so you're going to find out about a whole bunch of companies I ran 
and I've run in my time during this presentation. So my work history is long and varied, but I'll give it to you a very short version. There was a job selling television advertising that required a degree, a degree in marketing to sell TV advertising packages. It was cold calling. This is a long time ago. I was 20, 13 years ago, before email was a thing. You'd get on the phone, you'd call people up, marketing manager, hi, my name's Andrew Tate. I'm calling from uh, TriStar Television. I'm interested in da 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 da. Are you interested in putting your brand on TV? Blah, blah, blah. Old school sales, which anyone, if you've not done a sales job and if you are going to look for a job, do a sales job because once you learn to sell, you're going to be all right. And you're always going to be looked after by the company because you bring the money in. They're going to give you a nice car, a nice office, whatever. So anyway, I went to apply for this job. They said I needed a degree. I said, I don't need a degree. They're like, why didn't you go to university? I said, because I ain't got four years to waste in school. I'd rather get four years of experience out here working jobs. I'd rather have real experience and money in my pocket and learn the hard way than go to some school and sit around and drink alcohol and do drugs like all these other university graduates are. I'll work for free for one week. And if you don't think I'm good, don't give me the job. That's what I said. I worked for free for a week and they gave me the job because I'm a G. So there you go. That proves how pointless uni is. I got the job above all the graduates because I was prepared to do one week's free work. Well, it's better to do one week's free work than four years free work while paying money to go. The fuck is that? Waste of time. So I got this job at TriStar. I'm there. I break the company sales record in the first month. How? Because I was just on the phone. Hard work. Just calling, calling, calling. I would call everyone. Everyone in the office would laugh at me because we were a real small business. We were really small in terms of television advertising uh, standards. And I would call the companies like McDonald's, like the huge companies that we never stood a chance of getting a deal with in a million years. I'd call everyone, tenacious. I'd get the newspaper and go through it. Anyone who put an advert in, that means they had an advertising budget, means they had a market manager, call them, call them, call them. So I broke the company record in the first month I landed three 40 grand deals, 120 grand I brought in, 10% turnover, 12, 10% commission, 12 grand for me. I was 20, got 12 grand. I didn't have never had this kind of money in my fucking life. I couldn't believe it. Turns out the top salesman there besides me, because I broke the company record for the first month. Uh, I didn't break the company record as a total, but just for the first month. The, the best salesman there was a guy called Dan. You're going to hear about Dan a lot because he taught me a lot about sales and business. He wanted to start his own TV company. So I'd only been there a month. Now I'm having lunch with Dan, the number two in the company, and he's saying, I'm going to go start my own TV company. I want to make you a managing director. I've been, I've been doing it a month. I'm 20. Now I'm going to be a managing director of this company, but I have 12 grand in the bank, so I have a bit of money to sit on. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? Fuck it. So I only worked for this company a month and a half before I quit and start my own TV company. I'm 20. I own 50% of a TV advertising agency. Turns out Dan is a massive cocaine addict and basically left me to run the entire company. That's why he wanted me. He wanted me to do everything and him just go out and take the money from the bank and do cocaine. So at 20, I ran the entire company. Now for a year and a half, this company functioned. And this company functioned by selling the cheapest television advertising that ever existed. So what we would do was, let's say we would, we would charge people 18, 19,000 pounds and that would include a fully produced advertisement from start to finish and their airtime on TV and all the legalities to get them on TV. You have to go through the advertising standards, everything. That was a complete package with like 150 adverts on TV for like 18 grand. And we were, we had, we're calling up, calling people on the phone, me and Dan. Eventually we hired Tristan, ended up with like 10 members of staff, cold calling, calling the world, promising television advertising at this price. Now, how does this all link back to lesson one, speed? I'll tell you how. Because 
on an 18 or 19 grand package, we were only making two grand, three grand. We weren't making any money on it. We, in fact, a lot of the deals we were losing money or breaking even, but we were just trying to build up a customer base. We were just going into meetings saying, here's our clients and showing a list of clients. People were like, how the fuck these young guys got all these clients? They must be some kind of young marketing geniuses. So people thought we were, but really we we're just selling it too cheap. So we had all these clients. So how did we stay alive for a year and a half before it finally blew up in our face? Speed. We were robbing Peter to pay Paul. So we were getting money in. I bought a brand new car. Dan had a brand new car. We had this big fancy office. We're paying wages, but we didn't have some money. So how do you pay to put the person on TV? Well, you get a new deal. You get a new deal. You get a new deal. So you're paying for old deals with new money. But the key was, as long as we kept the speed going, as long as we kept the speed, as long as we kept pushing forward, we were never out of business. We didn't even need to make profit. We just needed to get money. If you can just find a way to get money into the bank, you don't even need profit. We were doing two deals a week. In our first year, we turned over nearly a million pounds. I'm 20, I've got a million pound business. But there was no profit. It was just land a new deal so we can put the old deal up on TV. And eventually you get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole. So it gets to the point where you owe shit loads of money, which is what happened. Now, this business would have still lasted another two, three years. And this business, I learned a very valuable lesson in, which we're going to come to later. We're going to come back to this business. So pay attention. But I learned a really important lesson in this business, but this business would have lasted another three or four years, except I took a one month holiday to go training kickboxing in Thailand. I was still training at the minute. I wasn't, I wasn't a world champion by then, but I was still a professional fighter. I was training. I took a one month holiday. During my holiday, Dan just did shitloads of Coke from the company bank account, just emptied the company bank account. No deals were landed and it all blew up in our stupid faces. Law, fucking court cases, everyone taking us to court. I was literally, I was 20. When you're young, you're scared of things. There's bailiffs at the door. We've lost our office. I was literally sitting there. I couldn't sleep. I was panicking. I didn't know what to do. Everything fucking blew up in our stupid faces. But if I could go back in time and I didn't take that one month holiday and I would have kept it running for another three or four years. And if I knew then what I know now, some of the other lessons I'm going to teach you, this would have made me a millionaire at 20 years old. So speed, if you are moving fast, you cannot fail. The name of this company was T2 Television, T2. T2 Television proves speed wins. Get the money in, get a deal, produce the advert, get it out, get someone else in, get money. Now speed, no, we can't wait. When's the meeting? Oh, next Wednesday. No, it's not next Wednesday, it's tomorrow. Tell them we'll go there tomorrow. They can only travel to us next Wednesday. We'll go to them tomorrow. We have to close the deal now. Money, 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 money now, speed. I cannot emphasize this enough because it is my entire business philosophy. If I had to give you one important point, this is the reason this is the first point. Speed. And everybody is slow. And if you start to work like me, you'll realize everyone's slow and that's okay. But things must happen quickly. It's extremely important. The second point of the university. Most of you don't know what a business is. A business is money in. A business is nothing else but money in. It's not money out. It's not your accountant. It's not your logo. It's not your website. A business is money into a bank. So a drug dealer who has money going into his pocket is more of a businessman than someone with a registered trade logo and an accountant and all this garbage who ain't getting paid. You own a business if you're getting paid. That's what a business is. So please understand this point because this is a very important point. And this is why this is called the Hustlers University, because you need to understand how to look and approach at a business. So 
Cash is first. So let me give you an example. People, I say to people, start a company. Start a, how would you start a makeup company? And they go, okay, well, I'd find some makeup and I'd get a logo and I would uh, start a trade, I'd get a trademark and then, you know, I'd need stock. L listen to all the things they're mentioning. F find makeup. We're going to have two things. We have things that cost money and things that make money. As a business, your primary concern is always making money. And when people think of how to start a business, all they start thinking about is how to spend money. Oh, I need to find a, a makeup brand. I find some makeup and test it out and then get a logo and get some labels made and get a warehouse and, and get a website and da, 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 spend, 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 spend. Where's the money in? Where's the money? This is a business. Where's the fucking money? You're talking about spending money. I'm talking about making money. So as a hustler, you always have to be about making money. Money in is a business, not money out. The amount of people I've spoke to said, I have a business. I go, what have you got? Oh, I've got this and I've got a registered trademark and I own this. And I know you've all watched Dragon's Den and you think this shit's important with your registered trademark and you own this and you've got the logo and you've got the labels and you've got the product and you've got blah, blah, blah. You're not making any money. No one's paying you. It's not a business if no one pays you. It's a business when people are paying you. Until then, it's circle jerk bullshit. It is much better to have this right and this wrong. Understand me, it's much better to have this right and this wrong than the other way around. That is extremely important for you to understand. If I had to start a makeup brand, I would do none of this. Zero. Do you know what I'd do? I'd make a website with makeup on it and prices and I'd start advertising. Bang. Now I'm making money. I'm making money. I'm getting orders. I don't have any makeup. I don't have a warehouse. I ain't got a logo. I ain't got, well, I ain't got a trademark logo. I ain't got nothing, but I'm making money. With money, you can fix the problems. So when I've got money in my bank, then I email everyone, the product you've ordered, the one you're interested in is in such high demand that we're sold out. There'll be a slight delay in delivery of your product, but don't worry, we're gonna give you one for free. Or we're gonna give you a free gift. Thanks for being a valued customer. Now this person's gonna wait. They're like, free gift? Okay, I'll chill, I'll wait. Now you have three or four weeks to find some fucking makeup to put in the fucking mail. But at least you got money. You got money in the bank. You've spent none of your own money or hardly any. You got money coming in and now you got to find a way to fulfill the orders. That goes back to business lesson number one, speed. Now you got to quickly find some makeup, find a logo, stick it on, put it in the fucking mail. But doing that makes more sense than this. What if you do all this shit and then you try and advertise and no one buys? Then you've lost. If we do it my way, I advertise no one buys. I ain't lost anything. Big whoop. Who cares? No one wants my makeup. Oh well, good thing I don't have 500 boxes of it sitting in my fucking bedroom. Like you dorks. A business is money in. When you want to start a business, your number one concern is how do I get money in? Nothing else. Everyone who starts a business starts talking about everything else. We need an office. Why do you need an office? No one's paid you yet. And you're talking about an office? I need a new laptop. Why? No one's paid you yet. You're talking about laptop? You don't need anything until people start giving you money. Money in is a business. Money out is vanity. It's very easy for me to think of a business, buy an office, buy laptops, hire staff, 
get an accountant, sort out the tax records, register the company online, get business cards, get a logo and get that trademarked. And I'm doing all this shit. I'm spending all this money, wasting all this time and no one's paid me anything. It ain't a business. When you come at me with a business plan, my first question is where's the money? When you want to start a business, the first question is where's the money? How are you going to get paid? Is it PayPal? Is it Stripe? Is it Bitcoin? How are you going to get paid? How can people pay you? And how are you going to convince them to do that? How are you going to convince them to pay you? When you've worked that out, you can work the rest out. A business is money in, nothing else. That's lesson number two. And that is extremely important because it's going to save you a bunch of fuck ups in the future. This leads on to idea number three. The third lesson you're learning business is super important. I've kind of covered it when I discussed two, but this is very important. Start ideas for free. People come to me all the time. Andrew, I have an idea for a business. Maybe you need a small investment. It's normal. Let's say you're developing an app. You need to invest in the app or something. That's that happens. But a lot of people ask for insane amounts of money. 50 grand, 100 grand, 200 grand. Oh, to start my business. You can start businesses very, very cheaply if you do it the right way. Let's look at our beautiful demonstration, our beautiful diagram here of our makeup company. If you start a makeup company this way, you need minimum 200 grand. You need an office, you need logos, you need trademarks, you need stock, you need staff, you need company incorporation, you need tax, you need accountants, you need advertising budgets. You need 200 grand, 200K to start this business. If you start business this way, make a website, put some pictures on there, pretend you've got a whole bunch of stuff you ain't got and start getting money in, you can start this business for five grand. Let's say for the website, five grand. That's 195 grand difference. Now, the problem with this business is you're going to start getting money in and you're not going to have any way to fulfill the orders. But back to business lesson number one, because you're a fast worker, because you're industrious, because you work with speed, you'll find a way to fulfill the orders. Hey, listen, worst case, you give them the money back. Worst case, you refund them. But at least with this idea, you can test the viability of your plan. One. And two, you're not in the hole. So let's assume both companies are bound to fail. Here you've lost five grand. Here you've lost 200 grand. Why risk all that money when you can do it cheap? Also, with five grand startups, you can now, for the same price as starting one company, you can now start 40 companies. One of them's gonna work because they're five grand each to start. One of them's gonna work. So you have to learn that the idea of starting a business is not expensive. Get that out of your head. I'm a millionaire, a multimillionaire, and I will not spend more than five grand launching a company. Five grand max. I'll spend five grand, and if I see money coming in, maybe I'll invest some more. Or when the money starts coming into the makeup company, you might reinvest all the money. That's fine, because I ain't your money. That's money you're making. You can build a company off the money you're bringing in from the company and never spend your own money. That's how you launch a company. Now, every time I say this, people go to me, oh, well, what about this? What about that? You're going to launch a fucking airplane company and try and compete with Boeing. You need money, obviously. But I'm talking about for you guys out there, this is the Hustlers University. If you're looking at making money, starting a new company, or you already have a small company, the bi- some of the biggest mistakes you can make is investing lots of money. When you're broke, it's hard to make mistakes because you don't have any money to lose. When you're rich, it's easy to make mistakes because you have a lot of money to lose. Start companies 
as cheaply as possible, basically for free, by prioritizing money in and not prioritizing fulfillment. That way, you get to start companies cheap, you can start a lot of them, you have money coming in the door, and you can reinvest money you're making in your company and build your company from the ground up. Every company I ever made, including T2 Television, was done this way. When I got my first deal for T2 Television, I had a Blackberry and a business card. And I went to their office and I signed the deal. I had a business bank account that was free. No tax incorporation, nothing. They paid me and I used that money to buy an office. Done. I started a television advertising agency like this. I didn't get an office first. Office, staff, computers, desks. I, I didn't have any money. I had the 12 grand from the commission, but I was saving that for myself in case it all went wrong. I could have blown my whole 12 grand and set up the office, but no, I bought a laptop. I had a laptop. I bought a Blackberry, had a business card, landed my first deal and set up my whole business off of money already coming in. And if you can do that with an advertising agency, you can do that with nearly anything. This is television advertising. This is like premier shit back in 13, 14 years ago, before the internet was big almost. Everyone wanted to be on TV. That's how you start companies. I started an advertising company with a fucking Blackberry. This is how. This allows you to start more businesses and allows you to see what's viable and what's gonna make money and what isn't without risk. It's extremely important you approach businesses this way and not businesses this way. It is extremely important. Get this in your head. These first three lessons about speed, about money in being priority over everything else, and about starting businesses with this focus as opposed to the cost focus, money in as opposed to fulfillment, that's good. That, I've already taught you more than you're going to learn about business anywhere else. That's key. Because if you do things this way, it's very hard to have a monumental fuck up. It's very hard to lose money. And also, now you can start nearly any company. You can start nearly any business. Give me a business. Name something completely random. A record label. A record label. You want to start a record label. So, record label. What do you have? You have... This is completely on the fly, record label. So, let me wipe my board. This is completely on the fly, unprompted. We're testing my business genius for the Hustlers University. Let me clear my beautiful diagram here. Right, so how does a record label make money? Make. We have make and we have costs. So a record label makes money by selling records, correct? I've never run a record label, so I might be wrong. So you have to sell records. Now, a record label is a digital product, so it's actually harder than makeup, because how can you sell records you don't have? So what I'd be looking to do first thing is test my distribution channels. So, costs, you need to find records you can instantly supply, unlike a makeup company. So you need to find artists which are, I wouldn't say struggling, but there's certainly you need to go out there and find some artists which don't want money up front. So you need to work out some kind of commission deal with artists and say, look, we're gonna give you X amount on the basis of the sales. So you have to find, we're gonna put broke boys. Because it doesn't, you know what, at this point, especially with a record label, although you need good quality artists to have a good reputation as a, a record label, if you have shit ones at the beginning, it doesn't really matter. If you have a, some shit ones and you sign Rihanna later on, is it going to be like, oh, they have Rihanna now, but three years ago they had that crap band no one's heard of. They ain't, ain't going to care. It's not going to damage reputation. So at this point, you can just get broke boys. Get broke boys, offer them a commission deal. To, make, to, to, to try and sell records. So let's say we're selling a record for a pound, let's say it's a 50-50 split, 50-50. Now you've got distribution channels. How are you gonna sell the records? Where are you gonna sell them? Apple Music, Spotify, whatever, whatever, whatever. You have to test the distribution channels, test them out. 
test out an independent distribution channel. So let's say you do all the traditional distribution, traditional stuff, and let's say you want to try and sell some stuff independently. So let's say you start a website or you go on, is MySpace still even a thing for music? No, it's, what's the other one? Um, SoundCloud or something like that. Yeah, so there's a few other abstract ways you can try and sell money. You can try and sell records. Let's say through their own website or through SoundCloud, through some of the other ones. You can try some abstract uh, methods. Now here's what I would do. I'm running a record label. I find Broke Boys. Broke Boys agree to go a 50-50 split. I promise to sell loads of records. You have to promise. This is your job. So I promise to sell fucking 100,000 records a month. Some bullshit. I promise. I'd lie. This is what I do all the time. No big deal. 100,000 a month. Easy, easy, easy. I'd get them. I'd put them across all the distribution channels. I'd see how much, how so many we sell. If we don't sell any, do you know whose fault it is? The Broke Boys' fault. I'll come back to them and go, okay, well, yeah, we have two of your songs. It's not enough. People don't know who you are. We need to produce some content so to raise your profile. I don't know if you guys have any videos of you performing live. We need more music we can put out there. Da, da, da. And I would just continue to extract from the Broke Boys more videos, more songs, all for free, all based on a commission deal, and just put it out there. Speed. Just like we said in number one. Like I said, I've never run a record in my life that's come off the top of my head. Speed. Give me more, give me more, give me more. The more they produce, the more they give you, and the more you put out there, it doesn't matter. If you sell a little bit of each, you're going to start to make money. Look at what we do and what I do, all my different businesses. At this moment, I run CobraTech.com. I have the War Room, which is a business in itself. I have the webcam business. I have two YouTube channels. I have casinos. I, all I do, because it's just, scat, just speed, scattergun. So in this kind of particular, if you're going to do a record label, you need to have as much as much as possible, video and, and music, that you, can, that you can afford, and when I say afford, a commission-only deal, just constantly, constantly put out their speed on every single possible distribution channel. That's what you need to do. Then what you do is, when you have these boys everywhere, Broke Boys, the Broke Boy record band, you have them everywhere, and you have tons of their stuff, then you can approach someone who's not shit, or a little bit better. So we have the Less Broke Boys. Less Broke, or right here. My terrible writing, because I'm writing at an angle. And when you go to less broke boys, you can say, well, look at the broke boys. We've got them on Spotify, SoundCloud. They're on their own website selling. They're here. They're on iTunes. They're there. Look at this. This is some videos of them performing. Yeah, we use these for promotion. They're on this YouTube channel. They're on that YouTube channel. The less broke boys will be like, oh, these guys, they actually got them a lot of promo. What did you really do? All you did was extract it from these guys. Now the less broke boys might want to work with you. Maybe you don't give them, maybe it's a slightly better commission deal. Maybe they get 60, you get 40. Take their shit. Before you know it, you're going to have a catalog of stuff. So people go, who's this record label? You go, well, bang. And you type any of those bands in, and they flood the internet with things. Now you're a real record label. Now, now new bands, up-and-coming bands, want to work with you. Just because they might have promo, you got to put them everywhere. One of these up-and-coming bands might be the next big thing. Who knows? All I've done in this business model, I don't know anything about record labels. All I've done is stick to my tenants of business. One, this is free. This is free. This is running a record label from your bedroom. Doing all this is some work on your computer, putting them on iTunes and making a website, whatever, whatever. That's all fucking free. Negotiate with the broke boys you can do in a Costa Coffee or a Starbucks. So that, this is a free business I've just given you. One, it's free. Two, we've prioritized money in. The first thing I wrote is how do we make the money? How do we make the money? We sell records. Okay, so we need this, we need this, we need this. Prioritize making the money. And the third thing I did was speed, quickly. 
Get out, get out, get out. Tell the Broke Boys to make more. Tell the Broke Boys to start a daily vlog of them recording. A uh, daily vlog of what it's like in the band. Start putting that on a YouTube channel. Speed, speed, speed. More, more, more. Give me, give me content, content, nonstop. Speed. All I did was stick to my three basic business principles. Now, imagine you try this for six months and it doesn't work. Have you lost money? No. What did you lose? You didn't have a big fancy office. You didn't lose nothing. What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Nothing. And that is the exact point I'm trying to teach here. If you stick to these three tenets in nearly any business, you'll launch it for basically nothing and nothing can go wrong. Nothing can go wrong. Point four. Let me clear my board. I'm going to get some hot chick. I'm going to sit here and wipe the board. In fact, let me message a female right now. Sorry, bear with me. Let me uh, get a member of staff. Right. Point four. Staff. Now, this is going to be a controversial one, but bear with me. If you're watching so far, you should have learned a lot because we're just getting fucking started. We have a hundred business points to go through. We're on number fucking three. Number four. Family and friends are actually the best staff you can possibly get. Now, people say don't mix friends with business. Don't mix family with business. Can you clean my board? Sit here and, and wipe it, please. Don't mix friends with business. Get that shit off. Don't mix friends with business. Don't mix family with business. That's a lie. So the reason people say this is because people are dickheads and they can't get along with anyone. They're not. They can't get along with anybody long enough to make any money. But I guarantee you have family members right this second who can make you money. I guarantee you, you have a 15-year-old niece, nephew, cousin, brother, whoever, who knows more about computers than you do. I guarantee there's a 15-year-old out there with nothing better to do who knows more about Photoshop than you do right now. His stupid ass needs a job. So you can start a company right now. You can call up all your cousins. One of my cousins works for me. My brother works for me. One of your cousins, nieces, nephews, whatever, some 15, 16 year old who's in school and bored and say, we're starting a company. I'm going to make you a director. You're going to have 10% of the business. You're going to do everything I say. And by the time you're 20, you're going to be rich. Not bad. Seven out of 10. You're going to be rich. And he'll come start doing work for you. Now, if, you, if, if he won't listen to you, well then, I don't know. If you can't tell a 15 year old to do, then you're a dickhead. But me, I always have people I can call on. There must be younger people. Don't, you don't need some old person. You need young people. And the reason for this is because young people have nothing to lose. If you hire a 30-year-old man, he has to pay his rent. He hasn't got time to waste. He has rent to pay. He has a car payment to pay, whatever. A 15-year-old, he has nothing. He, has, he only doesn't play video games. So if the business fails, who cares? He has nothing to lose. So why don't you utilize him? You must have friends or family members who are young enough in a position that they have time to waste. Don't hire people who can't afford to not pay their rent. Hire people who live for free. If you have friends and they have a kid, go to your friends and say, your kid's 15, he's good with computers. Yeah, I'm thinking of starting a company. I'm thinking of letting him work with me for free at the beginning, see if he's good and if he's good, I'll start paying him. They'll love that. They'll love the idea of their son or, or daughter getting some enterprising work. Yeah, good idea, what's the business name? Bang, there are free, effectively free workers everywhere. And if they're not free, they're extremely cheap. And they're everywhere. You just don't utilize them. So now, let's think of fucking, you own a website business. I don't fucking know website business. Let's say you don't know, like you're me. I don't know anything about building websites. You want to start a website company. It's, it's oversaturated. I wouldn't recommend it, but let's say you start one. 
You go and you find a 15-year-old and you tell his ass to learn how to make websites. You convince him it's a good idea and then you start taking money and you give, the, you give it to the 15-year-old. You're a middleman now. The 15-year-old works for free. You can do websites cheap now. You can do websites for 300 bucks. I'll do an entire website for $300. Half now, half when it's done. People are like, $300 for a website? Yeah, 150 bucks now after it's done. Take 150 bucks, give 50 bucks to the 15-year-old, tell him when he's done, he gets another 50 bucks. 100 bucks for him, 200 bucks for you, you ain't done shit, boom, wham, bam, done. He can even start your company website for advertising at the beginning for free. Bang, you have free workers out there. Find young people, because young people can afford to work for fucking nothing. Trying to find members of staff that have mortgages and fucking pension plans, that's expensive. The best staff you can find are young people. And in most cases, young people know more than the old people anyway, especially about technology and stuff. Young people are fantastic. I love hiring 18, 19 year old kids. They know fucking more than me about fucking TikTok, Instagram, all the blah, blah, all the shit that's big. They know more than me. I'm 33, I'm not even old. These kids are sitting there going, we need to do this and this and this. I'm like, go then. They're like, how, I'm like, how long is it going to take? They're like, a week. I said, no, it's going to be ready tomorrow. Tomorrow, show me it. Done. Don't piss me off. Go. Speed. Back to lesson one. Bang. So you already have workers for your business. You already have them. You just don't fucking use them because you're lazy. So contact them right now. Let's get started. I apologize for the change of face, but Andrew has invited me here to talk about another very important point when it comes to making money, which is work with family when possible. That's why I'm here. Now, it's very easy for people like me and Andrew to tell you to work just with family members because we're two brothers and we're exceptionally close, but we actually learned this from other people. Me and Andrew have always been best friends, but we used to fight and argue when we were growing up. And when we were 16, 17, we worked in completely different, let's call it fields. I mean, we worked different jobs. We weren't actively putting our resources together and trying to make money. We had some friends who were Pakistani guys from the United Kingdom and they taught us a very important lesson. One of our friends, I won't say his name, but he had a Ferrari and he used to drive it around our hometown. And we were very impressed and we said, well, you know, how do you have this Ferrari? Because he was only a lawyer, a junior lawyer, making maybe 50,000 pounds a year, a good income, but not a Ferrari income. And he told us, he said, you English people, you white people, actually, he said, mixed race, have it all wrong. I have six brothers, and what me and my brothers do is this. One of us is a doctor, one's a dentist, one's a lawyer, one's an architect. We're all in different fields. What we do is we live in the same house. Our wives live with us. Our wives cook the meals and look after our children. And we pool all of our money together. That way we own the house instead of renting six other houses. I thought, oh, that's pretty clever. And what about the Ferrari? They said, well, a Ferrari finance payment is 2,000 pounds a month, more than me on my own. However, I don't drive the car all the time. So me and all of my brothers, we bought these finance agreements for the Ferrari, our Range Rover and our Rolls Royce, and we all drive them whenever we want. I thought, wow, that is smart. That's a conversation that got me and Andrew thinking at a very young age. From that point on, whenever we were renting uh, a small apartment, we'd rent it together rather than pay two separate rents. Property prices in England were still too expensive uh, for us to buy. But uh, when we worked together, when we were looking at making money, we thought, how can we do this together? And everything from there went into a single pot. Up until this day, we're multimillionaires. We share bank accounts. I don't know what's in whose account, under what name, which house, which car is owned by who. I mean, I know on paper, but it doesn't matter because everything is collectively owned. 
Now, now it doesn't matter so much. Me or Andrew could go our separate ways, buy our own family home and have three supercars each, if we wanted to. But we don't. You see, when we were much younger, uh, our first ever supercar was an Aston Martin Vantage. An old one, cost us £65,000 secondhand. It wasn't the most amazing car, but we paid for it, the both of us. That way we had a supercar for both of us to use. The money we saved, we put into business, the other activities we were doing, and that helped us propel forward to the point we're at now. So sure, it'd be easy to divide resources and split now, but why? Am I gonna reach the next level? Faster if I do that? No. So now I live in a seven bedroom house. My driveway is full. It's got six cars on it. I actually need to extend it uh, now because Andrew won't stop buying cars, but that's fine by me. Always work with family. Now, my cousin from the United States is in a very lucky position. He's now living here in Bucharest. He works with us um, and he essentially works with us forever. As long as we're making money, he's gonna be here and he's part of the team. When I first met him, he was five years old. I didn't see him again until he was 19. Now, when he was 19, he was smart. He had it all going on, but he was a bit privileged. His mother was a very well-to-do woman, a best-selling author uh, on the, in the field of political science and a university professor. And he was at university. Everything was getting paid for him. I thought, okay, you know, he's not from the same world as me. But then things started going wrong for him. He, he was uh, sleeping on a floor, delivering pizzas, living the kind of life I remember. So after two years of what I call the struggle, I thought, okay, it's time to bring Luke back in. And Luke is now a member of our team, uh, as he is a member of our family. Now, I understand not everybody has brothers. Not everybody has cousins. You may be an only child. You may be an orphan. I don't know what you are. But everyone's got those people, those people that are so valuable to you that you wouldn't stab them in the back for a billion dollars and a thousand women. Those are the people you want to work with. As long as you are sure that they share your sentiments, those are the people you want to team up with. Pool your resources, live in the same house. If you're broke, if you're both working dead-end jobs, rent one room together if need be. If you're good friends, if you meet a woman, tell them to take a walk for an hour and come back. That is the, one of the keys to my and Andrew's success. Lesson five, command respect. Now, what I want to do in the 100 points, this 100 tenets of business is I don't want to talk too much about the fluffy bullshit that all the other millionaires talk about and teach because what they're really doing is copping out. So it's very easy for Ty Lopez, who has no real business skill. Ty Lopez doesn't know anything about business. To say, you get rich by reading books because it sounds easy. Then everyone goes, oh really? Okay, I'll read books. It sounds easy, but it's not true. And think positive, you'll get rich. That's not true either. But some things are true. And number five, this is true. Command respect. This is true. So I'll give you an example. We're gonna go back to Dan, the T2 guy. So I still talk to Dan sometimes now, and he's a good guy, he's got a good heart, but he just loves drugs. Some people do. One of the reasons I'm good at business is because I command respect. And I command respect because I'm a physical specimen of a man. This is the reality, I'm a, I'm a professional fighter. So this helps me, whether I'm running my webcam girls or whether I was pitching television advertising, there's a level of respect humans have for other humans who are a physical specimen. Dan is a big black guy. The way Dan sold and act, acted and treated staff, he could get away with that he couldn't get away if he was an obese white guy. Because there's something evolutionary about humans and if you're a person who's viewed as strong, people respect you and people trust you. If you want to run a business, 
and you want people to spend money with you, the one of the best things you can do is go to the gym. Tell you the truth. Get in fucking physical shape and people will see, okay, well, he's obviously not afraid of hard work. He's obviously disciplined. There's some things that are spoken without being spoken. There's a word for it that will come to me. And having a physical presence is one of them. It helps in business every possible way. If I stand up, when I used to stand up to sell TV advertising in front of people and say, I guarantee you, you spend 19,000 with me. I guarantee you, you spend 19,000 with me, you get double back. When they see your products on TV, a product like this is gonna sell. Do you sell online? Yeah, where else do you sell? Tesco, Sainsbury's. Oh, you're in the superstores as well. You are gonna make twice your money back, guaranteed. If I say that as a big, strong guy who they could tell, obviously trained really hard, was disciplined, was, was not afraid of hard work, that was more valuable than if I was a fat piece of shit. It's gonna work. I'm like, well, what the fuck do you know? You just eat pizza, you don't know anything. Go to the gym, command a physical presence, I'm not saying you have to beat anyone up. I'm saying if you command a physical presence, your words have more weight and it helps in business across all things. Everything. I know webcam girls is a very unusual business and none of you have probably run webcam girls, but I learned a whole bunch about business running my webcam girls. In fact, I approached my webcam girl business the same as I approached every other business with the same tenants. I started it for cheap with a laptop I already had and a girlfriend I already had. I found out how to get the money in before I found out how to produce the videos. I had people sending me money for these feature length porn videos and I couldn't even produce them. I didn't even have a fucking camera. Money first, I, all my same things. Speed, quickly, get everything produced quick, quick, quick. I did all the same things with all my businesses. But the reason I can have so many girls listen to me is because I'm me. And I'm me because I'm big and strong, I'm Andrew Tate. So if you wanna run your business, do not neglect physical presence. Now you can be successful without physical presence. There's a whole bunch of dorks who are successful. But I'm talking about what I know about business and what I've learned. This is the Hustlers University. And what I'm saying is it will help you. Even if you're Bill Gates and he was super successful and he's a dork, he would have been more successful if he was a big, strong dude. It's never going to detriment you to be bigger and stronger in life, and whether it's in business and every other aspect of life. Being bigger and stronger and commanding physical presence will always help you. It shows discipline. It shows that you understand hard work and it makes your word more valuable. And sometimes in business, all you've really got is your word. You have to promise people shit and they have to believe you. So if you do that as a big, strong dude, people just believe you more. This is just a harsh reality. This is the Hustlers University. I told you it's no nonsense, it's no garbage. If you wanna run a company, start going to the gym, get big, get strong. It's gonna help you make money. Sooner or later, I guarantee you, it's gonna help you make money. This is point five, don't neglect it, because it's very, very true. Even if it only helps you 10%, 10% is a lot. 10% is the business, 10% is the difference between success and failure. 10% is the difference between a little bit of money and a lot of money. 10% is, is a huge difference. If you're, if you're selling, let's say you're selling a million dollars a product and you got a 20% margin, that's 200K. If you had an extra 10% margin because you're the big strong guy and you got 300K, bang, that's an extra 100 grand a year. That's a fucking 911, that's a Porsche. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. So do not neglect number five because it's real. Check the guns. Would you, and here, let me prove the point. Would you have bought this course? You bought this course because I'm Andrew Tate. You trust me. You've obviously looked at me and you go, you know what, I've something about this guy. He knows something, I trust him. Would you have still bought this course if I was morbidly obese? Genuine question. I know it's an extreme, but it's a question. If I was morbidly obese in my chair, very, very fat, I'm gonna teach you about business. Would you have bought the course? Or would you have thought, fuck you, fat fuck you, I know nothing. And if you're honest with yourself, you think, yeah, you're probably right. I wouldn't have bought from you if you were obese. 
So that's the extremes. I'm a professional fighter, obese. These are extremes. But the extremes prove the point. The closer you are to in good physical condition, the more likely you are to be respected and the more likely you are to be able to say things and people believe you. So get in physical shape. That's point five. Commanding respect is always, always going to be able to help you throughout life, especially in business. Point six. Resell the people you've already sold to. It's the easiest money you'll ever make. So in T2 television, when we, cause obviously we knew we weren't making money when shit was getting hard. What we do is we were selling these 18, 19 grand deals. And one of the reasons we survived so long is we'd get people to sign up, pay 18, 19 grand, make their advert, show them their advert, hope they loved it. And if they love their advert, then we try and sell a bonus airtime package. We come at them and say, by the way, we've got a really big purchase coming up from McDonald's, some bullshit. And we're getting airtime extremely cheap. And for only an extra five grand, we can get you an extra hundred spots on TV. Some garbage, some bullshit. And try and sell them this extra package. And this package had some profit in it for us. The spots we'd give them would be in the middle of the night, cheap, bullshit. And this was our only chance to make any profit. So if they said no to this, we did all the work for effectively nothing. If they said yes, we'd make, we'd sell it for five and it was like four grand profit. That's how we were surviving. So if we tried to put that in at the front end and sell 24, 25 grand packages, we couldn't sell it. But if we sold them at 19 and then tried to upsell them later, we had about 60, 70% upsell rate if people liked their advert. So the easiest money you'll ever make is selling to people who have already bought from you before, as long as you relatively fulfilled your deal. So we, we did it after the advert. We didn't, we never tried to sell it to them before they saw the advert because then it was much harder to sell. So if you do a good job or a half good job, the best customers you're going to have are people who have already bought from you before. You should already know this about business. This is a very easy one, but it is so much easier to sell to someone who's already bought from you than it is to sell to someone new. A lot of you watching this may have already bought something from me before. Congratulations. You must know a lot of shit, but it's very, very important. It's very, very true. So I get a lot. I know a lot of people with a lot of different businesses and they all call me up for advice. And one of the first things I had a guy call me up about two months ago and he was saying he was struggling for cash. He asked me to borrow money. And I said, I won't say who he is or what his business is. Cause you'll know, some of you will know. So to protect him, I was like, well, okay. How much you need? He's like 200 grand. So how many customers do you have? Goes, oh, all in all, yeah, all in all, how many customers are on your database? He goes, oh, about 10,000. Like, bro, there's your 200 grand. Put together a fucking email campaign. Do a huge discount. Don't let, you don't have to let it leak out into the public. Let them pay full price. These people have bought from you before. Put it all together, pow, and blast it out. There's your 200 grand. What do you, what do you need me for? These people have bought from you before and you delivered. There's your money. Your money's sitting right there. Go get it. So easy to sell to people who have already bought from you before if you did a half good job. In business, you don't need to sell to tons of people if you can sell to the same people over and over again. And it's much easier to sell to the same people over and over again than it is to keep finding new people. Keep that in mind, especially during times where you need cash or you're trying to raise cash or you want to increase cash flow, the first thing you should do, if you have a company and you're making a bit of money, making a little bit of money, and you go, you know what, I want to make some more, what can I do? Don't look at advertising more. Don't look at getting new customers. Don't look at a new product launch. The first thing you should do is go, is there anything I've already got that I can resell to people who have already bought from me? And that is the easiest money you're ever going to make. Don't forget that, because you'll need that at certain points in your business career. You're going to need to be able to pull that ace out your sleeve and generate money from thin air. Keep in mind, that's point six, All right? Point seven, this is another one that goes back to point two and point three, but this is really important. 
Don't get legal before you get rich. This is super important. We're talking about hustling here. I'm telling you the hacks to becoming rich. Do not get legal before you are rich. You can fix your legal bullshit when you've already made money. It's a shame I've deleted my, or erased my beautiful makeup diagram, but it's very sim similar to what we were saying earlier. I know so many people who have registered a company, registered for VAT, registered with the tax man, already have an accountant and haven't made any money yet. I, in most of my companies, will make a million dollars before I'll even consider fucking around with a tax form, talking to an accountant, or registering any fucking companies. All that shit is on the later base until you have proved the viability of your company and you have money coming in. When you're rich and you have money in the bank, then worry about that stuff. Do not waste your time, energy, and money doing all that legal crap before you know anything about whether your business is going to work or not. Don't do that. It's, the, it's, it's counterproductive and it's expensive and it's a time sink. If every time I had to start a company or an idea, I had to go register a company, get an account, and do tax forms, do VAT forms, what a waste of time. I've started maybe 100 companies in my life. 20 of them made money. You're telling me 80 times I would have had to fuck around? Don't do that. I know so many people who have a company legally, but don't have a company in reality because it exists as a legal entity, but it does not provide cash. A company provides cash. If you're a street drug dealer, you own a company. Much more than the guy with all the legal entities which ain't making money. Do not, we're hustlers here. It's the Hustlers University. Do not confuse this. Money in. What's the lessons I've been teaching you? Money in. Where's the money in? Legal shit is a cost. We're not interested in costs until we've seen the money in. Do not get legal before you get rich. You do not need any legal bullshit. You need a website, a domain name, and you. That is it. You do not need any legal bullshit before you get rich. Don't make that fucking mistake. The reason people do that is because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel better because then they feel like they have a company. So people go, I want to start a company. They don't know what to do and they don't know how to make money. So they think, well, if I spend money and set it all up legally, then, it's, then, then I've got a company. Then they feel better inside, like they've achieved something, when really they've achieved nothing because they're still not making money. Don't fall into these traps so you can walk around telling everyone you have a company because you spent money. Anyone can spend money. Making money's hard. Spending money's fucking easy. Do not do that vanity, I own a company on paper garbage. Fuck all that off until money's coming in the bank. Do not get legal before you get rich. Extremely important. Point nine. Use what you got. So, this comes down to one of the ideas for how, what idea of a business to run. So, I just gave you the example of the 15-year-old cousin who can make websites, now you own a website company. Or your 15-year-old cousin who can do, I don't know, fucking, who knows what he can do. He can mow lawns. Every 15-year-old can mow lawns. Now you have a lawn mowing business. Bang. Tell his stupid ass to go deliver some flyers. Drive him around in your car. Play some two-pack. Chill out in your car. Text some bitches. Drive at five miles an hour. Let him drop off all the leaflets. And then let him mow all the lawns. You collect all the money and just pay him a percentage. Bang. You now own a lawn mowing company. Congratulations. Use what you got. I made a lot of money with webcam girls. If you're watching this, you don't know that. Webcam girls. You can go to chatterbait.com. You see girls on there on webcam, getting naked, talking to dudes, taking money. That made me millions and millions of dollars. I came up with that idea by sticking to this principle. Use what you've got. So right now, if you're sitting there, make a list of everything you have. And I mean everything. 
You have a house, say it's rented. You have a car, it's on lease. You have uh, physical strength, let's say you're a strong guy. When I was making my list, I was writing everything down. I was like, well, I've got six girlfriends. Six girlfriends. So, okay, strip. how can girls make me money? Strip club, but that takes money to set up. Remember? Costs, money in. Strip club, I cannot, I cannot get money in in a strip club without a club. So I looked at all the costs for a strip club and realized it's too expensive before I could get money in. It's too big a risk. Remember? It's too much risk. I could lose three, four hundred grand. Can't risk that. How can I get money in? How can I get money in for having hot girls without spending money out? So my first idea was strip club. But I looked at all the costs. I was like, okay, so how, why do men send, why do men spend money on girls in strip club? Because girls are beautiful. They get to look at the girls, see some titties. How can I do that without the club? Well, the internet. If I put them on the internet, it's cheap. This is literally how I thought. I stuck to my business principles. Okay, it's cheap. Start looking up, bound. Discovered the webcam websites. All right, so I've already got the girls. I've already got a laptop. I've already got the internet. Bang. The day I had the webcam idea, the same day I was making money. I didn't spend any money, but I was making new money because I refused to allow myself to spend. Then I started making new money in with the webcam because I knew I had the internet. I knew I had laptops. I knew I had girls. Use what you've got. Look around you. What people do you have? Does your old mother need a new job? Maybe she's at home and she's bored and she wants to, maybe she'll mail things for you. I don't fucking know. Do you have cousins, nieces, nephews? Do you have a girlfriend who has nothing to do? Use what you have. People, things you have, make a fucking long ass list and you'll start thinking of ideas, business ideas. And they're going to come to you like the strip club came to me. But then you're going to sit there and go, okay, this is a good idea, but I can't afford that. But then you're going to go back to the other lessons I've taught you. Okay, this is how much it would cost to set up that way. But how can I get the money in that this would generate without all the costs? And if you do that and you sit there with a piece of paper and you write everything down and you stick to the principles I've taught you so far about how to start businesses, you may find a business you can start for a couple grand. You've already got your staff, a couple grand, you got an idea, you try it, doesn't work, lost a couple grand. Does work, bang, you're rich. That simple. If it starts to work, speed, 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 more, more, more. Lesson one. It's really not that complicated. This is how hustlers get rich. It's really, really simple. So, use what you got. A lot of you already have things you can use, you just don't use them. Uber's another one, man. Uber's a fucking perfect one. So, I know Uber doesn't pay very much at all. I know that. But, you know what everyone loves to do when they first get their driving license? Drive. Maybe you have a 17-year-old cousin or some shit, he's just learned to drive. Get his ass on Uber. Rent a car. Find a way to rent a car with unlimited mileage per month. Tell him he's going to do 10 hours of Uber a day to train how to drive. Lie to his ass and say that you, in the Uber app you can track and make sure he ain't breaking the speed limits so he drives safe. Put his ass on Uber, pay for his gas, and, keep, and give him half the money and keep half for yourself. Bang. Done. Set him up. Get him ready. This, this is shit. I didn't plan. I'm just telling you things off the top of my head. Because this is how I think as a hustler. I don't, I don't need to sit and think. I just know there's money. And I find a way to get the money. That's how I am. So right now, you've got cousins out there who aren't driving Uber. If you can convince them to drive Uber, well then why don't they do it without you? Easy. You can talk some shit. Make some shit up. Hey, have you got an Uber account? No. I'll set it all up for you because it's complicated and there's some tax. I'll handle the tax. Don't pay no tax. Just lie. 
Blah, 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 get them an Uber, get them in cars, bang, 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 take the money. Done. What are you waiting for? Use what you got. You've already got people, there's cars, there's things happening. You're just not doing anything. Look around, make a full list of what you have, stick to the business principles and find a way to get money in without spending money out. And you won't lose. That's what I did with the webcam company. And it made me millions of dollars. Millions. I ended up with huge numbers of girls. All because one girl, I started with one girl, made money, bought another laptop, got another girl, two girls, made money, bought a bigger apartment, three girls, four girls, five girls, bang, 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 bang. Before you know it, I had a fucking empire of women. Because I stuck to my business principles. I never, I never spent money I didn't make first. I never, from my webcam company, which ended up generating over $7 million, I never once ever spent money that I hadn't made. I didn't spend a dollar out of my pocket that I hadn't already made first from the webcam company. I started that from zero, just like I started my advertising agency, zero. And this is why when people come to me and go, I want to start a business, I need an investment. I sit there and think, you don't know about business. Because if you knew about business and your idea was really good, you wouldn't need my money. You'd pull it off for zero. If you're talented and your idea is good, you don't need money. So if you can't make it work for zero or for very little, then it probably wouldn't work anyway and you just lose a whole bunch of money. Because if it would work, if it's a good idea and it will work, then money will start coming in fast and you'll have the money you need. If no one's sending you money in to give you the money you need, then the idea doesn't work anyway. So if I put these hoes on, if I, hoes, I take that back. It's horrible. If I put these chicks on cam and no one was paying them, then they weren't hot enough to be in a strip club, were they? Luckily they were, I know my girls are hot, but it's just an example. This way I get to find out if they're good enough for free. This way I get to find out if they're good enough for two, 300 grand. Think about it, use what you've got. You've already got shit out there, you're just lazy. Point 10, staff. I know a lot of people who are starting companies or they wanna start a business and the first thing they say is I need an assistant or I need this, or I need that member of staff. Staff need a clear objective. So here's the very simple magic rule for staff. Staff either make you money or save you time. That's a clock, in case you're wondering. Or you don't need them. So a salesman, a sales staff will sell things and bring money in. You'll be able to sit there and see exactly each week how much money that member of staff made you and you'll be able to make sure that he made you more than he cost you. Fine. Other members of staff are gonna save you time. Even if it's a general assistant or PA. You'll be able to see the time saved with the tasks they've given. And you need to be able to sit down with a piece of paper once a month, once every couple of weeks, whatever, and audit your staff, staff member. How much money did they make? How much did they cost? Positive or negative? Staff member, what tasks did they complete? How much longer from my life would it have taken me to do those tasks? Is it worth the money? Because if you could have done those tasks in your free time where you spent watching TV, then you don't need that fucking member of staff. Fire them and save the cash. You have to audit your staff very specifically by this method. They either save you time or they make you money or you don't need them. Now, anyone who's worked any kind of job knows if you go into any kind of company, most people are doing nothing. I've worked so many jobs and everyone did nothing. 
In fact, I had a job at a company selling advertising. After I left the, after T2 failed, I got a job at another company selling websites and all this kind of advertising. And I spent three of my five days a week reading Wikipedia because I didn't care because I had a basic and it was enough. And, I was, and by then I was training to be a world champion. I was tired all the time, so I didn't give a shit. And no one called me up on it. No one noticed. Three days a week, I did nothing but read Wikipedia pages because I couldn't access Facebook. It was interesting. That is literally the level of laziness most people experience. If you take out coffee breaks, cigarette breaks, chit-chatting in the office, most people do fucking nothing. I'm very sure you could fire 50% of the people in nearly any company and the company would be just fine if the other 50% did some real work. Everyone's lazy. Big companies are inefficient because they haven't got time to do this. But you're not going to have a big company. You're a hustler. You're going to have a few members of staff. You're going to make millions of dollars. And you're going to make sure that you're either making you money or they're saving you time. Now, if the amount of time they're saving you isn't enough or they're not making enough money to cover their wages, they got to go. There is, you've got to be ruthless in this game. But this is how staff, this is the magic formula of staff. So when people say to me, I want to start a company, I need an assistant. I say, an assistant to do what? Oh, just to help me with things. What things? What things will they help with? How long do those things take? How much time is that going to save you? And why do you not have the time to do them yourself? Because you want to watch TV? Because you need to relax? Because you're afraid you'll burn out? Shut up. It's garbage. It's all garbage. You want to feel important and tell someone what to do. That's not how you get rich. This is the magic staff formula. Do they make me money? Do they save me time? Write it all fucking down. Work it out. And if it ain't good enough, they gotta go. Simple. That is how you manage staff. Because I get asked so many questions about staff. Making me money, save me time. Done. Another thing that's important with staff is you have to teach staff your business ethics. So whenever I have a member of staff, I've argued with staff plenty of times because everything must be done quickly. But that is how I work. That is how I want them to work. Now, I am 100% certain that even if it's only by 1%, the fact that I am uncompromising in the fact I want things quickly, things get done quickly or quicker. If I didn't say anything, it may take 10 seconds. If I complain, it may take nine seconds. It may only be a tiny saving. But that is how I work. That is how the people I work with, I want them to work. Speed is everything. So when you get new members of staff on board as well, make sure they understand your business principles, especially number one, because that is your business mantra, speed. So if you have a salesman and he's selling and he's doing fantastic, that's good. You can sit him down and say, you know what, you're doing a fantastic job, you're making lots of money. I'm very, very proud of you. Look, you're making this, 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 you've done really well, but you're making target. There's only one thing I wanna talk about is how quickly you work. I'm like, what do you mean, I'm hitting target? Yeah, you are hitting target, but when you're inputting information to the system, I think we can get that done quicker. There must be a faster way we can get that done. Free up his time. If he does things quicker, he has more free time to sell more products, he'll make more money. Speed, no one ever works fast enough. When I was fighting, jab, cross, the basics, is never quick enough. It has to be quicker, it has to be quicker. In fighting, there's no such thing as too quick. Everything must be faster all of the time. It's the same in your business, all of the time faster. All of it, all the time. If your assistant is saving you time, if they work faster, they save you more time because they have more time to do more things to save you time. Faster, all the time. So even if they're both performing, you still have to re-incenticize and re-alliterate point one. Point one is super, super important. If you do that, you're going to get more out of your staff, more money's going to be made, more work's going to get done. It's better for everyone as a whole. I learned this business. I learned this. We're going to come, I'm probably, some of these points will overlap, but before television, 
I worked as a fishmonger when I was 15 was my first job and I used to carry boxes of ice and uh, fish at six o'clock in the morning on the market. Shit job. In the middle of winter, you're carrying ice six in the morning. It's minus five. It's horrible. Your hands are shaking. It's a horrible job. And I got paid no money, but I did it because I wanted money. So if I'll do that at 15, your 15 year old nephew will make a fucking website. So I used to get up at five, run from where I lived in Luton to the town center market, run because I didn't have a fucking car, work 10 hours and then run home. That's how much energy you have when you're young. That's what I did. And the person I worked for was my uncle. My uncle worked there. His name was Keith. And he always used to tell me faster, 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 faster. And I was always trying to move these boxes of fish as quickly as possible. And one, when I was moving all the boxes, I'd say, yeah, but if I finish it all, what's the rush? I'm here till five o'clock. He goes, no, 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 faster, faster, faster. He'd always push me to finish it. And then if I finished everything, I'd have maybe three hours left. If I, did, if I walked, it would take me to 10 hours. If I ran like crazy, it would take me seven hours. So I'd have three hours spare. I say, now what do I do? He goes, there's always work to do, find work to do. I'm like, what do you mean find work to do? He goes, find work to do, find work. To do. If I see you standing around, I'm gonna get angry, find work. That's what he used to say. I'd end up sweeping the floor or wiping the walls, cleaning the walls, some dumb shit. But he was right. And we're gonna come to this point later on. If you do things quickly, you have more time to find work to do. And finding work to do adds up. I swept the floor, I wiped the walls. Maybe someone came in, saw the nice, clean, pristine walls and bought some fish they wouldn't have otherwise bought if there was a tiny mark on the walls, who knows? The point is the work got done quicker because I was being pushed to be fast. It got done and then more work happened. Even if it was menial work, more work happened in the same time frame. More work got done. That made me more valuable as a staff member. That's how he valued me. You've got to be the same. Right. That's the first 10 lessons. We have 90 more. The first 10 lessons of the Hustlers University. I bet you're sitting there already and your mind's blown. You're sitting there like, whoa, I've learned so much. I didn't think of it that way. Tate, you're a genius. I know. We have 90 more. We've just begun. If you've watched this video once, I recommend watching it two or three times. These things need to sink in like second nature to you. You need to be able to recite them one by one. We've talked about how you start companies, what you prioritize in a company, how you make sure everything's done quickly and why that's so important, how you manage staff, how you find ideas to relaunch companies, what members of staff you can get. We've covered all this in the first 10 points. This alone is enough. This alone is worth the value what I've taught you. And we've just begun. The first 10 points of the Hustlers University. If you watch this video, I recommend you watch it two or three more times before you even move on to number two. If you wanna move on to number two, do it. But you need to pay attention to these because they are the basis of everything I'm gonna teach you here on after. Hustlers University, straight into it. Point 11, outsource cheaply. If there's something you cannot do and you need someone to do it, you need to outsource cheaply. You can either find a student, as I've discussed earlier, finding a niece, nephew, blah, 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 or find students. Students are fantastic because students need work to do for their fucking projects or whatever. Let's say you need a video. Find a, find a film student. They'll do it cheaper than a, a film company. Find students or use Fiverr. Outsource cheaply. And never, the point 11 is, never hire, if you can avoid it, please do. Don't hire another company to do your work. So as a company, let me uh, remove my beautiful diagram. As a hustler, because I'm not trying to teach you how to be a CEO. I'm teaching you how to make 
five or six million dollars a year so you can buy supercars and enjoy your life. As a hustler, you want to be here at the top. That's me. Wait, maybe there's some muscles. There we go. That's me with the big arms, the G. That's me. I'm the hustler. I'm the CEO. Underneath me, you might have to have one company. Let's say I develop an app. I need an app development company. But if I can help it, I'll hire a student to make my app. Ideally, you want individuals below you. You want this person who's your assistant. This person is your sales. This person does your app development or whatever. And it's all people. Maybe you will need a company below you to do something. So let's, let's, let's make this specific. Let's say I have an app company. And then let's say this person is, these are all people that do different things. Sales, sales, assistant, sales. My relationship with the people is always going to be better and cheaper than my relationship with the company. Because a company is not interested in making you rich. And I know you think the people aren't either, but bear with me. A company is interested in making itself rich. They're very different things. So if I have, a, let's take an example as a website. If I need a new website and I tell a person who works for me to make that website, me and the person have a personal vested interest in such website. I can discuss with him personally, we can get it done. If I hire a company to make my website, it gets added to the list of work. And then this company thinks, how can we get more websites? Do you understand where I'm coming from? The person who's tasked with the website has one job, make my website. The company who's tasked with the website has two jobs, make the website and find more people who need websites. They need to do two things. And if they're smart, and some of them are, if they had to choose between delivering your website on time or taking on more work and taking more money, they'll take the money. Their primary focus is not your site. Their primary focus is generating money. Do you understand these? There's a huge difference. This person's primary focus is completing his job for his boss. This person's primary focus is not completing the job for the boss. It's getting more money from somewhere else. It's nothing to do with you. Fair enough. They may have more people in different departments, blah, blah, blah. But that's still the primary goals of the individuals. The primary goal of the individual and the primary goal of the company. Plus the company's more expensive. So you want to try and outsource cheaply. You want to have individuals you work with. Now, if an individual has a company, fine. That's still an individual. When someone goes, I'm me and I have my company. I see that as an individual. I don't see big companies as, as people I want to work with. If I want a website, I don't want to go into some office full of people making websites. I don't like that. I, I've never had a positive experience with that. It's always expensive. They always have other jobs and other things to do. Their primary goal is making money. They're, they don't really give a shit about you. Now, if you need something very specific and personalized and you need a really big company, okay, do it. But in most cases, you don't. Try and work with people and try and outsource cheaply and try and use students. This is number 11. Nearly anything you need done, a student can do. You can find students and students are, drum roll, broke, which means they work cheap. Find students. If you don't know how to do something, find a student who know, does know how to do it. Try and avoid going to companies. Companies have a different objective than keeping you happy. If you have good staff under you, you become like a team, you become like family. Everyone wants to work together. Everyone wants everything to work. 
If you're a good leader, your staff genuinely want everything to work and, you're, and you genuinely want your staff to be happy. It's a happy medium. Everyone wants success. This company doesn't really give a fuck if your company fails. If you've paid the invoice, they don't give a shit. You've paid the invoice, they have to deliver a website, whatever. They've got 10 other people to make websites for. Oh, your company fucked up, big whoop. Work with people with vested interests. Students, young people, try and outsource cheap, try and avoid hiring another company to do anything. As a, as a hustler, you wanna have you at the top, individuals you can trust below you, and that is the happiest company structure. You don't wanna be working with lots of companies. I know guys who try and start businesses, they hire a website company, they hire an accountancy firm, they hire this, the, and I was like, all it is is you at the top, company below you, company below you, company below you, all trying to send you invoices and suck you dry. It's bullshit. Don't do that, you won't get rich very quickly doing that. Trust me. Point 13, and this is fucking important, and this is the biggest mistake I made with T2. Businesses won't last forever. I know you think your business will last forever, but it won't. And if a business won't last forever, you need to get rich quick and put yourself before your business. The biggest mistake I made with T2 is, I was so desperate trying to keep it afloat that I wasn't taking any of my own money. I bought a new car and I gave myself a little bit of money. But if I could go back in time, I would have milked that cow. I had money in the bank. But to keep it surviving, I didn't want to take so much money. I had to keep Dan's coke habit down so I reduced the amount of wages we were taking, kept it low. So when it all blew up, I wasn't sitting on any money. I kept the company alive at the expense of me. If I could go back in time, by the time it all blew up, I'd be sitting on half a mil clean. Look after yourself first. And this is very, very important because no business lasts forever. It doesn't matter what the business is. Even my TV advertising business that worked 13 years ago would never work today calling people on the phone trying to convince them out of money when they can just get a YouTuber for 500 pounds with more viewership and they can track the clicks and directly see how much money they're getting back that you can't do with TV. I could never sell TV to someone today. Never. This is before Instagram, before social media, before YouTube. All this came along and killed TV now. Now there's a few big brands left. Netflix, who even watches TV? That business wouldn't last anymore. I bet if you told blacksmiths 200 years ago that being a blacksmith ain't gonna ever work again, they'd be like, what? People always need metal, what are you talking about? Blacksmiths don't, aren't around anymore. Every single business is gonna fail, sooner or later. So if it's gonna fail, make sure you get that money before it blows up. I have no problem with any one of my businesses going boom if it's already paid me. If all my cam girls quit but I have three mil, if I've taken all that three mil and invested it in a big studio and reinvested all the money and made everything nice and then they all quit, then what was the fucking point? The goal of a business is to make you rich. This is the point of your business, to make you rich. The point of a business is not to have a business for vanity. The point of the business is to make you rich. Look after yourself first. Now, obviously this is an equation. I'm not saying only look after yourself to look after your business. I'm saying take this in mind Keep it as a happy equation and make sure you're getting that money. With T2, I made a mistake and I kept funneling all the money back into keeping the ship afloat. It's my ship. The T2 ship on the waves. And I didn't take enough of the money for myself. Kept investing in new staff, new computers, 
dumb shit. I was 20. All the lessons I'm telling you now are lessons I've learned. If I would have just taken the money, you know what? Get a deal in. All right, yeah, we'll keep it going. Yeah, just take the money, take the money, take the money, take the money. By the time it blew up, I would have been sitting on 500 fucking grand. And I didn't. You have to look after yourself. A business won't last forever. So you have to take the money and get rich. Look after yourself. If you're thinking about, oh, maybe I need a new camera. Maybe I need a new car. Maybe I need new vans. Whatever your business is. doesn't matter. Think about it, but also think long and heavy. Is that going to bring new money in? Let's look at a, a video production business. Just come to my head. You have a video production business. You're filming in 4K. You want this new camera. It's still 4K, but it does all these extra features. Does the layman understand it? Not really. If you can go to a meeting and tell them you're going to film in 4K, it's the same. That camera is 20 grand. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just off the top of my head. I don't know anything about cameras. Do you spend the money on that camera or do you just pocket the 20 grand? I'm telling you what you do. You pocket the 20 grand because it's not going to get you any more clients. It's still 4K. You can just lie in the meetings and pretend your camera can do what that camera can do. You're not going to lose or make any more business. Get the fuck, you take the 20 grand. It ain't going to add money in directly so you don't need it. You need to be getting rich from your company. Look after yourself first because when your company fucks up, you need to be able to say, okay, abandon ship. Woo! Abandon ship with fucking suitcases. Don't abandon sh- When I abandoned T2, I had nothing. And that was a mistake. I worked my ass off, sleepless nights, millions of dollars through the bank for nothing. Don't do that. Look after yourself first. This is point 13. A business won't last forever. You need to get rich quick and you need to take the money. Take the money for yourself. Don't run a business for vanity. Look after yourself. Get that money and keep it. If you have to choose between you and the company, most of the time you should be choosing you. It's a, obviously it's a balance. You need to make sure your company's looked after. You need to reinvest in your company, blah, blah, of course. But still, you are the primary focus of your universe. Everything serves you, including your company. That's point 13. Don't make the mistake I made with T2, putting it all back in and not looking after yourself. There's a reason why you can actually put this in the course. Look him up. Sir Philip Green with BHS. Billionaire bought BHS which is a big clothing store in England, saw it was failing, took billions and billions for himself, let it fail, let everyone's pensions go under, let it sink. Once he realized, you know what? What do I do here? Do I, do I just make millions and billions for myself or do I save this company? Nah, for me. He actually lost his lordship for it because they thought it was such an evil thing to do because like a thousand, like 10,000 old ladies lost their pensions who'd worked there for like 40 years. Pretty evil. But the point is the same. As a billionaire, he understood me first. Company second. So he milked it. Uh, There was another company. It was a toy store. And they ran up until Christmas Day. And they took all the money for Christmas. No, it was a catalog. Remember the catalog? There was these these Christmas catalogs. I can't remember. There was these Christmas catalogs. And you pay every month. And you build up this balance. And then before Christmas, you can order all your presents and all your food from the catalog. And they ran up until Christmas Day. And then they closed, took millions and didn't deliver anything, ruined everyone's Christmases. I remember it was big in the news in England. They ruined something like 10,000 families' Christmases because they couldn't afford a Christmas anymore. But the managing director, because the managing director ended up going to court, but he still got away with it because it was legal. He took 7 million. He looked at his business and goes, you know what? I don't think this is sustainable anymore. I'm not going to put any more money into this shit. I'm going to take 7 million pounds. I'm going to fuck it off. I'm going to deal with the big PR disaster. I'm going to go hiding and whatever. I've got 7 mil. He looked after himself first. If you would have put that seven mil back in, the company would have gone bust a year and a half later and you have no money. 
Look after yourself first. Be ruthless with it. Take the money for you. There's no point in going through this stress for any other reason. So Sir Philip Green, look him up. He did it with BHS. And you can also Google uh, Christmas catalog bankruptcy. And you'll see both of these people, both times managing directors took their money. Same thing with the big banks. When the big banks went bust. All the banking directors, you think they didn't take big money? When the big banks all fucked up, you think they didn't take their big bonuses first? The smart people know. Look after yourself first. Look after the business second. The smart people know that. Because as long as you're financially okay, as long as your bills are paid, your mortgage is paid, and you have money, everything's going to be okay. Point 12. I've said this already, but I'm going to say it again. I've been over this, but I'm going to stress it. Like I said, some of these points are going to overlap a little bit because of the way I explain things off the top of my head because I'm a fucking genius. I don't need to sit there and script this out. You can't fuck up if you don't spend money. This is key. It's very hard to fuck up if you don't spend money. Now, if you have a very successful business and you're sitting on lots of money and you don't upgrade your business and then you go out of business, that's a fuck up. You should have spent money. Yes. If you're a blockbuster and you are sitting waiting for people to rent videos and you didn't invest in a streaming service like Netflix and you go out of business, yeah, you fucked up. You should have spent money. But at the beginning of a company, as a hustler, if you don't spend money, it's very hard to fuck up. 99% of business fuck ups are, I spent cash and I can't get it back. I spent cash and I lost it. I spent cash and now I don't have enough cash. If you don't spend, it's very difficult to fuck up. And this is why being broke is so liberating. I was happier starting businesses when I was broke. If you're watching this and you're broke and you're living at home with your mom, you are lucky. If everything goes wrong, you still have somewhere to sleep. You're still going to eat. You haven't got to worry about a mortgage payment. You ain't going to worry about a car payment. If everything fucks up, you're still okay. If you're in a position where you're semi-successful, you have a BMW in an apartment, now you can't afford to fuck up. You're going to lose everything. This is the point. So if you're not successful, things are even better. But spending money is the easiest way to go wrong. If you don't blow money, it's very hard to fuck up. And that's why we go back to the way I teach you to start businesses for nearly for free. Don't spend money. If you're going to spend money, spend it on what you spend it on here. Knowledge, information. I'm going to save you thousands, hundreds of thousands for what you got this course for. But in general, I see people and they're so happy to spend money. Don't spend your money because it's very hard to fuck up if you're not spending money. If you've got a hustle, it doesn't matter what it is, and it's bringing money in, yeah, and you're not spending money all the time, you'll be okay. Now, I'm not saying be tight. I'm not saying don't invest. I'm not saying be stingy. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying be careful and think, do I need to spend this money right now? And when you were to decide if you're going to spend money or not, the question is, is it going to make me more money? So let's take our makeup brand. You have your makeup brand. I chose makeup because I don't know anything about makeup because I'm a man. So it's just a general thing. You have your makeup brand. You have your website. You're doing some advertising. You've got a few YouTubers, makeup YouTubers using your products and you're doing some advertising. You're bringing in money, right? You're bringing in money. Right now, you're all working from home. You're from home. You've got boxes around your bedroom. You're working on a laptop. You're making money. Now, you have some money you can spend. How do you spend that money? I'm asking you, but I already know the answer. The answer is you spend the money in a way that will bring more money in. So let's say you're semi-successful now. 
You may sit and think, well, I want, I want an office now. I need to get an office. No, you want an office. You don't need an office. You're making money without an office. Setting up an office, is that going to bring in more orders? How will you be in an How is you being in an office when the website's exactly the same going to bring in more orders? It's not. It's not going to change anything. If you spend that money on more YouTubers talking about your products, you'll bring in more money. Only spend money if it's going to directly, if you can see the clear path to how it's going to lead to more money in. Or don't spend it. Too many people fuck up because they just go, oh yeah, let me invest in, oh, I need an office. Or we need a, I have this all the time with people, all the time. I get approached with this all the time. You need a back end. Fucking back end. All the time. You need to spend, I get, it was only two days ago, 15,000 euro he wanted to build me this super back end because I have the war room, which is all run on Telegram and all this bots. So when someone buys a product, it automatically links to their Telegram ID, automatically adds them in and out. The war room checks what other products they have, links them into the right rooms in the war room, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there going, okay, I see how that would be useful. A huge, very complicated technical back end. But I don't see how that's going to bring more people in the front. I'm a millionaire. He wants 15 grand, which is nothing. I don't see how me having all this fancy shit behind my website at this current stage, maybe at a later date, is going to make more people buy from my website. So why do I need it? All I need is people to buy. I don't need this back end, fucking back end, this big, huge back end for money. That may speed up things once they've already purchased. But right now I'm doing everything manually with staff and the staff are competent and it's getting done. It's fine. So why do I need to spend this money? It goes against my business principles. When someone explains to me how this back end will convince more people at the front end to buy, then I'll be interested. But until then, if I'm going to spend 15 grand, I'm going to spend it on bringing more people in the front door. Now, if I get overloaded and there's no possible way I can deliver on my products, I'll buy a back end. But until that happens, I am only interested in one thing, money in. What's the other lessons I taught you in the first two, the first 10 lessons? One of the lessons was what? What's a business? A business is this. This is a business. This is a website, ain't a business. Money in the bank, ain't a business. A back end, ain't a business. The only thing that's a business is this. Orders coming in. That is a business. The rest of it is bullshit fulfillment. This is your focus. As long as you have this, you will be okay. T2 succeeded for a year, and it would have been for many years, because of this. As long as you have this, nothing will go wrong. If this goes, you're fucked. You can have the best website, the best cash reserves, and the best back end in the world. If no one's ordering, you're gonna go out of business. If you have lots of orders, no cash reserves, and no back end, but people are buying and buying and buying, you've got a business. This is it. This is your focus. If you're gonna spend money, it has to directly lead to this. Don't fall for the geek shit, especially with the war room. I've had so many people come at me and go, oh, and it's gonna be a program, and it's gonna be blah, blah, geek shit, programming, blah, 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 and you're gonna be able to see everything, da, da, da. Very interesting. I understand why that sounds like something I need, but I don't see how it's gonna convince more people to join the war room. People join the war room because I'm me and I give value. That's why they join the war room. And manually, I make sure everyone ends up where they need to be.
and it's fine. You could argue that this might speed things up and that's gonna go back to number one speed. This is gonna speed things up, give my staff more time. But I already do my staff time equation, remember staff, time saving. I'm very happy with the amount of time that's being saved, the amount of money each member of staff's making me. I have a good equation right now for my staff. That doesn't need adjusting. My staff are all fantastic. Everyone I work with is a G. So I don't need to invest a bunch of money. Plus, it's probably gonna have a bunch of teething problems and not work properly anyway. So the point is, if you're gonna spend money, be careful. And if you're gonna spend money, you need to see a clear link to how it's gonna bring more money in. Nothing else. This is your business. Nothing else is your business. The rest is bullshit. Number 14, reputation control. I get lots of questions of people and say, well, what about you know my reputation? People are saying bad things, etc., etc." To control your reputation is very, very simple. You need to do more good than bad. You're never gonna have people 100% happy. But as long as in general you do more good than bad, you'll be okay. Also, you'll find that people don't often really go out of their way to slander you unless you've really, really pissed them off. And one of the easiest ways to piss people off is to ignore them. So, in business, no matter how bad things are going, you never ignore them. Even if they're blowing up your email and messaging you nonstop, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy, I'm unhappy, try and find a solution. People only get worse and they only get bitter if they're ignored. Because if they're emailing you, then they're not writing all over blogs and forums and making their complaints public. They're complaining directly to you, which means you can manage it. So this is another very important thing about business. Everything I've taught you so far, you, you obviously see there was some struggles along the way. And I learned the most important thing you can do to manage your reputation is to take all the criticism personally so they can't spend the criticism anywhere else. So if someone has any kind of problem, contact them and say, hey, you got a problem, let's talk about it, see if we can work something out, blah, blah, blah. Even if they're a complete unreasonable idiot, if you, complete e if you continue to email them back and forth and let them vent a little, they're very unlikely to continue to just spread crap all over the internet because that's the world we live in now. It's easy to find customers with the internet and it's easy to lose customers with the internet. So for reputation control, make sure you're prepared to speak to people even when they're being dicks. That's point, point 15. And this is very, very important. This is going to be a major way you should change your thinking in regards to business. So you've learned a lot of things so far and you're about to learn something else. And I think I've mentioned this before on Twitter, but if you missed it, this is very, very, very important. You have to change the way you think about money. And you're gonna change the way you think about money by only thinking about money all of the time. So I'll give you an example. 99.9% .9 of people who go in a coffee shop, go in a coffee shop and buy coffee and sit down. If I go in a coffee shop, I go in, I look at the prices of the coffee, I look at how busy the place is, I buy my coffee and I sit down, and then I think, if I had to run this business, would I make money? Could, is there a way I could run this business and make more money? How much do I think the rent is in this establishment? How much are these coffees? How busy is it here? Do they sell cakes and sandwiches to make extra revenue? Who are the main customers? Well, it's mainly businessmen. I can see there must be a business district across the road. Why are the waitresses or why are the people who work here not hot young girls to attract more men to come in if that's the main customer? Think outside the box and look. If I were to open a coffee shop right next door, could I beat them? Are these coffees expensive? Are they cheap? Are they good? You have to start looking at every single business you interact with, every single one, and see how you would compete with them. Or if you had to run their business if you believe you'd make a profit. Because what you'll often find is you'll see there's a lot of people making mistakes and you think you could probably do better and you might be able to beat them. So you need to sit and when you're going through your normal life, you're having your coffee, you're sitting in fucking Starbucks, whatever, 
Obviously, competing with a multinational like that is going to be very difficult. But any business you interact with, just start training your mind to view their business, how you believe it works, everything from rent, overheads, the product, the profit margin, whether you think you could sell more, any tips or tricks they're missing, everything from start to finish. Just have a look and see if you can work it out. You'll be surprised how much you learn about business self-taught. I do it with every bar I'm in, every restaurant I'm in, every coffee shop I go in, everything. Even simple things, like even things I know nothing about, like a mechanics. I don't know anything about fixing cars. Still, I look at the amount of cars they have around. I look at how much they charge me for my time, how much the labor is, how much I think they're charging the low-level workers, where's the big boss, how much is he making. You need to start thinking about money and thinking about businesses like this. Every time you interact with one, you need to analyze it. And your analysis will get better and it'll get more precise. Obviously, there's some information you don't know. You don't know exactly what the rent is. You can estimate it. You should be able to estimate it. So this is one of the really important mind hack I teach anyone who wants to get serious about hustling and making money. You need to start approaching and looking at all businesses this way. Because what's going to happen is when you eventually open your own business, there's going to be some lessons that you identified, some mistakes you identified in the previous businesses that you're going to make sure you don't make. Whether you're opening a coffee shop or an online company, it doesn't matter what it is. You're going to identify the mistakes and you're going to change them. So even next time you buy something online, you buy something online. Most websites nowadays are extremely streamlined. But still, if you identify a problem with the website, if you identify a problem with the email that comes afterwards, if you're unhappy with a particular aspect of customer support, if you don't like the packaging it comes in, whatever. Analyze everything and remember everything because you're going to use this stuff for your new company. So this is a very important mind hack. This is something you need to do permanently as a matter of habit. So what rich people do when they're sitting around money being made or they're sitting around money being exchanged because money's never made, money's only exchanged. When they're sitting around and they see money being exchanged, they work out exactly how and why and who's benefiting. So this is something you need to start doing as a matter of habit. It's extremely important. All right, number 16. If you're working a job, you need to identify all the ways in which you could do your job better. A lot of people work their jobs and they don't try very hard. We've discussed this already about how lazy employees are. If you're an employee right now, you're probably lazy. So you're working a job, you're not trying your best. Make a list of all the ways you could improve how you do your job. You could work faster, you can make more phone calls, you could care more about X, Y, Z. You could do... Uh, the entire nine hours without super long bathroom breaks where you disappear to sit on your phone, whatever, whatever. Make a list of all the ways you can improve the way you do your job. Then ask yourself why you don't do it. Why don't you work at 100% of your capacity? And the main reason is probably going to be because you're not incentivized to do so. I don't know about your job. Obviously, this is the Hustlers University. We're going to teach you how to make money outside of your job. But if you're in a job right now and the fastest way you can do to get a pay rise or increase your money is literally to sit there and think, I need X, Y, Z to be incentivized to do this job properly. I think you'll be surprised how often you can go into your managing director or your, especially for smaller companies, your boss's office and say, look, here's the deal. I want to do X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. I think it's going to make us a lot of money. I just want to say, if I'm right and it pulls off, let me prove myself first. Let me make the money first. But if the money starts rolling in, I just want to know I'm going to be rewarded for it. They'll say, oh, okay. They'll call your bluff because you promised the money. When you go in there and you say that, all you've done is saying, look, I want to make you some money. You say that to them, let the money start coming in, and they'll often reward you for it. If you're not doing your job to the best of your ability, then you need to be doing something else. And if you're not doing the job to the best of your ability, you need to be using that time to start something on the side. So my work history, as you can tell, is very varied. For a long period of time, I worked, when I say long, about a year, I worked for a company called N2. N2 sold, tele, uh, sold web advertising. It sold advertising uh, websites, SEO, uh, Google AdWords, all that kind of thing. 
So we would call up companies and convince them they need a new website or they need SEO or Google AdWords or hosting, blah, blah, blah. It was, a very, it was like an online advertising agency. This is a few years ago. At the same time I was working there, this is the, co- this is the company when I w- read Wikipedia three, three days a week. At the same time I was working there, I was pissed off that I wasn't a business owner anymore. I kept remembering T2 and all the mistakes I made at T2 and I wanted to start a television advertising agency again, but I couldn't afford to quit this job and I also knew that it was gonna be very, very hard to sell television advertising like I did a few years before because this was, when I was selling it before, was just before the big credit crunch, remember that? Now we're in the height of the credit crunch, so it's gonna be very difficult to get money out of people. So I decided to start a company anyway. I started a television advertising company called Vixels. I, I looked at the word pixels, I changed the P to a V. Doesn't make any sense. Vixels television advertising, and what I would do is, my brother would pitch television from home, and I would still work my normal job, and in between not doing any work in my normal job, I'd provide leads and fulfill leads, et cetera, et cetera. So not only am I working a normal job, I'm also, have, I had another company on the side at the same time. And what was good about this is, if I went to a company to give them a website, and it was a particularly big company, and a company I think could afford TV, then I'd pitch them for Vixels on the side, or, call, or tell Tristan to call them and pitch them. So simultaneously as doing my job, I was running another company. Now, Vixels never really took off. I landed three or four deals. I maybe did two, three hundred grand, which isn't a lot of money to me now, but two or three hundred grand is a lot of money to most people in a year of a company. So instead of just sitting at my job doing absolutely nothing, I was doing a lot of nothing. I was reading Wikipedia. But I was also doing as much as I could for my own company on the side. So if you have a, if you have a job right now, don't quit your job. People say to me all the time, oh, I need to quit my job. No, you don't. You don't need to quit your job. I guarantee there's enough time in the day for you to work your job and work your side hustle. Guaranteed because you're lazy and you don't do shit in your job anyway. You have all the time you need to continue with your job, get your side hustle rolling. When your rust hustle's rolling and you know the money's coming in, then quit. You don't need to quit your job at the same time. So people say to me all the time, well, should I quit my job? And the answer is often no. You don't need to quit your job until you've been through and you've sorted out all the things you've already been over so far in this university. Is money coming in? Why would you quit your job? Is money coming in? Yes or no? No, well then why would you quit your job? I showed you already how easy it is to get money flowing in get the site online, bang, 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 get the money in, even if none of the fulfillment is ready. So if money's not coming in, you don't need to quit your job. No, you need to do everything at the same time. You can get money rolling in first before you consider ducking out of a job, sitting around at home and being broke. So that's a very important key thing about jobs. I get asked that all the time. Next point, and this is a very important one. People, I'm going to make this very, very clear. People do not buy on price. You do not want to compete on price. For whatever company you're gonna run, you do not wanna compete on price. T2 competed on price, and okay, it lasted a while because of speed, but even nowadays, that would be much harder to do, and I'll tell you why. The people who compete on price are gonna be you. So if you go to amazon.com and look at the phone cases for 89 cents for the case and delivery, and it's coming all the way from fucking China, how, how do they make money on that deal? I don't have a clue, but they managed to pull it off. There's too much Southeast Asian and Asian production now. Everyone's producing everything so cheap. There's no way you're going to win on price. You need to sell on brand. Here in the West, living where we live, that's our advantage. We have the whole idea of branding and quality and reputation. These are the things you need to sell on. You do not want to sell on price. You don't want to price people out the market. But when you're sitting there looking at your prices, you don't want to sit there and go, well, you know, I want to make it really affordable. I really have never, never experienced that. So you've joined my university. This is, I don't know if you joined at half price for 999 or you joined at the full price, whatever. 
I could have done this cheaper, but why would I do it cheaper? This is the value. The value here is everything I'm saying. This is how much it should cost. So you can't just be looking to sell things as cheap as possible. I see a lot of guys, especially the Twitter gurus, loads of them are selling eBooks for like $17 or $13. How are the fuck are you gonna get rich off $17 eBooks? You're not. So if that's the only price people will buy from you at, then that shows your brand has no strength, no reputation. Because if you had genuine strength and reputation, you could sell at a real price. So where your price point lies says a lot about who you are as a person. Do you want to be fucking Lambo? I'll write Lambo down because I like that word. Or do you want to be bullshit? This is where all the ebooks, the little ebooks are. This is where I am. Why can I sell more than them? Why can I sell for a much higher margin, a much higher price? Because I have a reputation and I provide a better quality product. So when you're looking for whatever you're going to do, whatever you're going to launch, when you start putting prices out there, if you put it up high and you're not selling, and you find yourself really reducing the price to try and get sales, that says a lot about who your reputation is and you need to do some reputation management. You need to build your reputation, build your credibility, build on the point that you're an expert in your field. And as you do that, your price will increase. That is the easiest way to make more money because there's only a certain amount of customers in the world. Let's say there's only, there's only 100 incels who are gonna buy a book about how to fuck today. There's only 100 of them. That's the only people on Twitter who are gonna buy a book about how to fuck today. So the easiest way to make more money is to charge this hundred people more money instead of trying to find more people, especially with Twitter. Because if you're selling on Twitter, Twitter following doesn't grow that fast. Your Twitter followers may not be that big. And if it, even if it is, let's say a of 30,000, they don't grow very quickly. You get shadow banned, takes a long, long time. So you only have a certain amount of potential customers. So you want each one to spend as much money as possible. This is the reality of the game. So if you're selling shit cheap, like a lot of these Twitter guys do, that's because they're cheap and they're lame. They're lame. Never sell on price. Also, you'll have more problems and more complaints from people who buy cheap things than people who buy expensive things. And the reason is because the people who buy expensive things are getting Lambo quality, like you're getting here, all the information I'm giving you. The people who buy the cheap things, they're just buying it because it's so cheap. They don't believe in the person. They're just like, oh, what's the worst I can do? I'm only losing 13 bucks. But then they'll still feel pissed off when they realize it's garbage. So your number one goal, your number one aim in whatever business you do is to constantly be increasing prices. You need to be looking to constantly increase the price. And the way you do that is by constantly building on your reputation. That is how it goes. Even if you have to start off at a lower price, you need to always increase the price. You should never get to a point where you've priced yourself out. People don't buy on price. People buy what they want. If people want something, they're gonna buy it. There's a whole bunch of expensive shit that people buy, trust me, because they want it. So you have to make sure that people want your product. Do not be one of those, well, I'm the cheapest on the market, guys, because that never works well. It gives you a bunch of dickhead customers and it stops you making any kind of serious money. It's bullshit. Don't do it. Next, you need to learn to shut up and listen. This is a really important point for business. Super important because it's something I see a lot of people make mistakes with. I'm going to destroy my beautiful diagram here. Right. Most people, once they start a business, won't shut the fuck up about their business. I know so many people who are making money and yeah, they're making money. But as soon as you start talking about money, all they talk about is how they make money, their business, how smart they are, ego investment, how great they are. That is not going to teach you anything. You only learn by listening. So whenever I'm around people who are making money, I don't talk about money. 
I mean, it's different if they're friends of mine, I've known them for a long time, we're interacting. But I mean, if I'm meeting people and they're businessmen and everyone's talking about how they're making money, I shut the fuck up and I listen. Because anyone who's making money, one way or another, knows something you don't know. There's a lesson everywhere. So when you interact with someone who's rich, you have to say enough to convince him to talk. But don't talk too much yourself. The more you talk about your own business and how you do things, the more time you've wasted. You already know your own business. You already know how you do things. Maybe if you're asking him directly for feedback, yeah, I do this, what do you think of this? But if you're bragging, ah, blah, blah, and I'm this, and I turn over this, da, da, you're just wasting time. Let other people talk. Learn from other people who are making money. Even if they're in an industry which is completely different to yours, it doesn't make a difference. Shut up and listen, because somebody knows something. Even Dan, who I ran T2 with, Dan was a crackhead. Dan taught me shitloads about advertising and shitloads about sales. He taught me loads of things. This guy's got a fucking coke problem. It's out of his mind and he taught me things. There's nobody you cannot learn from. You can learn from anybody who understands anything about either sales or making money. So be prepared to shut the fuck up when you interact with these people and sit and listen and adopt it. Be super prepared. Next. I'll tell you another little thing we did at T2 actually. Something just came to my mind. We had T2 and we had another company called Angel. I was, such, I was 20, I was a dick. I don't know why I called it Angel TV. So we had another company called Angel TV. And what we do is we'd pitch TV companies as normal. And if we ever had a company which was really close to doing it, but for some reason just wouldn't go across the, over the edge, wouldn't buy, then we'd call them up and pitch them from Angel for a tiny bit of a discount. So let's say we're pitching someone at 19 grand, we're trying to get them, we're trying to get them, trying to get them, they won't do it. Then we call them up from Angel and say, hi, we have a one-time special offer, 18,000. And try and close them that way, even though it, there was no profit in it. But the point is, that's another little thing you consider, another little business tip. If you have a company like that, if you have a partner, a business partner, or you have some members of staff that they perhaps wouldn't interact with if they're talking to you in the initial organization, if you're really trying to get this order and you just can't get it in, you can always try and pitch at some other company and take the business that way. I know a lot of people who are doing that, I won't say who, in lots of different industries who are coming along, trying to close the business, closing a lot, but those stubborn motherfuckers are coming along with another company and scooping them up. Keep that in mind. There's something else you can write down and think about. We'll come back to Angel later on in your university curriculum. Next, attention is free advertising. So you need to get good at getting some attention, somehow. I get attention, because I'm the Don. But you need to find a way to get attention. Because all advertising is, is buying attention, which is fine. But buying attention is more expensive than getting attention for free. And when I say for free, I mean free financially. Getting attention is still going to take time with your money. But you need to find a way to get attention. I think you already understand this. You already understand viral marketing. No such thing as bad press, blah, blah, blah. But finding a way to get attention is a fantastic way to start generating money. Now, what most people do is, you see a lot of people, they find ways to get attention, but they don't monetize it. So for this, I'm going to put in an example of my Star Wars thread. I want you, we're going to start putting it on the screen now. When you look at my Star Wars thread, I said something that pissed off the nerds. You can see I pissed off the nerds. It started to go viral, started to get traction. And for every single tweet afterwards, all I'm trying to do is promote my website. I'm doing it in a funny way. I'm doing it in a way that annoys them. I'm doing it in a way that's going to get some interaction. But I'm still trying to promote my website from start to finish. That is the end goal. Get attention and then do not be afraid to shamelessly sell, sell, sell. But you have to find a way to get some attention first. Now that's not easy in the modern world because everybody's vying for each other's attention. 
especially on the internet. Everyone is competing for attention, but attention is key. So finding a way to do it is important. I know a guy, I had a guy who had a, uh, this is the most simple, stupid example, but it's true. He had a, it's one of these guys in Romania and they wrap cars and they're in an industrial state. And he painted the entire side of his wall with a huge mural, like a spray paint mural of a car being wrapped. And I said to him, that was badass, how much did it cost? He goes, it cost me 3,000, but it's increased my business big time. I've made all my money back big time. I said, why? He goes, people look at it when they drive past and then they want to, they see it's artistic, it's creative, and they want to work with us. He got attention. He fucking painted his wall. But anything it takes to get attention. If you have a sign on your company, is the sign big and bright and bold enough? Probably not. There's no such thing as bad attention. In the world we live in now, we live in an attention economy. If you have lots of attention, you can turn that into money. If you have no attention, you're not going to have any money. We're in an attention economy. You don't even need good ideas now. YouTube has proved attention economy. You have fucking morons out there doing nothing on vlogs, talking shit and being complete losers. But because people watch it, because they get attention, they're millionaires. Attention is the currency of the modern world. So if you're going to start any kind of business, one thing you need to consider is, we talked earlier about money in, all your money out. This is your only real business, the money in. And how you don't want to be investing any of your money in anything that doesn't lead back to here. You can see that bottom one there. But you know what's going to lead to this? You know what's going to increase the number of sales coming in? Attention. Attention is key. Attention is going to accelerate everything. So you need to keep that in mind. Don't be afraid to do things that are a little bit crazy to get people to pay attention to you. Now, obviously, I'm not saying join ISIS or something stupid to get attention. Keep it in mind. But attention is the currency. Attention is the magic formula, that the, the catalyst that's going to take any company and blow it up fast. So keep that in mind when you're looking to launch your company or you're already running your company. Does my company get enough attention? No. Okay. So which, which company in my industry does get attention? This one. How do they get it? Oh, well, they pay for advertising or for example, or they did this viral campaign or they sponsored this. How is, are the people taking the attention that you want? How can you get the attention? Find a way. If you have to go and run a marathon dressed as a fucking dinosaur with your company name on the back, then go do it. It's effectively free and it's good for you. Don't be lazy. You have to do something to get some attention. Attention is the key. That's going to be the difference between a failed business and a successful business. Even with the cam girls, people said to me all the time, cam girls, that's not a real business. Girls just get naked and they just make money. No, that's not true. Girls used to say, oh, what? You just get naked and you get money. No, it's not like that at all. Making money as a cam girl is difficult. It's a real business. How many girls are online right now? 100,000 maybe? You're trying to compete with all those titties and pussy. It all looks the same effectively, tits and pussy. It's all the same. How do you compete with that? How do you get the attention of men when they have so many choices? They can click, scroll, scroll, scroll through all the titties. So how do you get the attention? So as a cam girl, with all my cam girls I was training, we would have meetings. How do we get attention? And that's why all these girls do like cosplay and dress up as video game characters that are differentiation, anything it takes to get attention. So the cam girl industry is completely an attention industry. You have to find a way to get attention. You have to think about it. So with the cam girls, we did lots and lots of different things, very small things that made a big difference. 
remembered customers' names, remembered the names of their pets, paid attention to them, said hello when they came in the room, called them by their first name. So they all felt valued, so they kept coming back to try and build some loyal follow followers. Made sure that their thumbnail, when they broadcasted, they had a little thumbnail. So their thumbnail, when they broadcasted, was a really hot one, so they looked good. So people would, oh, that thumbnail looks interesting, click on it. Make sure their room was interesting, a few things in the background, da 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 da, -da. Basic advertising stuff, but it's all the business of getting attention. Don't forget that, super, super important. Right, next, coming on from the cam girl thing, play on people's insecurities. So I made lots of money with cam girls, and in three days from the filming of this, I'm opening my first casino. People have vices and people have insecurities, and if you can find a way to twist them, you're gonna make money. People can't help but lose their money in casinos. The house always wins. People like tits and ass, and they're desperate to have a hot girl. That's why they talk to cam girls. So even if you're running a business which is very traditional, let's say you're running clothing, people like to feel good looking and attractive. You have to twist that angle. You have to put something on the angle so that people go, you know what, I wanna be attractive. I wanna be good looking. I wanna look at, I wanna be seen as important. That's what all these brands do when Porsche and Mercedes, they advertise as a businessman. Mr. Businessman, getting in his car, has his briefcase, Mr. Business, he's important. You're not important, you're not a Porsche, you're, you're a nobody, you're a loser. You have to play to people's insecurities. The cam business was the number one for this. Play to people's insecurities and promise with your product that everything's gonna be better. So, I'll give you an example. So with the cam girls, guys would come along. The guys who are talking to the cam girls can't really get girls, obviously, because otherwise they wouldn't be there. So they can't really get girls, but our cam girl would tell them that they could get girls, or that they could get them. So let's say the guy would come along and say, oh, so uh, what, kind of, what kind of guys do you like? The cam girl would describe that guy. And this is something I had to train my girls to do because girls are so stupid. So like literally a fat old man would come along and say, what kind of guys do you like? And she'd be like, young, fit, Italian men or something dumb. And obviously he'd be like, well, that's not me. So there's not gonna be a relationship there, is there? Whereas if a fat old man said, what kind of guys do you like? She'd be like, oh, someone mature, someone who's done playing games, someone who's ready to settle down, I know will value me. All the bullshit that he wants to hear. Sell people what they want. Play on their insecurities. And he's sitting there going, yeah, well, I've, I've been trying to look for a girl like that my whole life, but I just can't find them. Oh, where are you based? If we keep talking, maybe one day we'll meet one year later, two years later, taking his money, taking his money, taking his money. You have to play on people's insecurities and you have to find out exactly what people want. So I don't know what you're going to sell and it doesn't matter what you're going to sell. What are you going to sell? Why do people want it? I'm right now we're in a university. You guys want it because you want to learn how to make money. That's why. So in all of my advertising and all of everything I'm doing, I make it very, very clear to you. You need this to learn how to make money. I know more about business than you. I've run more businesses than you have. If you don't get what I have, if you don't get the Hustlers University, you're not going to know what I know. So you're not going to make money like I make money. I identified the re it's the product. We have it here. I identified the reason you're buying it and I'm pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. So I don't know what you're going to sell. Say you're selling fucking protein shakes. I don't know. You don't sell, a lot of people will sell a protein shake, best flavor, this much carbs, this much sugar, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? It's boring. If you're going to sell your protein shake, I'm going to draw a protein shake. I'm going to draw one. It's going to be artistic and beautiful. If you're selling protein shakes, you need to say to people, you won't be strong without the protein shake. You won't be fit without my product. Why are you wasting your time in the gym when you're not going to get in good shape anyway? Oh, you'll get in shape.
but you'll be in better shape if you use my product. Fuck the product. Who cares what's in the product? Sell the result. You need this. You need this because of X, Y, Z. Doesn't matter if you're selling protein shakes or the Hustlers University or motherfucking raspberries. Doesn't matter what it is. You have to push that point over and over and over again. Play on people's insecurities. That's what makes people buy. Because they're not going to buy otherwise. Oh, I can go to the gym and I'll get in shape. And oh, do I need more carbs? I don't know. No, who cares? It's all dork shit. The odd geek will care, but most people don't care. You need protein shakes or your gym time is a waste of time. Why are you suffering in the gym for no reason? If you drink this one drink, you're not wasting your time anymore. Stop being a loser. Quickly. Bye. That's how you have to be. Play on people's insecurities all the time. Next. This is a really important one. And this feeds into one of the points I made earlier about the coffee shop. Let's imagine you go in the coffee shop. You probably, unless you're a complete loner, are not going in there by yourself. The people you're going in the coffee shop with should be the people doing the same thing you do. Analyzing the price of things, analyzing the rent, analyzing how much the coffees cost, how much do the staff cost, can money be made here, could we make more money if we open somewhere next door, is there any uh, gaps on the market, are there any mistakes they're making, identifying problems, etc. Everyone you roll with should be thinking about money. The lesson number 21 is, network is everything. This is super important. If you're a loser and you're rolling with losers, you are going to stay. I'll write this down in case you motherfuckers don't believe me. So I'm going to make this extremely clear to you. If you're a loser and you're rolling with losers, you are going to stay a loser. I don't know if you can see that. You're going to stay a loser. Underline. Losers roll with losers and winners roll with winners. Number 21, network is everything. The people around you need to be thinking about money, thinking about hustling. If they're not, you don't need to talk to them. I hear this all the time. Oh, but he's my friend. We like hanging out. Hanging out? Why? To do what? Play video games? Make jokes? Ha ha, he's so funny. Ha ha. Ooh, ha ha ha. Jerk each other off? The fuck you doing? If your friends aren't talking about money, why are you talking to them? This is why I started the war room. If you're watching this and you're not in the war room, get inside. Everyone in there is hustling. Everyone in there is interested in increasing their income and changing their lives. That is the point of a network. To increase your life. You're a node in the network. That's how networks work. You've got nodes and you've got links. You come into the network. You're a node. You know people. You help them. They help you, etc. Network is everything. And in my networking brilliance course, if you don't have that as well, I teach you how to meet high-level people and how to make high-level people like you, how to have high-level friends, how to get multi-millionaire friends, etc. how to pitch them for investment, all that. I teach you all in the network brilliance course. So you've got the war room, the network brilliance course that will help you with this. If you haven't got them yet, get them because they're going to help you. You need a network around you. You need people on your phone who are talking about money and doing important things. You need to be mixing with them. That needs to be your network. If you're rolling with a bunch of video game playing losers, you're going to stay a video game playing loser. This is super important. Your network has to change if you want to really become a hustler. Everyone around you needs to have a hustle. Even if all the people around you don't have hustles. Remember what I said earlier about finding free staff. Okay, let's say all your friends are losers. Well, now you've got a brilliant idea. So now you're the leader. I want to run this company. You're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. If they all sit there and go, no, I'm tired. I don't have time. Blah, blah, blah. Then these people are completely useless. They're wasters. Get rid of them. They either agree to work for you or fuck them off. 
Find some new friends. Join the war room. In the war room, you can link up with people all around the world who are getting shit done. Get the network brilliance course. Learn how to get fucking important friends. Your network is everything. I don't answer the phone to broke boys. You call my phone. If I answer, that dude's important. When broke boys call me, it gets ignored. All rich people are the same. I cannot stand being around people who are not on a mission to get rich. That is the only mission I'm interested in. Everyone I hang around with is on the same mission. We ain't got time for no dumb shit. So if you're still participating in dumb shit, you have got to change your mindset absolutely. If your network's full of losers, employ them. If they refuse to work for you, fuck them off, find new friends. If you can't find friends, the war room will give you a network instantly. That's the whole point of the war room. International network of money makers. Not playing any fucking games in the war room. Right. Next point. Number 22. Keep your panties dry till the big guy's hard. So, too many people get excited about business they ain't got. Or excited about business they do have. This is just monetary exchange, gentlemen. You have to be a fucking professional. James Bond may enjoy fucking bitches, but you don't see him excited about fucking bitches. He enjoys it, but he ain't excited. He's smooth. He's cool. He's never giddy about it. You launch your business. You start to see some money coming in. Money's coming in. You're making some sales. Good. Be happy. Be proud of yourself. But don't be giddy. Don't be like, oh, wow. Don't be going to see clients and like, oh, I can't wait. I really want to work. It's going to be so much fun. This is numbers on a screen, gentlemen. That's all this shit is. Numbers on a screen. You're moving numbers around. Let me get rid of the big loser sign before one of you guys start crying. He called me a loser. You are a fucking loser. Learn some emotional control. Don't be getting all giddy and shit. Keep your panties dry till the big guy's hard. Don't know why I wrote that down, but that's the basic lesson here. I see so many people get giddy and excited. Oh, we might get this much money. One, you haven't got the money yet. Two, even if you've got the money. Good. All you have to do, do you know what you have to do when money comes in the door? Let me tell you motherfuckers, because maybe you don't know. This is me. Here's my muscles. Again. Money comes into the door on Tuesday. On Wednesday, do you know what I do? I wake up and I try and find some more fucking money. Don't worry about, don't be getting excited about money. Because when money comes in, that's a, that's, you could, you're allowed just two or three seconds of excitement when you check the bank. Then it doesn't exist anymore. It's here, okay, there. Now it's done. This is done. It's in, it's done, it's gone. Even if I still save it, it's effectively gone. You have to find a way to make more. You shouldn't be getting excited about big chunks of money or any chunks of money. You should always be pushing for more, 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 more. Don't be getting excited about what you've already achieved. You can't live in the fucking past. Second that the business is done, it's the past. Living in the past is gonna sink your business. You have to live in the future, constantly pushing for more. I wake up every day broke. Every day I wake up at zero, poor. Every fucking day, no matter how much money I've made the day before, that's not how I operate. Every day is a new day. You wake up broke. Do not be getting giddy and excited and emotional. Oh, but last week we had a really good week. Who cares? That was last week. Last week, fucking Iran hadn't attacked an American army base in Iraq. Last week was a different fucking world. This is this week. Shit's different. Don't be getting excited about old shit. Every single day you are poor. Every single day you need to attack and go again. Every single day. From fucking every day you wake up at zero. Don't be getting giddy and excited and emotional about money you've already made 
or money you might make, which is even worse. I used to know so many sales guys when I worked at uh, TriStar, the first TV company before I went to run T2. So many sales guys would be fucking in the office laughing, drinking their coffee, talking shit, saying, oh, I've got four really good leads. I've got four really good pitches. Uh, they should be coming in today. Laughing about money that they thought was coming that they hadn't made yet. And even if all four came in, which it never happened, two came in. But even if four came in, the time they're wasting being happy fucking around, they could have found more. Don't fucking waste time counting money that you ain't got yet or counting money you've already got. You live right now in the present. Right now, in the, I'm going to draw another diagram. I'm starting to get happy with my diagrams now. I think my art's getting better. Do you think my art's getting better? I think it's getting better. So my art's getting really good. So because my art's getting good, we're going to draw another diagram. I want you motherfuckers to understand something. So this is you. This is the past. This is the future. You're looking this way. This shit doesn't matter anymore. It's come, it's gone. Even if it's still in the bank, even if it's $10 million, it doesn't matter. It's over, it's finished. You should never be looking that way. You should always be chasing more, 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 more. And you should be living here in the present. When I say chasing, I don't mean excited for. I mean getting. You need to get it from here and move it to here. And forget about it. More, 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 more. If I have a really, really good day with Cam, when I had really good days with Cam, sometimes girl, I had all my girls online. It was popping. Every room was busy. The girls had like healthy competition between each other and all their clients were trying to help them win tip wars and it was going off. And we made fucking twelve, thirteen thousand dollars in a day profit for me after I paid the girls and everything. Really, really busy. The next day I'd wake up and every fucking girl was lazy. Oh, we did really good yesterday. Oh, can we have today off? Or they'd go online, they'd half-ass it. And I'd be like, no, no, no. Yesterday's done. Yeah, it was a good day, but it's over. Today is a new day. Today you're on zero. Oh, but yesterday I made so much. Yesterday, I don't live in yesterday. I live in today. And the only day that's coming for me is tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. You have to be that way with money. So many business people will do a little bit of business and fucking sit on their ass. There's some dork on Twitter called Kyle Trouble. Kyle Trouble, such a stupid name. And I can just tell by his whole face he's a nerd. And the guy is fucking on Twitter going, oh, I had a really bad year. I took my foot off the gas. You want to teach people about business? And he's saying publicly on Twitter that he made a little bit of money, so he became a lazy piece of shit. And then, then his money ran out or his business fell apart and now he's broke. You fucking dumb. Lazy. So he can sit around in his apartment getting jerked off by his free girlfriend. Like what the fuck's wrong with people? This, this, fuck this. Put it here. Forget about it. More, more, more. Next, next, next. I don't care how big of a deal you do. I don't care how many tokens you make online, cam girl. I don't care what happened yesterday. It's over. You have to push forward at all times. I've seen so many people do a little bit of business and end up fucking changing their attitude to money. Oh, I've got some money now. No, you don't have shit. That's yesterday's money. You need to get today's money. Right. Next. 23. This is important. Very important. Because this is a business hack I learned. So I'm going to clean my board. And I'm going to teach you my business hack. That nobody does. You're about to learn something that nobody does. Only I do. And it works fucking brilliantly. 
It works brilliantly. Check this out. My business hack is, drum roll, send people their money back. They love that shit. So check this. How many times have you bought something and you really wanted it, but then you kind of looked at your bank afterwards and thought, hmm, that was expensive. What a bit of a waste of money. Do you know what I mean? So what I used to do when I sold advertising was, I had this trick where I'd sell a package, let's say, I don't know, 2,000. They'd sell, I'd sell it, they'd buy it. They'd buy. When the invoice come in, I'd call them up and go, hey, uh, this is Andrew Tate from N2, da 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 He's like, oh, hi, Andrew, blah, blah. So yeah, I just wanna let you know that some things have changed. I don't think now is the optimal time for you to start your advertising. I'm interested in this as much as you are. I have a vested interest in this working. I don't wanna just take your money. I wanna make sure that this pays off for both of us. Because if it pays off for both of us, we can do a lot of business in the future. I think it'd be better to wait about two weeks. In two weeks from now, I think it's gonna be a better opportunity. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna send you your money back now. I don't wanna sit on your money, it's your money. We can still do the campaign. I just think if we wait a week, maybe two, not very long, I think there's gonna be some more opportunities in the market. And they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Uh, that's what you think. I said, yeah, well, I want this to work. I wanna, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I wanna make sure this is very, very good for both of us, blah, blah, blah. And I'd send them their money back. And they'd be like, what the fuck? I tried to buy, and he, he gave me my money back. It's kind of like a takeaway. You know the takeaway trick. I tried to buy it, and he said no, and he gave me my money back. And now they trust you loads, because no one gives refunds. No one gives money back. So he gave me my money back. Then when I called him a week later and said, bang, now it's time to do business. I've got a fantastic opportunity. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We have this gap. We have that gap. Da, 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 da. It's only 3000 And Marcus stopped working. Every fucking time they buy. They'd be like, oh, that's more. So yeah, I know it's more than last time. I mean, we can do the 2000 package now, but there's a really good opportunity here. You build so much trust when you send the money back that they will spend more later. I did this trick with every fucking customer. Every client would buy, pay, call them up. Now's not the right time. Send them their money back. Talk some shit about how I'm really looking after them, how I want a really good relationship blah, 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 and then hit them up for a bigger invoice. Every fucking time, and it always worked. It works because the trust you build when you send someone their money back is immense, because no one does that. Nobody does that. Remember what I said earlier about there's only 100 people on Twitter who want to buy a bullshit ebook. It's the same with everything. So my logic was this. I'm making phone calls all day for N2 on the days I worked. Let's say I make 100 phone calls. Only one of those people is in a position to buy something. The other 99 are never gonna buy no matter what I say. So that one person who buys, I had to make as much money as possible. What was I teaching earlier, one of the lessons earlier? They don't buy on price. You have to get people to buy things expensive. So that one person who bought for 2,000, the only way I can make more money is to get him to pay for more. There's only one customer that day. And this was the system I developed, the send the money back system. And it's fantastic. So even if you're selling $17 eBooks, let people buy for $17. Email them and say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to update the ebook now. So I'm going to send you your money back. I'm sending you your money back because the ebook's going to be updated. I want you to have the most updated version. Here's your, let me know how to pay you. Email them personally so they have to see it and reply. Don't just click refund. They might not notice. Let them look at it and go, okay. Oh yeah, okay, send the money here. Send them their 17 bucks back. 
Then they'll be like, okay, that was weird. Then email them again, hey, let you know, working on the update, it's gonna be out soon, da, 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 da. I think you're really gonna like it. I could have, and then a remind them, I could have left you with the older version, but I think it'd be better to have the most up-to-date stuff. Bang, email them again. Watch that person go, oh yeah, you know, I really appreciate that. Most people wouldn't do that. Most people wouldn't care. Because now you've sent them their money back. This person's in, uh, you don't understand the psychological effect this has on people. Now they're like, whoa, I can trust this dude. Then you come at them and go, hey, so it's updated. I've updated, I'm gonna give you the latest version. As well as that, I've got a new product that's coming out. It's not out yet, it's blah, 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 blah. It's worth $100, da, da, da. If you're interested in both, I can give you both for 40. Bang, I guarantee you he buys it. You've turned a $17 sale into a $40 sale with a two day wait and a fucking two emails. You've doubled your turnover. You've doubled your turnover. Do you have any idea how important that is? You've doubled your turnover by, with a two day wait and a couple emails and a bullshit story. You ain't gonna update anything because they've never seen the original eBooks. They don't know if it's updated or not. You just have to add on another eBook you already had. A big famoose. Famoose is the word I invented in T2. Famoose. You take the money, famoose them. You famoose a goose and you famoose the geese. This is business. Listen, he's the goose. You famoose him. You famoose him by taking his $17, emailing him, sending it back, promising a whole bunch of fucking updates, then saying you can get a bundle worth 120 for 40 because he waited and you apologize for the wait. Like you're doing him a fucking favor. I know you bought two days ago. I've updated the ebook now. I know you've done a bit of a wait. So if you want my $100 product for only an extra 20, I'll give you both for 40. Sorry for the the delay. Oh he's, oh, he's doing me a favor. Yeah, okay, he gave me the update and I got his ebook from the, from Moose the Goose. Bang, doubled your turnover. And it only works because you send that money back. When you send people their money back, I guarantee you it changes how they think. So that's a trick you need to start implementing. Finding ways you can send people their money back because that shit works. Trust me, I did that for a very, very long time, especially with low value products with 17 bucks. You ain't making no money on 17 bucks. Send that back, aim for 40s or 50s. That's how you get paid. All it takes is a few emails in between. Keep a spreadsheet so you don't get confused. Be moderately organized. It's easier to double your turnover as a business this way than any other way. There's no easier way to double your turnover. Trying to get double the customers at 17 is going to be a lot harder than just fucking a couple emails and doubling your turnover. Double. I've just doubled your business with a very simple trick. I'm a genius. I'm a genius. I'm a genius and I know this shit works because I did it all my fucking self. I've done this. I'm a genius, literally. I used to do this all the time with advertising. Oh, I've just bought, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna send it back. Now's not the right time. Oh, but we really wanna do it. It's part of our marketing strategy. Yeah, okay, I'll be in touch. Don't worry, I'm gonna identify the right time. Bang, higher price. 24, you have to hard close. Now, a lot of people already understand this. This is why they do false urgency, buy now, running out of time, blah, blah, blah but you have to hard close people because people don't buy things without being hard closed. So you have to find a way to close them. You either have to do the, the false urgency thing, we're running out of time, or you can just do, you can do a, if you don't buy now, it's gonna be very hard to get this deal later on, blah, blah, blah. Now everyone knows this, this is very basic sales. But in my experience, I've tried soft closing and I've tried hard closing. Hard closing is better. With hard closing, you're gonna lose some people. The people you close outshine or outweighs the people you lose. I see so many businesses that are just working softly, just waiting for people, waiting, waiting, waiting. It's better to go hard and just get the business done or not. You have 10 potential leads. My board's still wet, so I can't draw for you. I'm sorry. I know you love my diagrams. If you have 10 potential leads, it's better to hard close, come in, 
come in like Rambo, close five and lose five. Then sitting there on 10 that might drop in, might not drop in. Because that 10 that might drop in, might not drop in, fucks with you. It fucks with your estimated numbers. It fucks with, oh, maybe tomorrow we'll have money. It wastes your time. No, blow them out the water, get some definites. A definite is better than a, a maybe. Get a definite. Some people go, oh, I've got this maybe, this maybe, this maybe. Why are they maybes? Make a phone call right now and find the fuck out. Come up right now and say, look, we're filling up for the month. We're really getting really, really full. I want to do business with you. I think we can do some fantastic business. I understand you may not be ready to move ahead right now, but if you can move ahead right now, because it's the last place I have available for the month, I'm prepared to give you X amount percent discount. Yes or no? Oh, no, no, I can't. Okay, no problem, no problem. We'll speak in a few weeks. Bang, fuck them off. Bang, next, next, next. Someone will go, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Bang, get them in. It's better to have, what's the saying? A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Stop fucking around with maybes. There is no maybes. You got clothes. You got people out there. If they want to do business with you, they either do or they don't. Everyone's a maybe. Maybe I'll go to the moon. Right now, I'm a may- maybe I'm a fucking astronaut. It doesn't mean anything until NASA calls me up and says, get on the fucking rocket. Am I an astronaut or not? Too many of you are letting fucking maybes fuck around and don't do that. Next point, talking about maybes, number 25. And I think a lot of people already know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Business ain't real till they pay. We're all, wait, wait, we're on number 25. We're only a quarter of the way through. Think how much shit you've learned in this university. We're a quarter of the way through. 25. It ain't real till they pay. And I mean money in the bank. So when I was running Vixels, remember Vixels, my TV company I was running at the same time I was working at N2. I had the chance to land a deal for a company called Glorious Foods. Is Glorious Foods still a company? Let me have a look. I'm curious. Glorious Foods. And what they did is they had food brands in superstores in the UK. Glorious Foods. Glorious Food, yeah. Oh no, this is a caterer. Fuck. Anyway, they were a very big company. So Tristan called and pitched Glorious Foods for TV. Spoke to a junior marketing manager. Convinced her TV was a fantastic idea. We're talking about sponsorships on the Food Channel, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this was a 600,000 pound deal with a quarter of a million pounds profit for me and Tristan. Quarter of a million. So he convinces her TV is a good idea, blah, blah, blah. Organize a meeting. I go up to the meeting. In the meeting, I meet the head of marketing, the big boss, and this little loser that Tristan famoosed on the phone. I do the meeting and I destroy it because I'm a chee. It was beautiful. Completely destroyed the meeting from head to toe. Bang, did it. They loved me. They loved it. They wanted to do business. I sent them the proposed advertising plan. They loved it. I sent them the contract. They loved it. The deal was done. Me and T, it was done. And when I say done, I know you don't count money until it's in the bank, but it was done. They'd emailed back, yes, no problem. They'd signed the contract. The deal was done. We were just waiting for the money to show in the bank. Anyway, so we're emailing, emailing, emailing. The head, the head of marketing, whatever, whatever, got sick. So when you emailed her, it came back saying, hi, unexpected leave, da 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 I'm dying of some fucking disease, whatever. She got sick. The junior marketing manager had no power. And it turns out the big managing director didn't want to start a TV campaign when the, when the uh, marketing manager was away. So he just wouldn't pay the invoice. Stop fucking. Sue me. Because he knew they were so big, this is like a billion pound company, that we couldn't sue them. Like, I know they signed the contract, but what the fuck are we really going to do about it? Like, we're just me and my brother. 
take them to court, waste our time and money. Bullshit. So we're sitting there waiting for money, and guess what? It never comes. Until the money's in the bank, it ain't real. Doesn't matter if they signed a contract, doesn't matter if they said yes, doesn't matter if they've agreed to everything, doesn't matter if you've started the work, nothing matters until money is in the bank. This is super important because me and Tristan, when we realized glorious food money wasn't coming, that was the closest I've ever come to feeling genuine depression in a very long time. We were so excited about that money. We did exactly what I said don't do. We got giddy. We weren't professional. We were excited. Quarter of a mil, liquid cash. What can we do? We can do this, we can go there, we can buy this, buy that, blah, change our lives, all this bullshit. We weren't rich, Dennis. That's life-changing money. Do not get excited about money until it's in the bank. Super, super important, because trust me, that glorious food thing fucked me up for like a week. I couldn't even work properly for a week. I was so pissed off, totally demotivated. Don't let that happen to you. And that feeds into part, the next part, number 26, stress tolerance. You need to learn to care about things mentally, but not emotionally. How successful you are as a hustler is directly linked to how much stress you can tolerate. Money making is only stress tolerance. So when you're making money, most of the time, what you're doing is you're taking stress off other people, especially if you provide a service. Even if it's a cleaning service, you're taking away stress from someone else. You're adopting someone else's stress for cash. The more stress you can adopt, the more money you can take. You need to have high stress tolerance as a hustler, as a moneymaker, as a businessman. You have to be able to deal with stress. Things are going to go wrong all the fucking time. You have to be able to just ride the waves. So in life, usually there's two kinds of people. You have the stoner dickhead who smokes weed and doesn't give a shit about anything, who gets nowhere. And you have the person who cares about things, but is very emotional, very uptight. Oh, fuck's sake. Oh, no, this has gone wrong. Uh, angry, blah, 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 running around like a, a nutcase. You don't want to be either of them. You want to be in the middle. You have to care about things mentally, but not emotionally. Andrew, the website's gone down and PayPal have blocked us and whatever, whatever, whatever. You need to sit there and go, okay, yeah, all right, I understand. Let's find a solution, dot, 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 dot. And you need to care mentally, but not be getting emotional about it. Stress tolerance is a huge aspect of this. Most of you people out there, the only reason you're not successful is because you can't tolerate stress. And I'm saying this to you now, you cannot tolerate stress. I mean, what do you mean? I know you can't because if you could, you'd already have side businesses and you don't. You work a job and you don't have side businesses because, oh, I'm busy, oh, I'm tired. This is sales stress tolerance. Needing to sleep is stress, that shows you have a low stress tolerance. Not having the energy shows you have a low stress tolerance. Not knowing what to do, it's a low stress tolerance. You do know what to do. You have ideas, you're just lazy and you're just afraid of the effort and you don't like the idea of stress. Oh, now I've got more things to do. I can't handle it, more things. You're a little fucking baby. Stress tolerance is super important. Life's stressful. Being successful is stressful. I have eight supercars in the drive and it's, it's all stress to fucking get them. And I enjoy them when I drive them and I wouldn't have it any other way. You have to increase your stress tolerance. You're going to be stressed. You have to learn to do more things and deal with more bullshit. Increase your stress tolerance. If you're watching this right now, I don't care what position you're in, start a company today and deal with the bullshit. The quicker you get better at swimming through bullshit, the quicker you're going to get through the bullshit to the end, which is money. Stress tolerance is super, super important. I can't stress that enough. 27. I kind of touched on this earlier with the protein shake. So let's draw the protein shake again. Because I kind of touched on this earlier, but it's an important point. How was my beautiful protein shake? It was really nice. I'm going to see if I can do it as good as before. Label, call lid. Is 
That's good. So, protein shakes. The way you sell protein shakes is you convince people they need them. This is the most, one of the most basic tenets of business. You have to convince people they need whatever you sell. You don't talk about the product. You talk about their need. What's the old adage that they do? Sell me this pen. You ever heard that before? Sell me this pen. People go, oh, well, this pen is blue and this pen is, uh, you can, uh, it's, it's made of plastic and it's durable. No, it's not, that's not how you sell a pen. Sell me this pen. You need to be able to write things down. But I've already got a pen. Yeah, but now you can write more things down because you have another pen. How are you going to write down all your ideas? Think of all the things you can write down. You can write the next novel. You can become a J.K. Rowling. You can become a billionaire if you had a pen. You don't have a pen. You need a pen to write things down. Sell the need. Don't sell the product. It's blue and it's plastic. As opposed to you can become J.K. Rowling because you need a pen to write things down. You have to sell the need at all times. Most people don't sell the need. Have you noticed with me, I never sell, I never sell the product. So let's look at my products compared to other dorks who sell stuff online. So you'll see other dorks will go, my 18 page, my 18 page ebook can, includes blah, 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 blah. Have I ever told you how many pages are in my books or how many, or how many exact modules you're getting? Did you know how many modules you were getting with this university? Did I say this many videos, this, 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 this? No, because that's selling the product and you don't care. You signed up anyway. If I would have said, 10 videos of this and uh, ebook and PDFs. Um, who cares? I sold you the need. You need to know what I know about business. It's the need that sells, not the product. So whatever you're selling, it doesn't matter what it is, sell the need. Even if you're selling fucking raspberries, they need raspberries. Why do I need raspberries? You need raspberries because of fucking it's good for your, I don't know, immune system. Talk some shit. Super berries, whatever. That's what goji berries do. What the fuck is a goji berry? I don't, I've never heard of a goji berry. Now I see them everywhere. Superfood. Goji berries, the superfood. Superfood, why? Am I going to do it? I ate goji berries. I feel exactly the same. It's bullshit. But they sell on need. Superfood, you need goji berries all of a fucking sudden. I don't know what they look like. Anyway, sell the need. At all times, you will catch yourself not selling the need. All the times you'll catch yourself not selling the need. So, even a coffee shop. This is the biggest mistake things like coffee shops make. They don't sell the need. They'll sell on, a coffee shop will sell you on price. They'll try and do it nice and cheap because they have lots of competition. They'll sell, they'll have a nice looking coffee shop. They'll have like a good, you know, nice chairs that will look nice, whatever, whatever. But they very rarely sell the need. If I had a coffee shop, I would have a massive sign outside saying, tired, question mark, nice warm coffee. The need. Because everyone's tired, aren't they? Everyone's stressed. Everyone's going through life. Da, da, da. Tired? A bit. Nice warm coffee. Yeah, nice warm coffee. Okay. Walk in. That's selling the need. I don't say, Arabica beans in a cup. Who gives a shit? Care about fucking beans? Sell the need at all times. Never take your eye off that prize. If you're still paying attention, which you motherfucking should be, write that down. Already, all the information I've given you should be formulating how you view business. You might have to watch this university three or four times. But at the core of it, always you have money in. That's your business. The rest is bullshit. Everything has to feed back to this. Selling the need will feed back to this. People buy things they need. They sometimes buy things they want. 
but they always buy things they need. That's why they have to need what you sell. So find a way to make them need it. Next, this is something that most people don't understand. My experience of business, if you're going to be a hustler and trying to get rich, is as follows. Until you are a big, rich company, so, or until you have lots of money in the bank, contracts are not real. Legal paperwork are not real. None of these things are real. Look at the Glorious Foods example. They signed the contract. They owed me that money. If I would have taken them to court, I would have spent a lot of money. And would they have paid me in the end? No. None of these things are real. Do you know why legality isn't real? Because legality defies rule one of the Hustlers University. What's rule one? Rule one is speed. And guess what lawsuits are? Slow. Super slow. And if you're a new business, you do not have time to be fucking suing people. It's going to take forever. Years. Years for a maybe. And even if you do get a yes, they can still delay years if they even pay you, which they probably won't. It's different if you're like suing a huge news outlet or something. You know, like the Covington kids did. That's different. But in general, you want to do your business based on trust and cash. You don't want to be having, oh, I don't really trust all the contracts. Well, I've got the contract. I've got the contract. If they don't want to pay you, they're not going to pay you. Fucking fuck a contract. And what are you really going to do about it? It's bullshit. I am not a fan of contracts. I don't work with contracts. I don't like legality. It's very, very slow. So if you're looking to start your business, you're like, okay, we need a contract with this person, contract with that person. You know what's better than contracts? Mutual interest. It's good for me if I do my part. It's good for him if he does his part. Look at how a road works. You're driving down the road. There's a car here. There's a car here. Why do they not crash into each other? Well, it's good for him if they don't crash. It's good for him if they don't crash. Nobody wants to crash. So we all avoid it. Isn't that better than having a contract saying we won't crash? What the fuck does a contract mean? And then he does crash into me. Well, I have the contract, but the crash has already happened and everything's a fucking mess. Mutual interest. Find a way to do business with people with mutual interest. My suppliers, I don't need a contract from my supplier because they want me to buy things from them. For what contract? For what? I see so many people who get involved in business start talking about contracts because they like to sound smart. Very much like we were talking about earlier on about people who like uh, to spend money at the beginning and get their, their logo and spend money and get a big back end and all this bullshit. They like to sound intelligent. That's not business. This is business. Money in. The rest ain't business. Contracts aren't business. Contracts are just some fucking bullshit you might have to deal with when you get bigger. But in general, don't be thinking if I can get him to sign a contract, then I've got it. You haven't got anything. You've got a piece of paper. And if you try and enforce that contract, it's going to bankrupt you. So don't be relying on contracts anyway. I see a lot of people doing that and I don't know why. A piece of paper doesn't mean shit unless you enforce it. And enforcement is very, very slow and very, very expensive. So forget about contracts. Find a way if you're going to have to work with another company or another person for there to be mutual interest. Mutual self-interest keeps the traffic of the world flowing. It keeps the business world flowing too. That whole suing each other bullshit, that's some mess you don't want to get mixed up in. That ain't going to get you rich. Hustlers are looking to get money. You're looking to do this. Suing people is a big fucking outlay for a long, long time. It's bullshit. So fuck contracts. Make sure your partners need you. And make sure you need your partners. This is a very, very important one. So I used to know a guy... Hopefully he doesn't buy this course. I knew a guy. I don't know the exact business he had. It was something to do with uh, self-employed employees uh, 
to avoid them having to pay tax or something, they, they'd use his company and he helped them all under one umbrella company pay less tax, something like this. I don't understand. It was in England. But there was him and two other partners. There was three of them in total. And one day he went to work and his two partners had fucked him over and screwed him out of his own company because they had the majority share. It's 33% each, 66%. They fucked him off and got rid of him. Why'd they get rid of him? Because they didn't need him anymore. Didn't need him anymore. You need to make sure your partners always need you and you need to make sure you always need your partners. Not want, need. If you look at your partners and realize they don't need you or you don't need them, then you should do it on your own. And stop being a pussy, stop being a coward. Because you can be the absolute managing director and you can find a, your number one employee from your old company or someone you really trust and make them your number two in command. Now you effectively have a partner. This is another thing you don't understand. People, sorry, people want partners because they like the idea of having someone to vibe off of or work with or someone who they can uh, check their thinking with. That's fine. If you have a partner and you both need each other and it's 50-50, good. I'm not saying don't have partners. I have partners in some of my companies. However, you can still have all the benefits of a partner with a number two in command who's loyal to you. Now you still have the benefits of a partner, but you control everything. So make sure you need your partners and they need you. There's lots of ways you can do that. Mutual self-interest. You can do things. They can do things. You need to work together to get the job done. Otherwise, feel free to just hire someone and make sure they're your second in command and just make them feel important and use them to bounce your thinking and be the only control person who's in control. Don't get fucked out of your company. Not that it's likely to happen, but still. Even if you're making loads of money, you have a partner you don't need. Now you have half the amount of money you're making. Why? Next point. Business. Number 30. Every purchase is an impulse purchase. So, if someone does eventually buy from you, even if they've been thinking about it for a long time, the moment they finally decide to pull the trigger and buy is an impulse purchase. That's why I say hard close. That's why people do false scarcity, all these things to try and, and get them to impulse buy. You can go and do a lot of research on impulse purchases, how they work, why people make them, etc. Everybody, after they purchase, the time between the money leaving the bank and them receiving the product, even if it's a few milliseconds, is going to have that little bit of, mm, that's a lot of money I just spent. Every single purchase is an impulse purchase. Remember that. Keep it in mind. I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, you're selling impulse purchases. I don't. Mine's a considered purchase. No, no, it's an impulse purchase. A house is an impulse purchase. A supercar is an impulse purchase. At the point of buying, it's an impulse purchase. No matter how long they consider it for, when they finally click send, it's an impulse purchase. So all the tactics and tricks I'm teaching you to get people to impulsively buy, work on every single kind of sale because every single kind of sale is an impulse purchase. Don't get stuck up in some bullshit thinking, oh, mine's not an impulse, like you're better than everyone else. Oh, mine's not an impulse purchase. Mine's considered. Shut up. It's all impulse purchasing. All of it. Everybody impulse purchases. And that's why you have to look, if you're looking at any kind of sales tips and tricks, look at impulse purchasing, how it works, why people do it, and those are the factors you need to implement, especially when you're trying to close a considered purchase. If you've been talking to them for a long time, you're trying to close them, bang. You're trying to, con you're trying to convince them to make an impulse purchase. It's as simple as that. All sales are impulse purchases, and they're not buying on price. Those two go together very, very well. Remember those two points. It's important. So how does a real estate agent do that? Like a house is a considered purchase. This is where you're going to live and it's very, very expensive. Well, they come and they show you around, they make you want it. And then they start telling you other people have won it. Other people are viewing the house. They're going to put in an offer, trying to force you to make an impulse. Yes or no. Uh, uh, okay, we'll take it. They understand. Everyone understands. It's always an impulse purchase. You have to put something there to make people buy, make them do it, or they're simply not going to do it. Do not give people open-ended timeframes. 
If I say, you can have this pen today for X amount, or you can come back to me anytime and get the pen. No, no rush. Why would I buy now? I'll, I'll live without the pen for a while until I really need the pen. And I'm not going to need the pen unless you convince me of the needs. So I'm never going to buy the pen. Everything's an impulse purchase. You have to convince them on needs and you have to hard close them. This is something, just understand the nature of how people sell and how people buy. Because this is the same with absolutely everything, no matter what it is. Next, promise your clients a future. This is important. A lot of people I see do not sell a future with their clients and I don't understand why. You should sell a future with your clients. You should say, look, we're going to work together for a very long time. In the future, X, Y, Z is going to happen. In the future, I'll be able to provide you with X, Y, Z. When you talk about the future, you presume the, fu- you presume the present. So this is a trick I even do with chicks. Let's use a dating as an example. If you're watching this and you don't have my PhD course, get it. Because it's good. Very good. But uh, I do this in the PhD course. So if you preempt the future, if you talk talking about the future, then you've already assumed the present. So if you're talking to somebody or you want to do some business with somebody and you've got a business or whatever, whatever, and you want to... Uh, uh, sell them something, you talk about how it's going to affect things in the future. So let's take an example. Let's, let's look at your, uh, your ebook. I don't know. I'm just digging something off the top of my head. Your $17 ebook on how to pick up girls. Girls. I'm going to draw a girl. There you go. She's hair. Beautiful smile. So how do you preempt the future to make sure that they buy? So let's say you're talking to someone they're not sure if they're going to buy or not. Well, then you talk about the future. You say, well, in the future, maybe we can go day gaming together. This is all pickup artist bullshit, but whatever. In the future, we can go day gaming together. Or in the future, if you're texting a girl and you're not sure exactly what to say, let me know. Or in the future, if you see a girl doing some of the things I point out in my ebook, send me examples because I can use them on my website. I really appreciate that. Talk about the future like he's already bought and digested the product. And that makes them far more likely to buy and digest your product. Just, I do the same thing when I date girls. Oh, well, when we're married, how do I know you're, gonna be a, how do I know you're not going to cheat? Fuck, I've just met her. What do you mean married? Ha, ha, ha. If you're talking about ha, when we're married, that's presuming I'm going to fuck you sooner or later because we're going to fuck before we get married. Presume the future. Presuming the future makes the present, you, you're, setting the ta- you're setting what the present's going to be. You're saying, this is what's going to happen now, so I know what's going to happen in the future. You can do exactly the same thing with business. So when I was selling TV advertising, and I was talking to clients, and I'm trying to close a small 19 grand deal, I'd be talking about two years when we're doing the uh, 500 grand deals. So when I'm trying to close this, I'm talking about this. I'd be like, oh, well, in the future, well, in, in a few years, when we're launching the big campaigns, we can do the sponsorships. We can sponsor the before and after the programs. And when you're spending that kind of money, we'll also be able to have meetings directly with the channel, blah, 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 blah. And they're sitting there going, yeah, okay, yeah, sponsorships, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Talk about all this imaginary shit to try and close this. Sell the future at all times. If you presume the future, it makes them more likely to buy now. And that's something that people don't do. Even for bullshit $17 ebooks, for television advertising, for websites, doesn't matter what it is. If I was trying to sell a new website for N2, I'd be talking about how two years later down the line we can integrate a new back end with our website. Who knows? Who gives a shit? Talk about some fancy shit that's going to happen in the future. If you do that, you're more likely to sell now. 
That's super important. Don't talk about now. Back to the ebook. If you buy my ebook, you'll see what girls are texting you and you'll see why they mean it or why they're saying it. If you buy my ebook, you'll see why girls are saying what they say in text messages as opposed to after you've seen my ebook and you see what these girls are saying, it's going to be exactly like I told you. And when they do it, screenshot it, send it to me because you're going to see. The future. Okay, after I, after I have the ebook, then I'm going to know, he, he said, I'm going to understand why they're doing it and I'm going to send it to him. You've already told him he has the ebook. Presume the future at all times. Very important. Next, number 32 is something I've already been discussing at length accidentally. What happens is when your brain, like mine, is a plethora of knowledge, you end up tapping into things that you're supposed to be saving for later because it fits at the time and you just know so much and you're just so hyper-intelligent. I don't know if you'd understand that, but that's what happens when you have deep knowledge of a subject. Sell the result of a product, not the product itself. We've already discussed this, so we'll discuss it again very, very quickly in case you weren't paying fucking attention. Ebook. Selling the product is, I have an ebook and I deliver it to you instantly and it has eight pages and 5,400 words and it talks about girls. That's selling the ebook. Selling the result is you're going to understand women and you're going to have a better sex life for the rest of your life and you're going to have lots of women in your bed. Which of them is more interesting for $17? The result. Always sell the result. Write that down here. I mentioned it earlier, but it's extremely important. Next. 38. Image sells. So we're hustlers. This is the Hustlers University. Image sells. Now, there's a lot of guys on Twitter who constantly talk about saving money. It grates on me. It annoys me. These are the other guys in the saving, mo- the making money space. It's not how much you make, it's how much you save. Can you save, save, save? Stay at home, save. Don't have a girlfriend, she's expensive. Jerk off, save, save, save. It's bullshit. You need to have a nice image of yourself if you want to sell things. Buy the nice car, wear a nice suit. Find some money, make sure it's still coming in. Because buying the nice car, you say, oh, how does that equal money in? Well, it actually does because it's your reputation. You have to have a nice image of yourself to sell nearly anything nowadays. Drive a nice car if you can. Have nice clothes, look good, look presentable, go gym, have nice things. I'm not going to tell you not have nice things. A lot of people who say that are fucking liars. Tight losers, they're tight losers. They're living a tight person's life. Do you really want that life? Do you want to be selling $17 ebooks and sitting at home and not spending any money and saving it all? Go fucking squirrel. Or do you want to be like me with eight supercars? Who knows more? Let me ask you another question. If I would have launched Copertate.com, I was already a millionaire when I launched it. So that's the difference between me and all the other course guys. These guys need courses to be rich. I'm rich without any of this shit. I don't need this because I had cam girls way before this. When I launched CobraTape.com, the reason it was so successful was because I already had a Lambo. I was already rich. My car paid for itself. Would you be buying from me right now? Would you have bought this university if I didn't have a big house and loads of nice cars? If I said, I know loads about business, but I live in an apartment with a laptop and I sit there all day on my own, but I know loads. Would you have even bought this course? And you're like, what the fuck do you know? That shows how important image is. Flexing on the broke boys is important. So don't fucking neglect it. I'm not saying blow all your money. I'm saying that having a good image is not going to hurt you in any way. Don't be afraid to spend money for your image because it's a real thing. Everything in life is basically the same thing. 
Everything in life is people walking into rooms and saying things. That's what politics is. That's what business is. That's what negotiate everything. Everything you can think of is some guy walking into somewhere and starting to talk. That's what the Senate is. That's what Congress is. That's what court is. Everything is people, blah, blah, blah. Talking. Talking is something you need to get good at. If you're good at talking, you have the gift of the gab, as they say, you can sell anything. No matter what you're selling, the better you get at talking, the better you're going to sell it. So if there's one skill you need to practice for your sales, it's how to talk. How to talk convincingly. How to put energy into your presentation. How to not be boring. Learn to speak. If you don't have my body language course, there's a course on CobraTech.com that teaches you body language and we cover oration. We talk about talking and how the way I talk, what I do, things, tips, tricks, etc. If you want to learn to talk like me, the Grand Master, I'll teach you. But you need to be good at speaking. Being good at speaking will make you be good at selling. They are the same thing. Get used to talking. I see so many, I've seen, I've been in presentations over and over again with people who have a fantastic product, fantastic information, great price point, but just, and the presentation is slick, they've got the PowerPoint, etc. but they're just not good at talking. There's no fucking X factor with their talk. There's no papow. You need to have that papow. You need to get good at talking. Practice it. Practice getting good at talking. That's one of the most important skills you can learn for life. From getting women to selling products. Exactly the same thing. You need to get good at talking. It's important. So, there's lots of different ways you can get good at talking. My way, the way I talk, suits my personality. You have to develop your own type. But, I make sure, I try my best to make sure I put loads of energy into how I speak. Most people speak and they don't realize super low energy. And then we will, and when you have the ebook, you don't sell the ebook, you sell the result of the ebook. Because if you sell the ebook, you're bored already. I'm bored. So I scream and I move my arms around and shit. I'm eccentric. I'm over the top. You don't have to be that way. There's other ways you can also be engaging without being the same as me. I know lots of other guys who are engaging other ways. But you have to develop an angle to be engaging. So next time you talk to someone who's an engaging speaker, find out why they're engaging. Even some people are engaging because they laugh all the time. People like positivity. So have you ever been around someone who's like constantly like laughing when they talk? But then you're like, well, you listen more. Because what the fuck, what the fuck's so funny? His, his life seems great. I want to know what he knows. Find a way to differentiate yourself one way or another. There's loads of different tips and tricks. I can't tell you to be like me because I'm me and you're you. But you need to find a way to be engaging. And the way you do that is next time you're listening to someone and you're particularly engaged, work out what about them is engaging. So I like to be high energy. But high energy always helps. Being low energy never helps anything. Even if you're shit in bed, at least if you're high energy, it'll be better than if you're low energy. But fucking do something. One thing you do need to avoid is, uh, um, uh, uh. Everyone does it. But if you'll notice, you're watching this university, I'm not reading off a, te a teleprompter. I'm doing everything off the top of my head. And I very, very rarely start stuttering or saying, uh, um, uh. I've trained it out of my brain. And I teach how to do that in the body language course. So if you're watching this and you want to be able to speak like me, free-flowing, machine gun, get the body language course. But you start slowly. You talk slowly, you breathe, you make sure you don't make any uh, um, and then you get better at it and then you can be as quick as me. Now I talk very, very fast without mistakes, without gaps. Uh and um will lose you a deal. Oh, so explain to me how the flux capacitor works. Uh, um, okay, so uh, you just lost it. You just lost the deal right there. 
And 99% of people will do exactly that. Even people who are good, even experienced people. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, why? How's the flux capacitor work? I'm going to tell you exactly how the flux capacitor works. Here's how it works. Look at this. I just, I just got the deal. You didn't. All I did was repeat his question. You're saying, ah, oh, so you have time to think. I'm repeating the question, so I have time to think. Tell me how the flux capacitor works. Uh, okay, uh, uh, or tell me how the flux capacitor works. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you exactly how the flux capacitor works. All I did was repeat his question. It's not complicated. There's tips and tricks so you learn how to speak without sounding like a moron. If someone uhs and ahs in a presentation with me, I won't buy from them. Because I don't like that shit. I don't speak that way. Learn how to not speak that way. If you're watching this and you want to learn what I know about how to talk, get the body language course. It'll teach you. I gave you one little trick there. But there's a bunch more. Next. Everything will go wrong all the time. Everything will go wrong all the time. That's why you need to have a high stress tolerance. And that's also why you need rule number one. Your best weapon against things going wrong is rule number one, speed. Speed defies gravity. If you get water in a bucket and you spin it around really fast, the water doesn't come out the bucket. As soon as you slow down, it falls out. Speed is that powerful. You have to be able to work quickly. You need people around you who work quickly. You need teams which react to things quickly, 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 quickly. Everything will go wrong all the time. The faster you can plug the hole and fix things, the faster you're going to be back online making money. So anticipate things going wrong. High stress tolerance. And speed is the remedy to all your issues. No matter what the issue is, no matter what the ailment, you need to do things quickly to get it fixed. Always. As long as you can keep this going, you've got your business going. So let's say you've got your business. I've got titties on the board now. We'll leave the titties for now. You got your business, money's coming in. Your back end fails. Your big back end all fucks up. Oh no, everything's gone wrong. Do you know what I do in that situation? Most people in that situation goes, oh well, we can't take orders because we can't see who, what order. No, not interested. My business is still running. As long as my payment gateway is taking some money, my business is running. I'll deal with the shit show. And I'll beat, and I'll beat, and I'll fix the shit show. I'll deal with it using rule number one, speed. But I'm not turning off my fucking tap. As long as this is happening, you won't go out of business. You won't lose. You will only lose when this stops. So even if everything in your whole company has gone wrong, you're going to sleep less. You're going to get it fixed. You're going to fix it with speed. You've got a higher stress tolerance. You'll deal with it. Your staff understands speed, 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 speed. You're going to tear through the mess manually. You have to go through manually one by one and get it fixed, but you're not going to stop your business running. This is your business. Never, ever, ever let this get fucked up ever. If everything goes down, what's the first thing you fix? This is a test. Everything goes down. What's the first thing you get back online? How to take money. You don't care about anything else until this is online. There's nothing else without it. It's like, what's going wrong in your life? What's the first thing you fix? You fix oxygen. If you ain't got oxygen, the game's up. Nothing else is important. That's what this is. You fix this. Get the payments coming in. Then worry about it. Worst case, 
everything's so fucked up, you can't even see what people bought. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. They'll email you. Hey, I spent money on your website. I ain't got my product. Oh, really? Please tell me the time and date. I'm sorry about that. Here's the time and date. Okay, yeah, they did buy. Okay, confirm it. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. We're going to send you a free gift. Apologize for the delay. Bang. Problem solved. You kept your money in. You got them happy. They got a free gift. Wait for them to email you. Keep the money coming at all costs. Super, super important. Everything's going to go wrong. But as long as you keep this going and you work quickly, you can fix the other shit. Don't let anyone come to you and say, well, we can't do this because the back end, fuck the back end. I'm interested in the front end. Fuck the back end. Give me my money today. Next. If you find, this is a staff tip. Number 41. And clear my board. No more tits. Sorry if you've been jerking off. Enjoying my beautiful pornography. But she's got to go. Number 41. Everything I know about business from start to fucking finish. Every single business I run, I run by these principles. Every single business I run, I run by these principles. Literally, every single one of them. 41. If you can find a loyal person, find them a job. So most people approach recruitment like, I have a job I need to fill, let me find a person. I approach recruitment the other way around. I try my best to go through life as I interact with people. If I find a person who I believe would be a good fit for my leadership style, which is do whatever the fuck I say and do it quickly, then I'll find them work. You can always find more work. The work is never done. Work is a black hole. Even if it's just to sit on my Twitter account and retweet tweets all day. It's still work. It's still engagement. It's still attention. It's still advertising. If I find someone who fits my style and I believe they'd be a good worker and they're loyal to me and I know that I'm going to be able to count on them, I'll find work for them. Don't turn down people you think will be good because you can't find work. If you're running a business and you can't think of work to do for an employee, then you shouldn't be running a business. It's very easy to find work. There's always something to do. It's always Twitter to tweet or blogs to write or go on Reddit and post forums and post bullshit with links to your product. There's always something to do. If you find a good person, hire them and find a job afterwards. That's key. And then as jobs, real jobs appear in your organization as you grow, you'll already have loyal members of staff you can reorganize. Don't throw away loyal people because you don't know exactly what they're going to do straight away. That's 41. 42. Aim way too high. And when I say way too high, I mean way too high. Now, don't be one of those jackasses that comes along going, yeah, I'm going to have a, like on Dragon's Den or some shit, or The Apprentice. I'm going to have a business worth $500 million. I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Don't be an idiot. But you need to aim too high. The higher you aim, the higher you'll get. If you aim for the moon, you'll get to the stars. If you aim for the stars, you'll get to the sky. If you aim for the sky, you won't get off the ground. That's how it goes. You need to aim high. Be realistic. Don't be a dick. But you do need to aim too high. Whatever your expectations are, you need to triple, at least quadruple them. Because if your product is good and you're doing a good job and you're selling it to the whole world, why can't you be a billionaire? Why not? If you're doing a good job and selling a good product to the whole world, why couldn't you? So you need to aim much higher than you're currently aiming. It's going to help you reach higher levels. Just don't be one of them deluded dickheads who's already talking about half a million dollar turnover when he has literally sold zero. 
I guess another way to phrase this lesson, number 42, is never be content. So when your money's coming in, let's say you get to the point where you're doing $2,000 a day, $1,000 a day, whatever. Never sit there and go, oh, that's pretty good. It's never good. It's never good enough, ever. It's never enough. It's never good enough. It's never enough to make you happy. Be greedy. Want more. Aim high all the time. It's your instant source of motivation. If you're happy and content with what's coming in, you're not going to aim high enough. You have to be pushing forward. Remember, always look into the new money. Forget the old money. Aim higher. All of the time. I can't stress that enough. Next lesson. Irrational self-confidence without being a bullshitter. People like confidence. If I'm going to spend my money with you, I want you to be extremely confident on what you're doing with my money. If I'm going to, okay, so let's say I'm going in for surgery. I'm going to go see a doctor for surgery. Do I want that doctor to be confident about the operation or nervous? Do I want the doctor to say, yeah, I've done this loads of times. Yeah, I know exactly what we're going to do here. Yeah, it's easy. It's simple. I've done it loads of times. Or do I want him to be like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, things can go wrong. And, you know, you know, I didn't sleep last night. What do you want? You want confidence. So if someone's going to spend money with you, they want you to be confident all the time. So you have to be confident in your delivery. Now, don't be a bullshitter. Don't come along and say, I know more about girls than Andrew's hate because everyone's going to know you're an idiot because you don't. Anyone who's seen the PhD course knows that. But still, you need to be super confident at all times. So if anyone's going to spend money with you, they need to be confident. So when I used to go into sales, when I would uh, go sell things, when I was doing television advertising, I would say I was the best. I say I was the best. Now, I was relatively new to the game. And I'd say, yeah, I've been in this game a long time. I've met a lot of people and I've met a lot of agencies to see how they do things. I'm really, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to sound conceited, but I'm very sure that we are the best at what we do. And they'd be like, oh, okay. I was like, no, really, we are the best at what we do. In terms of price-wise and the way we plan the media, I know we're the best. We're the best in the country. Did I have any evidence? No. Just said it. Gives a shit. Evidence. Why evidence? They go, why? And I say, oh, because of the way we do planning and the price point we work at. I've been doing this industry a long time. I've seen lots of people and I've also taken lots of big clients from other competitors and I know that we're the best. Bang. Just said it right there. And if you say it so confidently, they're not going to be like, well, no, you're not. They don't know. They don't know anything about your industry. How are they going to prove it? They're like, oh, okay. Oh, well, people love confidence. They want to give their money to the best because they know the best is going to give them the best job. It's better to be irrationally self-confident than not. This also ties into the um and ah thing. Did you notice how smooth I was right then when I said why I'm the best? Did I go, um, I think, uh, we're the best, uh, mm. No. I'm the best. Any job you do, any client you're going to land, you need to sit there and say, I'm the best at what I do. I'm the best at what I do. What are they going to do and say, no, you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. How do you know? It's my industry, not yours. I'm telling you I'm the best at what I do. You're not going to find anyone better than me for this price point. No way. Impossible. I am the best. There's no one else in the world who does what I do at this cost. I'm the best. Congratulations. You found the best. You're lucky. Irrational self-confidence. Do not be a bullshitter, but you need to be super self-confident. Smooth with it. James Bond. He walks in. He's outnumbered. Everyone wants to kill him. I'm the best. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm me. I'm a G. It's how you have to be. Irrational self-confidence. Super important. Lots of people don't have enough confidence when they're trying to sell. I don't know why. You're trying to sell something and you're all like, oh, well, maybe. You fucking maybe. Irrational self-confidence. Now, next point. 45. We're on 45. We're almost halfway. 
This is gonna, another thing that's gonna change the way you view business and money. I want you to understand something. Money cannot be made. I don't even like the saying making money. We're making money. Nobody's making money. The Federal Reserve makes money. You're not the Federal Reserve. If you are the Federal Reserve and you bought my course, I'm very, very humbled, but I doubt it. You're not the Federal Reserve. You're an individual. We're not the Rothschilds. We're shit munchers, which means we cannot make money. All we can do is take money from other people. Money exists and we have to take it. Dan the crackhead said to me something once. When, when our TV business was doing deals and there was money all around, we had no profit, but there was money in the bank and we had new cars and this big fancy office, all this money. I said, how the fuck did this happen? This is crazy. I'm 20. I've got this advertising agency. He said, money's like water and water is always moving. So you have an ocean and the sun evaporates the water, goes into a cloud and the cloud moves and then it rains and then it goes in a river and it goes to a pond and then it evaporates again from the sun. Water never stays still. The cycle of precipitation, some geography for you. And he said, water, money is like water, it's always moving and if you stand in the right place at the right time, you're gonna get wet. And that's absolutely true. So money cannot be made. It can only be taken from someone else. You stand in the right place at the right time where money's moving, you're going to take it. 99% of people are middlemen. Most people are middlemen. Everyone's a middleman to some degree. Loads of companies exist out there that are just simply middlemen. All they do is there's something, this, this is a product, this person wants the product, they're in the middle, they make money. They supply the product. Done. And it really ain't that complicated. They're middlemen. So, money cannot be made, it can only be taken from other people. So every single penny that comes in your bank is not made, it's taken from someone else. Why are they gonna give you their money? Why? That's a serious question, get a piece of paper and write down. I have this, I'm selling to this person, they will give me their money because. And you should be able to name a bunch of reasons. And if you can't, you have a problem. Don't be thinking about making money. You're not making money, you are taking money. And because you are taking it, you have to convince it from others. That will change the way you approach your marketing, change the way you view money, change the way you approach your business. Because that's the reality of what's happening. You're not making shit. You're taking shit. It's very, very different. You're convincing it, prying it from them. Precipitation cycle for bonus. Next, don't make anyone irreplaceable. This is a very simple one, but I've seen it happen time and time again. You're a guy, you're busy, you get an assistant, your assistant is exceptionally good, your assistant knows all the passwords and shit you don't know because you're busy and you're in a rush. You know the end of the story. Don't make anyone irreplaceable. I wrote this down because I've seen two people lose their companies because they lost either their top salesman or an assistant. So if your top salesman's floating your company, he's irreplaceable, you need to fix that quickly. So with T2, we had one salesman who was better than all the rest. His name was Gerdip, who was really, really good. And we didn't make him irreplaceable. And when he left, we really suffered. What I should have done is go to Gerdip and say, you know what, bro, you're really, really good. You're amazing, da, 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 da. Do you mind on Fridays, if every Friday morning, 
you give a speech or you teach the guys the pitch or what you're saying on the phone and you can have Friday afternoon off. I'll give you a day off a week or I'll give you some extra money or I'll we'll go out for lunch or I'll give you a company car, anything. If you can teach, you don't mind, you know. In fact, you probably would've done it for free because people like the ego thing, the promotion of telling others what to do. How about every Friday you can teach the guys and we can go through the script and they can learn from you to make the others get up to par so he's less irreplaceable. Take what he knows. Never make anybody irreplaceable. If you see or identify someone as irreplaceable or you look at your company and go, I couldn't survive without this person, then you're in trouble. You should always have a company and you should work with people and it should be fantastic, but you should know if any of them leave, you, you can find someone else at all times. Next, another basic sales tactic. Tell people they can't have things. You already should know this if you've sold anything before, but you should know. Tell people they can't have things. All the time I tell people they can't have things. If you tell people they can't have things, they want things. This is the reality of the world. So let's say someone calls you to buy, let's say you sell flux capacitors. I'm gonna draw a flux capacitor. Let's say you sell flux capacitors. And someone calls up and goes, I need two flux capacitors, please. The first thing you say to them is, oh yeah, sure, okay, no problem. Let me just check and make sure we have some because they've been in high demand at the moment. I think we might be sold out. I'm not sure we have any. What, what do you need them for? Oh, I actually want to buy them for X, Y, Z. Okay, I don't, I don't think we have any right now. Let me get back to you. What's your name, number? Da -da. So what just happened in that exchange? Dude. wants the flux capacitor. I am in the middle. In that short exchange, I told him, one, he may not be able to have the flux capacitors. And two, I asked him why he needs the flux capacitors. So one, I told him he can't have it. And two, I asked him why he needs it, to reconfirm in his mind that he needs it. I don't know we have any. Maybe there's something else. Can I ask what you want to use it for? Oh, I need it because my dick is too small. And I want to use the flux capacitor to grow a man-sized penis. That's fine. I don't think we have any. So he's reconfirmed his need. And I've told him he can't have it. Take away. His desire for the flux capacitor is higher now than it was before. He wants it more than ever. So this is obviously one example of how this can be done. But you apply this basic principle. Get them to confirm what they need. Tell them they cannot have it. You cannot have what you want. You cannot have it. You're not allowed it. When I eventually call him back and go, okay, how many did you need? Two. All right, I can get hold of two for you, but it's going to be difficult. Are you looking to purchase right away? Oh, well, I'll stick it next week. Okay, well, I, I don't know if we're going to even have any then, so bye. Are you looking to purchase right away? Yeah, I am. So if you ask someone, are you looking to purchase right away? And they say yes, it's done. Deal's done. They're going to fuck around giving you credit card details. They've already said yes. They're looking to purchase right away. Bang. Done. This is sales. You've managed to fulfill his need. Buy it now. Tell people they cannot have things. Now, a lot of people do this online with the simple running out of time. Uh, this book won't be allowed around forever. Blah, blah. But that's shit because an ebook is around forever. So everyone knows you're just doing it because it's garbage. If you actually could use your brain and think outside the box a little bit, you could find a better way to do it than that. 
telling people they can't have things. So, for example, if you sold a $17 ebook on girls, let's say, saying the ebook won't be around forever, mm, everyone's like, bro, it's a fucking ebook. It literally will last forever. Shut up. If you say, I'm going to cap the number of sales because I don't want people stealing my lines or I don't want my lines to become less effective, that's probably a better angle. It's not a fantastic angle, but it's better. At least it has some kind of validity to it. But telling people they can't have things is a fantastic way to make people want things. It works. So here's a little example of how that's done. We're going to come back to this point later and another point I'm going to mention. I nearly, I nearly start talking about something, but I've shut up because I know it's a later point. I'm learning. We have reached the halfway point of your education. Point 50. And I've deliberately made this point, point 50, so I can tell you something that you already know about yourselves halfway through this presentation. You already know what to do for your business. You already know how to make money. You're fucking lazy. And I'll give you an example. The other day I was talking to some chick. Story of my life. She's talking shit, obviously, about how she wants to run a makeup company. I said, if you want to run a makeup company, why don't you have a makeup company? She goes, oh yeah, I know, but you know, I don't know what to do. I said, okay, I'll tell you exactly what to do. Here's what you do. Let me clean my board. Here's what you do. Go to Alibaba.com, get some samples of makeup, find one you like, put a new sticker on it, make a website, sell it on your website, get YouTubers who talk about makeup to talk about your makeup brand, sell makeup. Done. You want a makeup company. She goes, that's a good idea, actually. I go, yeah, it is. A week later, I said, how much makeup you sold? She goes, what do you mean? It's like, I told you how to do an entire makeup brand from start to finish. I told you to do an entire company. How much have you sold? She goes, oh, well, what, I, she, I, uh, uh, uh. she did nothing. Seven days, she did nothing. I told her how to run a whole company. You wanted to run a makeup brand. I just told you how to do it. Didn't do it. A lot of you are out there already sitting on ideas and guess why you're not doing them? Because you're fucking lazy. You know how to do it, but you won't do it. You already know what you should do. You already know how to do it, but you're not doing it because you're fucking lazy. You already have the idea. Go. Stop waiting. Number one, speed is everything. What are you waiting for? If you would have started the idea a week ago, it'd be ready by now. You're fucking around. A lot of people out there with business already know what to do, they just are lazy and they don't get it done. If you're waiting, hoping you need some kind of investment or you're waiting for something, you should have learned enough in the first half of this Hustlers University that you don't need investment. You can get the money coming in without investment. We've already discussed that. There is nothing to wait for. I hear it all the time, man. People don't realize how often they do it. I hear people say, oh, I've got this idea for a course, let's say. Cool. A month later, yeah, I'm working on my idea. A month? Do you have any idea what I could achieve in a month? A fucking month? I have an idea that's ready same day. I had this idea. When did I have this idea for this? So we're halfway through filming. We made the advert. We made the website. We start getting enrollment. I had this idea 34 hours ago, maybe. Like, fucking let's get going. You know what to do. You're all slow and you're all lazy. That's the reality. That's point 50. You need to accept that about yourself and accept that if you really had the tenacity that you desire, if you really have the tenacity to get what you desire, if you're really like me, a go-getter, a warrior, you'd already be doing shit. 
Too much waiting, too much talking, not enough fucking action. I managed to get you here watching this program and I got paid to do so. And I had this idea 32 hours ago when I was yelling at someone not to go to university. I move quick. That's why I'm rich and you're not. Miss makeup bimbo is what 99% of people are when it comes to business. They have an idea and even if you tell them exactly how to do it, they don't do anything. They fucking sit around waiting for a makeup brand to fall out the sky and land on their face. Garbage. 51. Welcome to the second half of the Hustlers University. You should have surely learned a lot so far. I know what you're thinking. Andrew, you've already taught me too much. Andrew, we've already opened my eyes to a new way of thinking. I never thought about business or money this way. Andrew, you've already taught me so much. I already have had all the value I deserve for this course. You should stop it right here. I know, I know, but I'm fucking generous. So you're going to do it again. 50 more points, 50 more lessons. Pay attention. First, 51. Why are you running your business? Genuine question. As a hustler, why are you running your business? I'm pausing so you can think about it. If you don't know the answer, I'll tell you the answer. The answer is for money. That's why you run your business. People will come to you all the time and say, start a business you're passionate about. Bullshit. You're only passionate about one thing, cash. It doesn't matter if you sell rocks, doesn't matter if you sell jellyfish scrotums, who gives this shit? Doesn't matter what you sell, it matters that it sells. Sell what sells and get rich. Be passionate for profit. Most people come to me and go, oh, I need to start a business I'm, I know about and I'm passionate about. No, you don't. I could sell a makeup brand today. I don't know anything about makeup. But I know with my business acumen, the lessons I've already taught, the way I'd start the company bringing money in before I put money out, the way that I'd move quickly, the way I know I'd make money. I'd make money with a makeup brand. Fact. Fact. And I don't know anything about makeup, never wore it in my life. I ain't got fucking clue. You don't need to know about things to sell things. You need to know about selling to sell things. The idea that you need to be passionate about the business to make money from it is complete airy-fairy bullshit that idiots say. You are passionate only about what's making you money. You are passionate for profit. You're not passionate about product. So if you can make money selling concrete, let me tell you something. There's some Chinese billionaire out there, B, not M, B, who's selling rocks and concrete and making billions. Do you think he's passionate about concrete? Do you think he's fucking making love to concrete, kissing it late at night, hugging it in bed? Think he's got a fucking concrete doll and he's made a little hole for his dick? No, he doesn't give a fuck about concrete. He gives a fuck about money, as should you. Drop that I need to be passionate garbage. Passionate for profit only. 52, this is specifically for you social media markers. War is profitable, but not always. So I get this a lot. I see a lot of people who have digital products constantly in battles with other people in the space trying to get attention through war to try and sell products. War online is very much like real war and you need to sit and plan and strategize if it's worthwhile. What are your end goals? What are your end objectives? How are you going to achieve them? Is your end goal and objective just to get people paying attention to your tweets? Is your end goal and objective to sell products? Is your end goal and objective to defame and to devalue the, uh, the status of your opponent? What is the end goal and objective? 
War can be profitable, but you need to make sure it is worthwhile. You shouldn't be arguing with small accounts, people who are smaller than you. I will only beef with someone if they have more than 10,000 followers. Know your place, know their place. War can be profitable, but you need a strategy for war. So when I went to war with the Star Wars guys, let's show the Star Wars tweets again. My strategy was clear. Who likes Star Wars? Guys. If you meet a hot girl, she doesn't like Star Wars. Really, they don't care. Who's passionate about Star Wars? Guys. What kind of guys? Dorks. What do dorks need? Well, dorks usually have some money because they're dorks, but they don't have any girls. So if you will go through my Star Wars thread, you will see my strategy is simple for war. Sell my PhD course. Sell the ability to get girls. Show lots of girls. Sell the ability to how to obtain females. That was my strategy for that battle. And it worked fantastically well. That weekend, I sold a lot of PhD courses. I think I did like 15,000 or something. All basically off the fact that I said Star Wars was bullshit. I had a clear objective for my battle. Most people will go viral or they'll go battle and they haven't got a clear objective. They don't know what they're trying to do. I knew exactly what I was trying to do. Poke the geeks, annoy the geeks, annoy the nerds, and then, and then off the back of it, be humorous enough for them to entertain the idea of learning from me how to get girls. That made me money. War needs strategy. So if you're going to go to war in any way, either in the physical world or the internet reality, you need to be prepared and you're not prepared without strategy. So war is only profitable if you have a strategy, have a clear end goal, have a clear objective. Don't end up like America stuck in the Middle East in forever, endless, pointless, nothing wars. That's what most people online are doing, constantly jabbing at each other for no reason. It's pathetic. I don't go to war often. If I go to war, it's going to pay me. I don't lose money to go to war. War is profitable, but only if you do it right. Keep that in mind. 53. Another thing that sells. We already talked about predicting the future and preempting the future. Presume the sale by talking about the future. Do you know what else makes people buy things? FOMO. Fear of missing out. I know you know this already. You're thinking, Tate, I already know that. Mm. How do you instill FOMO? Well, here's how most of you guys instill FOMO. If you don't buy now, we're closing and you won't be able to buy. No one cares because we know that that's a lie and we know that you're just closing it artificially to try and make some artificial deadline. So no one cares. How do I instill FOMO? I talk about how many other people have already bought it. All these people over here know what I know. You don't know shit. Talk about other people buying your product and it will make people want to buy your product because they'll feel like they missed out. So with television advertising, I used to do this all the time. Constantly talk about other campaigns or other clients I had. Not in a braggy way. Just in a, when I'm doing business with this, da, 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 or I did this campaign for this, da, 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 or this actually a very busy time of year for us right now. We have 15 people sign up in the last two weeks. We're really busy. Lots of people are doing this. Everyone's involved. People are doing this. People are doing this. People are doing this. Oh, I don't want to miss out if everyone else is doing it. Maybe everyone else thought it was a good idea. Well, why don't I think it's a good idea? Well, I don't like this and that, but, but everyone else likes it. So, uh, okay. Every, every, even, even successful people are herd mentality. Even very successful people are sheep. If they think everyone else is doing it, they're going to do it. It's the same with fashion trends. How many stupid fucking dumb pieces of clothing have you seen people wearing? But everyone else is wearing it. People need to know that lots of other people are buying. You need to make, find a way to make that clear. Lots of people are buying. Lots of people are doing this. You're the one who's not doing it. So with this university... I told the truth. I've been very, very impressed with how many signups I've had. I've not lied. I didn't need to because I've had lots of signups. 
but lots of people are learning all of my secrets to making money. You don't know. That person has FOMO now. I don't need to say I'm closing the uni. I need to say, look, these fuckers know a whole bunch of stuff you don't know. I did this all the time with advertising. It was fantastic with advertising. This is a really busy time of year for us. I used to say this, you know what, any time of year. January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Didn't matter, do you know what I used to say? I say, this is a really busy time of year for us because people are gearing up for Christmas. They're like, Christmas, it's March. I'm like, yeah, exactly. People are preparing already for the Christmas rush. It's March. So now they're sitting there going, it's March. We haven't even thought about Christmas yet. All these other businesses are thinking about Christmas. They're thinking about doing adverts at Christmas. It's March. We haven't even thought about Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yo, shit. Oh, shit. Christmas. Shit. Shit. I used to say that any time of year. December 1st or January 1st. I used to say January 1st. I used to say when I used to go to meetings, I'd say, you know what's funny about January? They say, what? I say, we used to sign up. We sign up most of our Christmas advertising this month. They go, really? They go, yeah, yeah. We're preparing for Christmas in January. After Christmas, everyone's made a lot of money with TV advertising. People have made a lot of money in the campaigns we've already run. So now they're already preparing for the next campaigns at Christmas. So we're actually gearing up for Christmas right now. People be sitting there going, oh, maybe I need to do a campaign at Christmas. Other people are doing things. You're not doing anything. You are lazy. You are slow. Other people are ahead of you. Quickly, get on the train. The train's leaving. Quickly, get on. Quickly, pay the invoice. Yep, thanks. That's how you do it. I used to do it all the time with advertising. Talk about other people buying. It sells. Always talk about other people buying. Super important because it sells. Because it, one, instills some confidence in them that you're a real person, a real company. Two, it, it allows their thinking to be checked. Well, I think it's a good idea. And all these other people think it's a good idea, so it must be a good idea. So on my website, you'll notice on cobratake.com, I have something called social proof. I pay money to have that thing in the bottom that tells people every time someone buys from my website. So when you go on my website, you see other people are learning. You're not learning, but other people are. FOMO, super important. You can apply this to nearly any other company, any other business. Other people need to buy, super important. 54, chaos and opportunity. I once got told, that chaos and opportunity are the same word in Japanese. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to say it. Chaos and opportunity are the same word in Japanese. In other words, every cloud has a silver lining. Every time stuff's fucked up, every time there's chaos, every time there's a mess, there is an opportunity, a huge opportunity. And you have to find a way to identify it one way or another. That's all it is. There's always a way to identify. So, What's a chaos? What's a fuck up? I don't know. Off the top of my head, it doesn't matter what it is. The point is, you already applied speed to fix it, but you need to find a way to twist it in your favor. There's always a way to twist it in your favor. So it doesn't matter what it is. It, let's say your back end isn't done properly. Your back end is missing a bunch of vital information, let's say. Okay, cool. So you need a whole bunch of orders. You need something, you need people to fill in some information to fill in the back end. Then you hit up all your customers with a ridiculous deal. 99 cents for our face cream. Usually 10.99, 99 cents if you buy with any other product. Some ridiculous fucking deal. Even if it's a break even. What do you get? You get a whole bunch of orders, fills in your back end, your back end's back. Even if you just broke even on it, you filled in your back end, you've got some more loyal customers who are more prepared and more used to spending money on your website. Bang, done. There's always an opportunity. Doesn't matter how fucked up things go wrong, there's always an opportunity somewhere you just need to find it. I'll sniff it out. Something's gone. There must be some way here I can make some money. And everything has to feed back to remember the money in. That's important. Chaos and opportunity are the same thing. 
especially that's chaos within your business. If there's chaos within your market, it's even better. So I don't know. Let's say, okay, off the top of my head, 9-11. Why that came to my head, I don't know. 9-11 fucked up the airline industry. All the planes got grounded. No one could fly. Huge lines at the airports. Da, da, da. Chaos. There's chaos within the industry. So where's the opportunity? This is all off the top of my head. If I was an airline executive boss, I'd be going, okay, from now on when we sell tickets, we're gonna sell it with an added option for insurance for refunds in the event of a terror attack or an unpredictable event. We're gonna contact a big insurance company, we're gonna get them to insure us. We don't have to really do anything. We'll get them to insure us and we'll sell the insurance packages on top at a premium and make some extra money. Because now people are, who've been stuck in the airport for four days, next time they book a flight, they're gonna be like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna pay for that insurance. I remember last time it was a nightmare. If I pay for this, I get all my money back and they'll, and they'll book me a hotel. Bang, chaos in the industry. Opportunity to make more money. This come to me off the top of my fucking head. Where else was there a huge chaos in an industry? Can you think of chaos in an industry? It happens now and again. Now and again, things really go wrong. So, uh, fuck knows. But it happens all the time on smaller levels. And when there's chaos within a specialized industry, you need to find a way to monetize it, like I just did there with 9-11 and the airlines. Because there's always a way to monetize chaos. So when things go wrong, it happens. So like uh, the YouTube apocalypse, for example. Everything went super, super wrong with uh, all the YouTubers were making loads and loads of money off advertising and then the adpocalypse happened, they weren't making money off advertising anymore. So let's say that I'm a YouTuber and I see this has happened, there's huge chaos in the industry, no one's making money off advertising anymore. Do you know what you do? Well, I'd go, okay, well that means I need to sell merchandise. So I'd contact all the other big YouTubers and say, hey, I've got a really good link for merchandise if you're interested in selling merch. I start a fucking merch company. Or I get a link with a merch company for commission. It's not complicated. So let's look at the adpocalypse. Everyone, I don't know if you know what happened. Everyone had all these big YouTube channels. They're making loads and loads and loads of money. Overnight, that all goes down to zero. Now they've still got viewerships, but they've got no money. So how do they make money from there? Well, they all decide to start selling merchandise, but they don't have any merchandise set up or, or worked out. Me as a big YouTuber, I contact a merchandise company, explain the adpocalypse, explain what happened, explain I want to produce my own merchandise, and explain that I know 10 other big YouTubers who are gonna to go to another merchandise company, but I'm gonna bring them to you if you'll give me a cut of how much money they bring you. And they'll, anyone in their right mind will go, well, okay, get on the phone, old school. Yeah, I know 10 other YouTubers who I've met with and I work with, blah, blah, blah. They were gonna use this merch website, just Google another one. And I'm saying that I wanna use you, but if I bring them all to you, I want 5% of their turnover. They'll agree, bang. Now, from the chaos in the industry, you've become the fucking shark of merch. Now you're making money off all of their YouTube channels. With one phone call, by just being a G, now every time Jackass 1 and Jackass 2 sells a hat, you get paid. Before, you didn't get none of their money. You just knew them. Now all you have to do is call them up and say, bro, Adpocalypse is bullshit, but I know a fucking awesome company that's going to sell us merch and we're going to sell merch and make money. Bang! Chaos in the industry is an opportunity every time if you think like me, if you think like a hustler. This is setting up a company, a revenue stream, it costs you nothing. There's no outlay to this. This is just a phone call and a hustler's mindset. Bang, you got paid. Chaos is opportunity, find it every time. 55, we're at 55 now. You should have learned a whole bunch of shit already, but we've got more coming. 55, 
Right, remember what I said to you earlier, that you cannot make money, you can only take money. This is super important. This is lesson number 55. You have to learn to view all of your offers from your buyer's eyes. And you have to understand why that's so important. The Federal Reserve can make money. They can print money. You can't. There's only one way you're gonna make money. I'm gonna give you a demonstration of how that happens. This is Mr. Customer. This is his money. This is you. He gives it to you. Beautiful, very complicated, I know. That is how you make money. You don't print money, you don't generate money. You make money because people decide to give it to you. So, you have to learn how to view your offer very, very specifically from your buyer's eyes. This is point number 55. So your offer is whatever. I am the best surgeon, masseuse, who the fuck knows, blah, blah, blah. You have to, you're thinking of it from your point of view. Oh, I see this all the time with people. Oh, but people are gonna come do business with us because our oil is the best, our massage oil is the best. Does he know anything about massage oil? Does he even give a fuck? Has he tried bad massage oil? Does he know the difference, has he felt the difference between good and bad massage oil? Like, like you think, I see this all the time with people, they think nitpicking tiny little details is gonna make the money. I took, I took massage completely at random, but let's use this as an example. You have a massage company. That's supposed to say massage. You think, oh, we use the best massage oil, that's why we're the most expensive and people are gonna to come to us. If you actually, instead of being a fucking dork, like most people who run their businesses are, you're a geek and you're a massage oil geek. It doesn't matter if you're a programmer geek or a mechanic geek or whatever your business is, a dropshipping geek, anything, it doesn't matter. You'd understand that from the buyer's perspective, they don't give a fuck about massage oil. They don't know the difference in different kinds of massage oil. And they don't even know how they don't even know the benefit of using a good massage oil. They've never used a bad massage oil. They don't know how bad a bad massage oil is. To them, oil's oil. So you're not viewing the prospects. You're not viewing the offer from the eyes of the consumer. You're viewing the offer from the eyes of you, a knowledgeable nerd. Most consumers are not knowledgeable, especially on what you're trying to sell them. They don't know anything. You have to view it from their eyes. If you view it from their eyes, you'd understand they don't give a fuck about massage oil. So then your choices are as follows. Either you educate them on massage oil, you incorporate that into your advertising and teach them and explain to them why it's better, or you fuck it off and get something cheaper and save money. Those are the two genuine options. Always look from your buyer's eyes. Why is your buyer gonna give you money? And do this intricately, like do it down to the, the tiny details. Doesn't matter, we'll go back to a coffee shop. Why are they gonna come get coffee with me? Because my chairs are comfortable, because my building looks warm, I use those, uh, the same lights we have in here, Edison bulbs to make it look warm. My staff, I've got a couple cute girls there. My cups are, are cool, I've got, got colored cups. It doesn't matter, you need to think of everything. Why would someone walk past my coffee shop and go, yeah, I actually do want coffee. You have to think on a, at that level. For every single product you sell, why you and not someone else? Because there's always someone else selling. So you're viewing yourself from the buyer's eyes. While you're doing that, you can view your competition from the buyer's eyes. So if you do it in this example, this is the competition. He uses cheap massage oil, but he's cheaper than you. So from the buyer's eyes, he's like, okay, masseuse, masseuse, he's 20 bucks cheaper. Massage is a massage. I'll just go with him first. They'll go with the cheap guy first, 
And unless it's absolutely awful, they're not likely to upgrade. Now I've said many times, don't sell on price. So I'm not saying you should try and outprice your competition. My point is, if he is viewing two of you and the only difference he can identify is the cost, why would he buy the most expensive one? So you need to understand here, okay, I have an important job. My job now looks like a dick. So you're a dick. You're a dick. My job here is to identify my USP, which is the expensive massage oil, and educate my consumers as to why they should use it. So every time someone calls you on any poster, anything like that, you need to be saying, guaranteed no skin irritation, or, guarantee, or uh, guaranteed best uh, results for acne. I don't fucking know. Best results for uh, eczema. Whatever. Anything to make people go, oh, why is that guaranteed what? And you can explain to them, oh, we actually use this kind of oil. Other people use cheap oil from China. We don't use that. We use oil which is hand-pressed by beautiful virgins in the Italian mountains. Blah, 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 blah. View yourself from your buyer's eyes. Otherwise, you end up like this, like a dick. And think about that seriously. You can do this on so many levels. So it doesn't matter what product you have, doesn't matter what you're selling. View yourself from the buyer. Identify why they're gonna do business with you above, to, above someone else. And never assume the buyer has knowledge. This happens all the time when people go, oh, but actually, my company does this, and my company does that. And I sit there and I go, yeah, but no one knows that. And no one cares. You think that matters, it doesn't matter. You think that matters, it doesn't matter at all. You need to educate the buyer why that matters, otherwise they don't give a fuck. View yourself from the buyer's eyes, do not view yourself from your own knowledgeable eyes. And this feeds perfectly into lesson number 56. If you want an unbiased opinion from a general consumer on your company, I'll tell you who you get it from. Number 56, let me clear my board quickly because having the dick behind me is a bit weird. We've all identified your dicks. Number 56, ask your mother about your company. Doesn't matter what company you wanna launch, go and ask your mother about it. I'll tell you why. Your mother is, very, is gonna be very indicative of a typical consumer. She isn't gonna know a lot about what you're trying to do. She isn't gonna know a lot about technical stuff. She isn't really gonna understand a lot of the things you say. I'm talking about my mother anyway. My mother's an idiot. And I mean that with all due respect because she's a nice lady, but she's just stupid. My dad was a smart one. So. They ain't going to know a whole bunch. And two, your mother's never going to bullshit you. So if you have an idea for a company, let's say you want to fucking, I don't know, sell, okay, you're a masseuse. And you go to your mom, hey, I'm going to open a massage company. Really? You're going to open a massage company? Why? Well, I think I can make money making massages. Well, how much is it going to cost? This much. That's expensive for a massage. If that's the first thing she says, you've got a problem. No, it's not expensive because we use the best massage oil. Well, what's the difference in massage oil? It's all the same, isn't it? Bang. Your mother is going to give you the best market research you're ever going to have in your life. Now, if you're selling something super specialized and your mom may not understand, then maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit more difficult. But for anything basically normal, you should ask your mom about your company because she's going to identify all of your problems straight away. That conversation, I just imaginary conversation I just have with my mom, she identified that I'm coming across as expensive and that no one gives a fuck about massage oil. Bang, there's your problems identified. Your mom's never going to bullshit you. She's always going to be straight to the point and explain to you exactly what your issues are and what needs to be solved. Any company you're launching, you need to show to and speak to your mom about because she's going to cut the bullshit faster than anyone. Please remember, your average typical consumer is not an educated person because most average people in the world are not educated people. They don't have much knowledge of anything and they certainly don't have knowledge of your particular subject and they don't have specialist knowledge of your subject. I don't know about you. I mean, I'm a professional fighter. I've been getting massages where I've been training hard for many, many years. When I walk into a massage parlor and they say, do you want sports massage, Swedish massage, this massage, that massage, 
I, don't, I still don't know the difference. I don't know. They're all the same, aren't they? I don't know. All I just go, oh, okay, this one. So I don't even know about massages. And I've probably had more massages than most people. And this is my point exactly. The consumer is not educated. So you need to educate them and, and make them understand why you're charging more. Or you need to remove that barrier. So when I just gave that conversation with the mom there with the massage oil, she's already identified as expensive. She's identified no one gives a shit about massage oil. Your mom is gonna tell you what ideas are good and what aren't and she's never ever gonna bullshit you. But you know why? Because your mother wants you to be successful. Your mother does not want you wasting your time on some company that's never gonna pay you. Your mother wants you to do well. So any idea you have, go to your mom and say, do you, what do you think of this company? See what she says. And then if she sits there and she says only good things, say, well, would you buy from me? No, because I don't want that. Why don't you want it? Oh, I don't know, I don't. Start writing down all the reasons she wouldn't buy from you. Why doesn't she want it? Why wouldn't she buy from you? Work out how to overcome all of these things. You're gonna get a whole bunch of information. So you're speaking to your mom, ask her. Have a general conversation about the company and then ask her why she would or wouldn't buy from you and make sure you write that information down. If she says, I would buy from you because X, Y, Z, good. Those are your points you need to press home in all your advertising. So she wouldn't buy from you because of X, Y, Z, you need to go, okay, how do I solve? How do I overcome these? Why wouldn't you buy a massage from me, mom? I don't have time. Oh, we have mobile masseuses though. We come around, we'll come to your house if you haven't got time. Oh yeah, but you know, uh, well, how do I book it? We'll put a flyer through your door and you can just book by text message. Mm, okay, like anything to overcome, find out what her problems are and overcome them. So you have to speak to your mom about every single company. This is super important because it's the best market research you're gonna get. If you can do your market research in advance before you launch your company, that's less time you're gonna spend fucking up and more time you're gonna spend making money. So every single company I launch, I speak to my mom about it. So even when I launched my PhD course, I said to my mom, I'm gonna launch a course telling guys how to get girls. And she said, oh, don't make more men like you out there. That's what she said. I was like, what do you mean like me? She goes, oh, well, the way you are with women. And I sat there and I thought, okay, bang, I know this is gonna work. Because <laughs> even my mom knows I'm pimping hoes. <laughs> even my mom knows, she's seen so many chicks coming out the door, even my mom's like, all right, I don't know what kind of son I've raised, but he's, he's tearing through these chicks dangerously. So with the PhD course, I knew it would be a fantastic idea. Because even my mom was saying to me, look, you're gonna make some dangerous men out there. So every single business I've ever run by my mom, all of them. And sometimes she said some pretty smart shit. There's a level, you know what? There is, there is a level of intelligence which comes from absolute stupidity. So like smart and stupid is a circle. So you have smart at the top and you have stupid at the bottom. And you have this circle. And let's say this is the smart side and this is the stupid side. So it's in half. This is stupid. I know this is written bad. And this is smart. But sometimes you can get comments which are, just, which are just on the edge, you know? And moms are great at this. So like, I, like I, I bought my new Lamborghini and I drove to my mom's house. I said, mom, I bought a new car. What do you think? She goes, what is that? I said, it's a Lamborghini. She goes, how much was it? I said, oh, it was 300 grand. She goes, you spent 300 grand on a car? I was like, yeah. She goes, let me see. So she comes out and she says something that was so smart. It was actually, you know, it was so stupid. It, it circled back around to smart. She looked at my Lamborghini and goes, why would you spend 300,000 on something that only has two seats? As in, it should have more seats because it costs more money. So I should have got a bus for my money, I guess. That's her logic. Her logic is, why would you want, it's only got two seats, so it's shit. Which is stupid, but it kind of gets into the smart realm. It's kind of, you know, you get a lot of these kind of comments from mothers. They say things which are kind of dumb, but kind of smart. And if you can extract those comments and apply them to your company, you'll fix a lot of problems in advance. So that's why speaking to your mom is so important. Next. 
Key point, 57. And this is very, very important. I'm gonna tell you a story with this one. Money will never motivate your staff. Never. And I'll tell you why. Money is numbers, and numbers never end. Which means if you're gonna to try to motivate people with money, it's gonna get hard. If someone doesn't like the job and doesn't like you and doesn't like anything about how they're treated in the job or how they feel or what they do, you have to pay them a lot of money to make them do it, a lot of money. And that is not very, very cost effective. If somebody enjoys what they do and they feel part of a community and they like it, then you don't have to pay them much at all. And the proof I'll give of that, I just spat my coffee, I'm just saying proof sent my coffee everywhere, is that people do shit for sense of community all the time. Remember after T2 Television, I started Vixels, my own company, to sell television advertising. So what happened is I found an office in Luton that was 400 pounds a month, and I decided I was gonna become a millionaire with television advertising. So I found a 400 pound office. Me and Tristan would uh, sit there, and then we advertised for salesmen, commission only. So it was a commission only position. You sent emails all day long, just emailing market managers all day, all day, just copy and pasting, just emailing anyone you could find on the internet, emailing all day long. If they replied to you, there'd be a phone call. I'd do the phone call. So T2 was all phone pitching. And that's why it took a long time for us to train our staff. Every single day we were doing two hours of training, phone pitching about television advertising, phone pitching, phone pitching, phone pitching. And T2 made money. But training people to be good on the phones is hard and a lot of people are scared to do cold calls well. And people are lazy with cold calls. So me and Tristan had the idea, you know what, we're gonna email blast anyone we can find. We'll buy all the magazines, email every marketing manager, we'll go through all of the websites we can find. We'd Google up things like Store Locator. If you type Store Locator into Google, you have all the companies that have a Store Locator. So these are companies with multiple branches, so television advertising will suit them because it's, they're across, they're, nation, they're national. Email, email, email. If any, any market manager emailed back, I'd do the call because I'm trained on the phone. So Vixels was different. T2, everyone pitched on their own. Vixels is just emails out. So we, we put adverts out there for a position, which was commission only. So no basic. Every deal you landed, you got 5%. So if you landed a 20 grand deal on TV, you'd get 1,000 pounds. So if you landed two a month, you'd get two grand a month. Ain't gonna make you rich, but whatever. And we were hiring basically anyone, like dorks. It doesn't matter. Like We had one guy who had a criminal record. We had one dude who was just a bit of a weirdo, some fat guy. With some other guy who de definitely drunk too much because he stunk a booze, but who cares? They're coming in, they're sending the emails, and then someone emailed back, I'd call them. Over time, as people came and quit and didn't land any deals, we ended up with quite a good little team of four guys, plus me and Tristan, so six guys who were in this office. Now, these guys were working hard. They were emailing like machines, because you can't get a machine to email because you gotta go to the websites, find their email marketing manager's name. You can buy email marketing manager lists, but they never worked because it changes so often, it's bullshit. So we had to go and manually find and manually type it in and da da da. So these guys were emailing, 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 emailing. Anyway, most of the guys I had there for the first solid month didn't make a fucking penny. I had free staff for a month. I had four, I had four guys plus me and Tristan and they're working their asses off for free. How did I motivate them? Every day I'd come in, Positive energy, coming full of energy. Guys, today's the day we're gonna make it, da da da. Oh, the, your guy emailed back, oh, I'm calling him later, that's a deal, that's definitely a deal, I've been doing this a long time, might take a few weeks, but that's gonna be a deal, da 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 da. And I'd order pizza. Every day, I'd order pizza, we'd sit around, we'd eat our pizza in the office, 
I talk about the big dreams of how T2 was such a big company, how Vixel is going to be bigger. I'd sell a dream and they'd eat pizza and everything was fine. So for a $10 pizza every day, I had four members of full-time staff. Now, none of these men were motivated by money. They were motivated by my energy, the dreams of the future. They weren't getting paid anything. They may have been motivated by the future prospect of money, but I hadn't offered them any money to turn up and they were on time every single day. You do not need money to motivate your staff. If your staff respect you and they know where you're going and things are going and gonna go well, then you don't need money to motivate them. I actually fucked up big here because what happened with this company is I accepted a fight and I decided to go training in Slovakia. And when I went away, Tristan came with me, we went away for 10 days. And in the 10 days, me and Tristan didn't turn up in the office, all the men quit. Every single one. And that was the end of Vixels. The whole business fell apart. And that's because we weren't there. The leaders had abandoned ship. They felt there's no leadership energy in the office. There's no one buying pizza. Why am I coming here every day for free? All of a sudden it dawns on them and they leave. But the point I'm trying to make with this story is number 57 is that money will never motivate your staff. There's better ways to motivate your staff. Obviously pay your staff well. Obviously if they need money, give them money. I'm not saying you can get them all to work for free. My point is I see loads of people who go, I'll start a company and I'm going to pay my guys the most. And I saw this with a fight promotion. So there's a fight promotion that come along and goes, I'm going to launch the biggest fight promotion. Uh, some guys I know with money, big money as well. We want to launch a kick, they came to me. We want to launch a kickboxing promotion, we want to be the biggest. So how are you going to be the biggest? We're going to pay all the fighters the biggest money, the most money. So they all want to fight for us. Get the best fighters. Sounds like a good idea, especially fighters because most fighters are broke. The problem is they didn't end up getting the best fighters because they didn't have good exposure. They didn't have good cameras. They didn't... Uh, have good social media platforms. So a lot of the fighters were choosing to fight other places because of the prestige they got for winning as opposed to this organization no one's heard of and a couple extra hundred. Money doesn't motivate. There's far better ways to motivate than money in life. So don't be thinking you need to pay your staff loads of money to make them loyal to you. That's complete bullshit at all. That's not true at all. Get that out of your head. Money doesn't motivate. 58, success is exponential. When you've done something once, it's much quicker to do it again. It's the same with anything. You'll say you start driving, you parallel park once, it takes forever. Eventually you get good at parallel parking, it's quick. It's exactly the same with success. Success is ex exponential. As you've done things, it becomes quicker to do things. It takes a long time to make a million. It's easier to make a second million. It's even easier to make a third. It's easier to make a fourth because you understand mechanisms. So starting from the very, very bottom, if you can stay motivated and work hard when you have nothing, you're in the hardest part. It does get easier. The problems change. As you get bigger and become a bigger company, you have new kinds of problems. You may have legal problems or fulfillment issues or all these other problems, but you won't be broke anymore, at least. I believe business gets easier. It starts hard, H for hard, and gets easier. If you can stick it out here, you'll enjoy this. Most people quit here. 99% of people quit when it's hard, and that's why the 1% is the 1%. It's exponential. First time you make a website, you have to go out there, you have to source all these different companies, you have to find a member of staff to make it, and you make it, and you make mistakes, and you need to change it because the SEO ain't set up, blah, blah, whatever. The third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh time you make a website, you can do it very, very quickly. And you can do it properly the first time without mistakes. So success is exponential. Keep that in mind that anything that seems to be like taking forever now, remember lesson one, speed, 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 speed. We're going to get better at it, you're going to get faster at it, and soon things are going to blow up quickly. I launch companies every day. I can launch a company. I can launch a new company a day. I've got to that point now. I know my people, my staff are good. I can say, James, do this. Dylan, do this. Luke, do this. Tristan, do this. You do this. You do that. You do this. I'll do this. Bang. And within six hours, everything's done. I'm at that point now. But that's come from so much success previously. 
it's exponential, it builds up. Just keep that in mind. Now, 59. This is a really important lesson. Super important. And I'm assuming this is going to apply to some of you who are watching this. 59. Nobody is broke. Let me get rid of this. Nobody is broke. They're simply just buying other stuff. They're buying other things. People go, I can't afford it. That means, well, I can afford it, but I decided I need something else more. Broke people are not broke. They just want something else more than they want your offer. Your offer has to be more important than food. So what you offer, whatever it is, what did we selling flux capacitors? How did I draw a flux capacitor? It was like this, wasn't it? Food. No matter what it is, it has to be more important than food. Because when broke people say they can't afford it, unless they're literally crackheads on the street, which is quite rare, they're still buying food. And they're probably still buying, paying for their car, paying for their rent. They're going out at the weekend with their friends. They're still socializing. They're still paying for that ski trip next month. So they're paying for plenty of stuff. They're just not paying for what you've got. So no one's broke. They just decide that other things are more important than what you offer. So how do you get around that? Well, you have to make sure your offer is always geared as more important. So let me ask you, some of you guys who bought Hustlers University, it wasn't too big a deal for you. You're sitting on some money, you got some savings, or you're in my Forex program, you're already making lots of money with Forex, and you thought, fuck it, all right, I'll buy Hustlers University. Some of you guys who bought this, literally it was all your money. But you thought, I need this. I don't need to go out and club. I don't need to. I need Hustlers University instead. So I convinced you, and you made the right decision. I didn't convince you in a negative way. I convinced you in the correct way because you made a very smart decision. But I convinced you that my knowledge and this course is more important than going to the club or eating in an expensive restaurant or some dumb shit. I convinced you of that. So nobody is broke. They're just buying other things. Get out of your head the idea that people can't afford things. They can't afford it. They just don't want it enough. Because if they wanted it, they'd buy it. Because they're buying a whole bunch of other shit. Everyone is. Everyone is spending money every day. They're buying other things. So how do you convince people your offer is worth more than something as basic as food? Well, that's very, very simple. You just promise it's going to lead to more food later. Done. So, and that's the truth with Hustlers University. So why is Hustlers University worth more than anything else you could do? Because if you listen to the advice in here and start your own business, you can do that shit later more. It's exactly the point. So let's say you sell flux capacitors and you say to somebody, buy one. Can't afford it. Yeah, you can. No, I can't. I can't. I've got to pay my rent, blah, 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 blah. You say, well, if you buy a flux capacitor, your rent's going to reduce. So in the long run, you're not going to pay as much rent, for example. Or if you buy a flux capacitor, you're going to have more food. Or you're going to make more money so you can buy more food. Or you're going to have your own farm. Who gives a shit what? Find a way to get around people's objections so that they understand that buying your product is more important than doing any of the other dumb shit they do. Nobody is poor. Everybody's a customer and everybody has some money. Everybody. You have to get around it. So let's say you're selling, fucking, I don't know. There's a dude in the war room right now who's just launched his own company. He's selling uh, gas and oil supplies. I don't know anything about gas and oil supplies. I also don't know how he sells. I don't know his particular selling tactic. However, I'm sure he makes it very, very clear to people when he tries to sell them a new pipe. You need this new pipe. That's my drawing of a pipe. It's a square. It's beautiful. You need this new pipe. I can't afford it. But if you buy this new pipe, you're going to save money. You can't afford to not have it because you're going to save money if you buy it. So you, if your problem is money, then you really need this pipe. Bang. Flipped on them. Your problem is money. Well, you told me you have no money. Well, now you need the pipe. Otherwise, you're going to never have money. Now the pipe's more important than saving money. Go buy the pipe. 
You have to make everyone understand that your offer is more important than anything else they can possibly buy. If they put something else above it, more important, like food, air, water, promise them more food, air, and water if they buy your product. Nobody is broke. They just need to want it. And you have to make people want it. That is your goal. So get out your idea. Oh, right now, I hear all the time from business owners. Oh, it's a slow period right now. Why? Oh, the recession or people ain't got much money right now. Complete garbage, complete bullshit. You know what? I ran cam girls in the height of the recession. When all these businesses were going out of business because of the recession, there was dudes sending me millions of dollars while jerking off. Do you know why? Because they really wanted to see some titties while they jerked off. They wanted it. They wanted titties more than they wanted anything else. So why are some businesses recession-proof? Why, you think during a recession, things like gambling, things like smoking, drinking, cam girls, you think vices would disappear. Oh, it's a recession. We have to cut back all the dumb shit and focus on the necessities. Why does that not happen? Why does the dumb shit grow? Because people go, oh, okay, it's a recession. I'm gonna save my money. And they start being tight and being stupid about other things, but they still can't control their vices and they end up blowing more money on their vices. Because with vices, people want it. And this proves my point absolutely. Even during an international recession, people are not broke. You just have to make them want what you have. Get that out of your head that people are broke. It's completely untrue. You just have to make your offer more appealing than anything else they can possibly spend their money on. And they'll buy your offer. And you do that by either promising more of something else or positioning yourself above something else. Very, very easy. Next. Nothing ever fixed itself. Point 60. Let me wipe my board quickly. Point 60. Nothing ever fixes itself. This is the same with anything inside of any company and we're all adults and we should know this. So you're an adult. When's the last time your car broke down and you did nothing about it and it fixed itself? When's the last time you had a flat tire and instead of going to the mechanic, you came out a few months later and the tire was fixed? Never. Nothing fixes itself. If you have a problem inside of your company or a problem making money, you better do something about it quickly. I see people come along and go, oh yeah, it's been a few slow couple of months. I'm like, okay, so what have you been doing? Oh, you know, well, it's been a slow couple of months. We're going to place some more adverts. Wait, it's been months of slow, and now you're thinking of placing adverts. After the second slow day, I would have been in a panic. I'd be like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? It's been two days. Where's the fucking money? Oh, but sometimes it can vary from day to day. Nah, don't buy it. Change something now. Speed. You, nothing is ever going to fix itself in any, in any company. Same with all your tech stuff. PayPal or fucking your, your hosting. I, I know like I get one guy I work with, James, he calls, he thinks I'm super impatient. If you wait around for other people to just fix things, it never happens. I've had it a million times. The number of times I've been waiting on PayPal thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be fine. It, it just never happens. You have to hound everyone to the end of the earth. I've been in business a very, very long time and I cannot think of a single example where I thought, hmm, I'm not going to chase or hound or annoy this person and it's going to work out fine. It's never happened. You have to be constantly on the phone six times a day. You have to be beefing people nonstop. And there's a reason for that. It's because the people who work at these companies or the people who work for someone else, they don't give a fuck about you. They've got their own problems. Their girlfriend's cheating on them. They can't afford their rent. They hate their job. You think he's really thinking, oh, I really better get this online, this, this hosting online for that guy. No, they don't fucking care. Even if you call them, they're like, yeah, I understand, sir. It's a big problem. They don't care. They don't care. They've got their own lives. They don't give a shit. No one gives a shit about you. So nothing's ever going to fix itself. So don't be afraid to be a hard ass with the technical things. That's the first thing. And second thing, if you've got a problem inside of your business and you've identified it, you need to start thinking of a battle plan to fix it quickly. 
It's not gonna go away without you doing something, just like the flat tire won't. If you have a lack of customers sitting there going, okay, well, we're still building the brand, still building the name, so let's see where we stand in a month. No, you've identified you have a lack of customers. What can you do about it now? Lesson one, speed. How can you fix that problem today? Even if you come up with a plan, and you, if you follow my other rules that you've learned so far, you can come up with a plan that costs no money, effectively. You come up with a plan and you implement it, even if it doesn't work, you're still in the same position. What's the worst that can happen? So this is where Tristan and I sometimes have a little uh, disagreement. So let's say Tristan and I, when we were running the cam girls, uh, there'd be like three or four days which were really slow. And I'd say to Tristan, where the fuck's the money? He'd go, oh, it happens. There's a big football game. Guys are busy, blah, blah, blah. So now nah, I don't buy that now. Nah. This girl needs a new account because her account score is low. This girl needs new costumes. This girl needs this. Da, da, da. We've got to change everything. And Tristan's like, it's been three days. Just chill. I'm like, nah, change everything. We need this, we need that. Her set has been the same for a year. Let's re, let's re wallpaper that wall, give her a different set. Let's change this, let's change this. Da, da. So we'll do all those changes. Then two weeks later, money's rolling in. Tristan will go, well, money's rolling in now, but I don't know if it was, the, we don't know if it was the changes you made or if it was just the football game. Like the, cha- the money might have rolled in anyway. And we've gone through all that and we don't know why. I say, look, what I know is this the money is now rolling in. Butterfly effect. I know that in the current reality, I did a bunch of things and now the money's appeared. You're saying that maybe if we didn't do those things, maybe the money would have come anyway. Well, I don't live in a maybe world. Nobody knows that. I know that there's two days, two, three slow days. I identified a problem. I took drastic action and I fixed it. Now it's fixed. You can try and pretend I didn't fix it and that it was going to happen anyway if you want, but things don't fix themselves. I know how the world works. And Tristan eventually will concede. So if things are slow for one or two days, I'll get in panic mode with my business and I'll fucking start doing something. And that's when you have your best ideas when you're in panic mode. And as long as you can implement those ideas without spending a whole ton of money, good. I'm not saying panic, buy Google ads and blow a million. I'm saying sit there and go, okay, how can I get customers in right here, right now, speed? What can I do without spending money? All I did was buy some wallpaper, adjust some beds, make a new account that's free, tell the girl to change her lipsticks and bought her a $10 costume. I spent 20 bucks. Boom, done. All the money started rolling in. And I know it's because of me. Tristan's gonna, Tristan sometimes would be like, oh, well, maybe it would have happened anyway. Nah, maybe, maybe. You live in a maybe world. I live in the real world. I did a whole bunch of shit. All the girls are busy now. I could have just sat there. Three days are quiet. Four days are quiet. One week is quiet. Two weeks is quiet. Yeah, it's a quiet period. Yeah, people aren't, it's it's hot outside. People don't want to sit on their computer. Yeah, and made excuses like a dickhead. Or I could have done things Action, speed, number one, fix the problem and made some fucking money. That's the difference between me and even Tristan, who I've mentored on business. Because Tristan will be more like, oh, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. It will never be fine unless you fix it. It's never gonna be okay unless you do something. The customers are never gonna come unless you bring them. They're never gonna give you money unless you force them. Your website's never gonna fix itself. Fucking PayPal's never gonna email you and go, okay, we're working now. Your payment processor's never gonna go, oh, okay, we'll update you next week and everything's gonna be fine. No. Nothing is ever gonna be okay unless you take it into your own hands and fix it yourself. And any adult who's lived any kind of life knows that's true. When you leave things to other people, it doesn't get done. You know that, you already know that. So keep it in mind, especially with business. Two, three days of no customers, do something. Nothing fixes itself, that's super important. 61, never, ever, ever, ever say no to money, ever, 61. 
I can't believe I have to tell people this, but sometimes I do. Never say no to money. So my business card, we'll insert the video here. People ask me all the time about my business card and they take it off me and go, is this a joke? You joke motherfucker, I ain't fucking joking. It's not a joke. I hand this out multi-million dollar business deals. This isn't a fucking joke. This is my business card. Take enterprises unlimited. Cause there's no limits to what I can do. What, like a limited company. Oh, we were limited. There's certain things, we, there's nothing I can't fucking do. It's the whole point of the card. Kickboxing world champion. Also a millionaire and all around nice guy. Now most people probably know those facts, but I thought I must have put them on the card anyway. Now when you flip the card to the back, there's a whole list of activities I can complete for a fee. And this is why people get the idea, the insinuation that I'm joking. The difficult done immediately, the impossible takes a little longer. Miracles by appointment. War's fault. That's right, war's fault. You don't need to be hiring no army. You, have you not seen Rambo? Only takes one dude who's pissed off. You can hire me. If you want to go to war, hire me. I'll get it done. Assassinations plotted. Revolution started. Uprisings quelled. I can, quell, I can start a revolution or I can quell an uprising. Either way you want it done. I can do both. Dragon slaying. Dragon comes along, called Big Daddy Tate. Jet charter. Ventriloquist. Sexual athlete. The list goes on and on. But the basis behind this card, the reason this card is important and it isn't a joke, this is what I'm basically saying is, if you're prepared to pay me, I'm prepared to get it done. That's my basic business philosophy. Even if I don't know how to do it, that's not the problem. The problem is how much you're gonna pay me. Someone comes along and goes, Andrew, I need you to build an oil rig in the most dangerous rough seas where oil rigs can't be built. And I make up my price. I send them an invoice for $6.6 .6 billion. If they pay my invoice, I'll find a way to get it done. Maybe I have to hire someone else. Maybe I have to outsource it, whatever. But if you're prepared to pay me, there's no job I will not take if you're prepared to, take, to pay the fee. There's a dragon and no one can beat it. And it's, it's killing, it's destroying whole city. Godzilla's here. Wire me the money, I'll get it done. It's my basic business philosophy. So I put some examples here which may seem a little bit extreme to you losers, but they're not extreme because they're proving a point. I dictate my prices. If you pay the invoice, regardless of what needs doing, I'm the man for the job. I'm currently building an army. I'm building an army in my war room. My war room is a dedicated group of like-minded individuals who are out here looking to get paid, looking to raise funds, looking to change their entire worldview. I've said in my other videos how important it is to only sit and talk about money. Well, in the war room, all we do is sit and talk about money and a few other things, but mainly money besides explicit pictures. But war room will be soon added to my new business cards, which are coming. I'm going to have some new ones made and they're going to be embossed with real gold worth about six or seven dollars each card. Give them out to girls in the club, throw my money away. You know how it is. But the war room's the real deal. So if you're thinking you want a card as awesome as mine, don't worry about that. The first thing you do is get in the war room, get some soldiers, meet some like-minded individuals, and then you can worry about trying to be a G, like Big Daddy T. So you'll see the lesson in my business card is very, very simple. My business card is basically, I'll do anything if you pay me. You want me to tame crocodiles? You want me to overthrow a government? You want me to fucking lead a rebellion in a nation? You want me to become a pirate? I don't give a fuck. How much are you paying me? 2.2 bill? Okay, here's the bank details. You send me billions of dollars, I'll get it done. I don't care if I have to outsource it to someone else. 
I don't care if I have to fucking, I don't know what I'll do. If you want a rocket on the moon and you're gonna pay me billions of dollars, I will find a way to put a rocket on the moon. Pay me my price. My price may be too much. I may be overpriced, but if you decide to pay me and I have to go speak to Elon afterwards at some billionaire's party and say, bro, I need a rocket on the moon. Here's five bill, but you paid me six bill. I'll get it done. And this is the point. Never say no to money. I see companies all the time saying no to money. You don't realize even you say no to money. Oh, we don't take Bitcoin. Why? Oh, 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 we don't like it. It's still money. It's still some money. You may not like it. You may not, you may prefer other forms of currency, but it's still money. There's someone out there who wants to pay in Bitcoin. You need to create a golden bridge for people to pay you money. It has to be very, very easy to give you money. So if you want to buy any of my services, you can buy in any currency in the world. You can buy in Bitcoin. If you don't want to buy through the website, you can send me a direct bank transfer. If you don't want, if you want to come meet me in person and give me cash, I've done this for war room members. Hey, I'm in Romania next week. Can I give you cash? No problem. We'll meet up and have a coffee. I will take your money any way you want to send it. If you want to give me Iraqi dinars, fine. Let me check the exchange rate. Bang. Yeah. 18 million Iraqi dinars, please. If you want to give me Iraqi dinars, you want to give me gold bars. If you want to give me fucking laundry detergent, I don't give a fuck. If you have two trucks of laundry detergent worth $5,000 and you want to use that as payment, I'll take it. I may try and say, don't you have cash? No, I don't have cash. You got Bitcoin? No, I got Bitcoin. All I have is this detergent. Cool, bro. I'll take it. I will take your money. Never say no to money. Any way people want to give it to you, take it. Any way it's easiest for them, take it. This comes down to the whole legality thing. Remember what I said earlier, get rich before you get legal? This is important. I know loads of guys who are like, oh, we can't take cash because it's against the rules. Uh, uh, we can't take Bitcoin because the Federal Reserve uh, and the tax. Uh. You're not rich yet, bro. You're not a multimillionaire. You need to take everything you can fucking get. Worry about that bullshit later. Fuck the rules. Dude wants to give you laundry detergent and a gold bar and fucking a pile of South Korean won. Who gives a shit? He's paying. Take it. Take the money. Always take the money any way they're prepared to pay. Any way they're prepared to pay. Such a fucking mistake people make. Make it very, very easy to, for people to pay you because people can have loads and loads of unique ways of paying. So this happens a lot in Romania. So in Romania, when a company sponsors another company, they usually do it with stock. So let's look at my, my good friend, Sebastian. Anyone who knows me knows my good friend is Sebastian. He owns RXF. RXF is a cage fighting organization. So here's our cage. On the cage, you have the sponsors, which get to be all over TV. But the sponsors don't give him cash, they give him product. So one of the sponsors sells roof, roofing things. But they don't want to give Sebastian cash because this is Romania and it's just Romania works in a different way. So he goes, I don't want to give you cash, I'll give you roof tiles. So he's paying for his sponsorship in roof tiles. Sebastian goes, okay, cool, I'll take your roof tiles. Sebastian takes roof tiles. Then he has another boy he has who goes out and sells the roof tiles or he makes some phone calls about a bunch of roof tiles. Who wants roof tiles? Old school for Moosin. But effectively, Sebastian doesn't go, no, I want money. Because then the sponsor will go, well, I don't want to give you money. I've got a bunch of roof tiles I want to get rid of. And then he'll lose a sponsor. Sebastian makes it very, very easy to do, to do business with him. If you'll pay me in roof tiles, lumber, fucking anything you want to give me, no problem. Just give it to me. And all you need from there is one or two other connects to shift the stuff. Because roof tiles are money. Because roof tiles are worth money. He gets $5,000 worth of roof tiles. He calls a guy. Hey, I got $5,000 roof tiles, take them for four and a half grand, come pick them up right now. Bang, may lose 500 bucks. Bang, 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 transaction done. Doesn't lose a sponsor. Make it very, very easy for people to pay you and never, never, never say no to money, ever.
62. This is some basic shit you should already know. You need to diversify to become anti-fragile against attacks. And when I say this, I'm talking particularly about big tech and also the way you accept money. So the, the, the reason I put these in the order I have is because they all lead into each other. So if you're like Sebastian, you're anti-fragile. You're very anti-fragile because the way he takes money makes him very, very hard to stop. So let's say the IRS or the tax services were to come along and freeze Sebastian's bank account. He'll still run his shows because he can just take roof tiles. Roof tiles and lumber and alcohol. He doesn't give a fuck. He runs a show and by the end of it, he's sitting on fucking 400 bottles of vodka, enough roof tiles and lumber to build three medium-sized homes. He's fine. Because this is how Romanians are. They're wheeler dealers. They're hustlers. This is the hustlers university. It's about hustling. You want to give me a whole bunch of wood and some bottles of fucking wine? Cool. Give me it. Sebastian's anti-fragile now. You can block his bank. Doesn't make a difference. Can't stop that man. He's running the shows. He's getting wood. Doesn't give a fuck. Be anti-fragile. So the more ways you take money, the more anti-fragile you are because a bank may freeze your account or you might lose a particular merchant account. So you need to have lots of different merchant accounts, Bitcoin, lots of different ways to take money. You need lots of different banks. But also you need to be anti-fragile in the places you advertise. You need to be on all the platforms, even the ones that aren't so, so, so successful because the successful ones will get banned. I am on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube with two channels, Telegram. You've got to be everywhere all the time. Not even if it's just to reach new people, even if it's to reach the same people different ways because shit gets fucking destroyed. You have to be anti-fragile. The easiest way to be anti-fragile is to diversify. I talk about this in one of my Tate speech videos, which we're going to reference in here, about you can't go off grids. You need to be on as many grids as on as many grids as possible. I've said to some of my friends who have like five grand in the bank, we've got five grand in the bank, I want to spend it on a holiday. I say, no, if you're going to spend five grand on a holiday, fuck that, you're going to come out with nothing. You just spend that five grand going to another country, going into the local DVLA or the Department of Driving or whatever it is, and find out what it takes to get a driver's license. I say this to people and people call me crazy, but I think it's far more crazy that people don't do this. We live in a world now where if you're American, you can fly to England, or for England, you can fly to America. You can go into the office that issues driver's licenses. You can say, what do I need to get a driver's license? I've just moved to the country. They can say, you need proof of residence, you need a bank account, you need X, Y, Z. 
and you can spend a couple weeks going through the fucking process, getting what you need, doing a driving test, and passing a driving test and having a license in the foreign country. When I say people do this, they go, why? What do you mean why? If you have one driver's license, then that country can take your license at a whim and restrict you from moving and making money for going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. People call me crazy when I say I have seven driver's licenses. I have seven licenses from seven countries. And each year, I take two weeks out of my year to go to a country, park up. If I have to get a rental agreement, I get a rental agreement. If I need to get a bank account, I get a bank account. Anything it takes to go through the motions. Sometimes I haven't even got to do a test. Sometimes if I prove I have another license, they just give me a license. Anything it takes to have a license so that when I am stopped by the police for speeding, which is all the fucking times I have Lamborghini, Aston Martin, and Bentley, I drive how I fucking want. I'm not going to live like a little cuck. It's 50 miles an hour. If I do 55 miles an hour, they're going to take it away from me. This is how people live under government control, suppressed and afraid. I'm going to lose my license. If you stop me in America, I'll pull out a Polish license. What are you going to do? Call Poland? What's the fucking officer going to do? You were speeding. Yeah, sorry. I have to give you a ticket. No problem. We should take your license. You have to deal with Poland about that. I don't even know how the process works if you try to take a Polish license. I don't think the American cops have even have a jurisdiction over a Polish license. I always say I don't think. But I do know that they don't. People, an American cop cannot take the license of another nation. They can't do anything. Every country I'm in, I just pull out different licenses. I get stopped for speeding five times a week. No one does shit. Because I have so many driver's licenses and you guys should do the same thing. And the point of this story is the first thing you do to get money is you need to prevent a single government having access or control over your entire life. Same thing with passports, man. If I fuck up big time and England wants me in jail, I can fly on a Nigerian passport, or an American, or an English, or a Polish, or an Estonian. I have so many fucking passports. What, are you gonna block them all? I, I've got four more I haven't even named on YouTube. They can't stop me traveling. There's always a passport I can pull out. There's always a driver's license I can pull out. If you ban one, I've got another one. I've got bank accounts in 19 countries. My shit is diversified. So am I off grid? No, I'm on so many fucking grids. You can't lock the grid on me, because there's too fucking many of them. People are asking me, what's the first thing I should do when I get money? I'll tell you the first thing you should do right now, if you have a little bit of money in the bank, is look it up, because you'll be surprised. Even a license, like a Thai license, Thai is the best. You pull out a Thai driver's license, it's not even in English. It's in those squiggly letters. And they're like, is this real? I'm like, yeah, it's real. You can't drive here on this. Yeah, you can. Google it. If I have an international driver's permit, which I have, which costs 150 bucks, and a Thai license, I can drive in Europe. And they sit there and they look at the Thai license and think, what am I going to do? Call Bangkok? Oh, fuck it. They let you go. So people say to me, what's the first thing you should do to get money? The first thing you should do when you get money is at least obtain two passports, at least obtain as a minimum two driver's licenses, and at least as a minimum have bank accounts in two different countries. Otherwise, well, otherwise you're looking like a little cuck at the whim of one government. Let me tell you something, governments are assholes and governments also change. I find it absurd that you motherfuckers right now, all of you watching this right now, are driving to and from work you need a car for your livelihood. You need a car to pay your mortgage. And you're living in a world where if you go 10 miles per hour with the speed limit, they're going to take that away from you. And you've done absolutely nothing to negate that. People call me crazy for having eight licenses. I think having one license is fucking crazy. Get it done. And the basic lesson behind this is very simple. You need to be able to take money so many different ways into so many different banks. Here, remember what I said earlier? This is your business. You're taking money so many different ways into so many different places. You're advertising yourself in so many different places that you're near impossible to stop. This is how you need to think about anti-fragility. 
And this is another reason why the whole idea of being super legal with your company. Oh, I've got my limited company, it's all set up. Here's my limited company and here we are, blah, blah, and, 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 and we fill, I file our taxes. Da, da. They can come along and close you down like that. You should have eight limited companies and eight different bank accounts and nine different payment processors. You're a hustler. Hustlers can take money. Even if you're all do, even if it's just one company, even if, you're, even if you're still fulfilling it from the same warehouse, even if you're doing one thing, find a way so that you're very, very difficult to pin down. Like, who is this guy? He froze two of his banks. He's still driving a Lambo. How? This is a lesson from my personal life. I'm telling you. Anti-fragility comes from diversification. So, you can get one bullshit member of staff and make their job. Okay, we already have one payment processor. Stripe said yes to us, let's say. I want to be on every other payment processor. Sign us up for them all. Get them all approved. Put them all on, sh on, on websites, exact clones of our current website, on domains that we don't make active yet. Be ready to roll. This ties into the lesson before it. Debt, in many cases, isn't real. Now, it depends on the business you run, because this is subjective. But I'll tell you a story. I knew a Jewish guy who sold everything. He basically, he, he basically was doing an Alibaba business, getting bullshit like wind-up flashlights and crap. Way, this was during T2, so 15 years ago, before Alibaba was a website, before everyone understood what dropshipping was, before Amazon. He'd go to these trade shows in China, buy wind-up torches and get them into stores in England, superstores, and sell them on his website and whatever. He was making big money. Now, this Jewish guy wouldn't pay an invoice until you threatened to take him to court. So you'd invoice him for something, anything. He'd ignore you. You'd invoice him again, he'd ignore you. Final warning, ignore. Da, da, da. He, you'd, have to be, you'd have to invoice him for four months, and eventually when you said, okay, we're going to court with this invoice, then he'd pay. Because he could always find a new supplier. So if a supplier got fresh after that, he just found someone else. But his attitude was very much like, debt isn't real. As long as I don't have to pay money out of my bank, my business will always be, always be successful even though I'm operating at super low margin. So the, a lot of people are concerned, oh, debt, so oh, da, da, da. Look, debt's ain't real for a few reasons. One, it takes a long time for someone to collect debt against you. That's the first thing. Two, if you never want to do business with that person or that company again, there's no point in fucking even paying them at all. Three, once people get desperate for their money, you can often do deals on debt. So if, a, if it goes to a debt collection company or you owe someone 10 grand and you call them up and say, look, I'm about to go out of business. I owe you 10 grand. I can pay you three. If you won't take three and settle the debt, then I'll pay you nothing and you can take me to court, but I'm going to close the business. So you'll get nothing. It's up to you. Give people that ultimatum. They'll take the three grand. I did this recently with a couple of apartments for some cam girls. I was renting some apartments for some cam girls. Cam girls left. Didn't need the apartments anymore. I owed three months rent. I said, it was only like, I don't know how much, two grand a month in total. So it was like six grand. I spoke to the landlord and said, hey man, uh, I can pay you two grand. He was owe me six. I was like, yeah, I know. But the girls have left. He didn't know the girls were cam girls. So the girls were uh, supposed to pay me. They didn't pay me. So now I'm in the hole. You're in the hole. We're in the same boat. I can give you two grand out of my pocket. It's all I've got. If it's not enough, then take me to court. He goes, yeah, I will take you to court. I said, okay, take me to court. No problem. But I have no money to pay you. So hung up the phone. Next day. Can you do three grand? I said, no, bro. I'm sorry. I got two grand. It's all I literally have. I'll see if I can do any more. Uh, two and a half bank paid it. Six grand down to two and a half. Because what choice did he have? Take me to court? And he wasn't getting no money. I told him I didn't need the apartments. Can't kick me out. I'm not there. I already left. 
So don't be, don't be thinking about worried about debt. You need to be worried about one thing in your business, which is, I'm not even gonna draw it because you should know what it is by now. Money in. Debt doesn't matter if enough money's coming in. Nothing matters if money's coming in. I see people panicking and worrying about debt. Fuck debts, get in debt. Get in debt if it's gonna get money in. You're a hustler because you know what's not real compared to cash? Debts. If you had a company and you had a whole bunch of assets and you could lend $3 million against your company and you can get it from the bank, take the three mil. Then listen to the lesson before, take 2.5 mil, put it in a personal account somewhere, hide it. Then try and work, carry on working your company, try and pay it off. And if you can't, who gives a shit? You'll work out a deal with the bank in the end. You need to be about yourself. You can't be afraid of debt to get there. If I had to get in debt to get money in and I didn't have to repay it anytime soon and money was floor, pouring in, I'll take it. Money in is primary. Debt is not nearly as scary as people pretend it is, especially with a limited company. What does limited mean? Limited liability means limited liability. The company's debts are not your debts. They're not yours. Fucking chill. And most, in nine times out of 10, you could close the company, open it again, clear the debts off, and have the same phone number and same fucking website. Just chill out about debt. I get so many questions from business guys. Well, oh, but I'm in debt, or I owe this, I owe that. Fuck that. How much money's coming in? Fix that. Stop worrying about other shit, because it's not important. I already mentioned this, don't pay unless you have to, but reputation management. So this is another key point. Reputation management. So with the, the guy with the apartments, the reason I pulled that move on him is because he's not a Romanian. And a Romanian, I'm very well known here, and it'd be bad for my reputation. The guy who owns his apartments was Turkish, and he lives in Turkey. So my reputation management, I did the, I thought, okay, well, he can't damage my reputation, so there's no need to pay him. The Jewish guy, the reason he didn't pay any of the invoices until he threatened to take him to court is because he didn't need one supplier more than once, so he didn't care. He found a new supplier, so he didn't need a good reputation. Don't damage your reputation, of course. If there's a supplier you need a reputation with, then you must pay them. If you don't pay someone they're going to put all over the internet that you don't pay, then maybe you need to pay them. But if there's a way you can manage your reputation to stay intact and not pay, then they can fucking wait. Fuck them. Being a nice guy it ain't worth it, man. I'm telling you, when I ran T2 and I had invoices outstanding and I had staff to pay and I had no money in the bank and I was chasing all these companies to pay their invoices, the big companies, the big boys, they didn't care. They didn't care about me. Yeah, we pay invoices, takes up to 90 days, up to three months to pay an invoice. It's a bank transfer, it takes, it takes two minutes. That's how all these other companies are so you can be the same. Make them fucking wait, fuck them. Next. This is a key point for staff management. HR is bullshit. What is HR? You always see some fucking chick with a bad attitude. I work in HR. Human resources. Human resources. Stupid bitch. She sits around all day talking about human resources, goes home, puts a dick in her mouth. Fucking human resources. Let me tell you how you run a HR department. You're the leader. As a leader, you do the most work so people respect you. And secondly, you're positive. Positivity is your HR department. Remember me telling you about Vixels, how all my staff worked for free when I'd turn up, be in a good mood, buy pizza. We're all gonna get rich, guys. Bam, 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 Wolf of Wall Street, positive energy, positive energy, positive energy. Second I went away to Slovakia, everyone quit. There's your HR department. Positive energy is your HR department. Your staff are gonna work harder for you and respect you more and be happier if you're happy. Be positive. You've just fixed your HR department. You do not need some fucking dickhead hoe 
Well, if you don't work properly, I'm going to give you a written warning. What the fuck? Written what? Be positive if your staff will be positive. That's how you have a fucking HR department. That's how you make people work hard for you. That's how you make people respect you. HR. Annoys me to even fucking talk about it. Next, people always say to me, what do I sell? I get this all the time, but I don't know what to sell. Mm. What, what is a company? You're selling something. That's how you're getting money in. But I don't know what to sell. It doesn't matter what you sell. It matters how you sell it. This is super important. You can sell anything. I can sell anything. I could sell anything. It's my fucking G. It's not about what. It's about how. How you sell it is more important than what you sell. So if there's people out there selling fucking complete bullshit, dick enlargement pills, they don't even work. So it's not the what, it's the how. Mass marketing, spam email, pathetic promises that don't work. Some company in the Philippines that you can't track down or sue. They've put themselves in a situation where with enough numbers, they're anti-fragile, they can't be taken out, and they can sell garbage. It's not about what they're selling, it's about how they sell it. You can make money from pens, you can make money from fucking cups, you can make money from anything. It's about working out a way to sell it that's gonna work. So when you're sitting there going, well, how do I start my business, what do I sell? Forget that. Start thinking about how you can sell things instead. If you start thinking about how you can sell things, you can find out that the what isn't all that important. So me, for example, let's look at me. I have a wide reach, I'm very well respected, people know I'm rich. So I can sell anything with social media and with curiosity and with explaining to people that I have social proof and there's a reason you should listen to me. I can sell basically anything with that. I could take this pen and say every contract I've ever signed in my life, I've signed with this pen and this is why all my contracts are new and I'm rich and this pen is $38. It's not what, it's not about the pen. It's all the how around it. So identify your strengths and identify a way you can provide product. And that will give you an idea on what the product should be. It's not about what it is. Keep this in mind. You can sell anything. Let's look at the cam girls, for example. So I'll give you a cam girls example. So I had a girl, she was struggling. She goes, I don't know what to sell. I've tried selling videos, they don't want it. I've tried selling this, I don't want it. I've tried selling that, I don't want it. They don't want it, no one's buying anything from me. I said, okay, let's think of how we can sell something instead of what we can sell. She goes, what do you mean? I said, okay, so I was sitting there watching on the chat, all the guys were saying to her like, where are you, what are you up to, da, da, da. I was like, okay, let's add some curiosity in and let's add in a how. So what we did is we took her out of her bedroom, put her in the bathroom and she started adding, broadcasting in the bathroom and whispering. They're like, why are you whispering? She goes, oh, my, my stepdad's here and he doesn't know I'm a cam girl, so I have to be really quiet. So it wasn't about what, because she's doing the same thing she was doing before. It's about the how. Now she's in a bathroom hiding from her stepdad and she has to whisper or he'll hear her. Guess her room went crazy. Everyone wanted her to use a vibrator then. They were paying money nuts because she might get caught. It's the same thing as before. It's just the how you sell it is not the what you sell. Do you understand the difference here? I put a different how on it and she went from a nobody to a fucking hero and spent the next two months in a bathroom whispering, convincing these dorks online that her dad might hear. Occasionally I'd walk by and knock on the door and she'd have like, <gasps> people loved it. 
It's not about what, it's about how. You see my genius? Do you see my genius? I didn't think, okay, what could she sell? Well, she's tried videos that didn't sell. She's tried pictures that didn't sell. What else can she sell? What else? I didn't think what. I thought, okay, let's stick to the same what's, the same things. Cam girls, it's not that complicated. What does she sell? She sells, okay, shows where she uses a vibrator. She sells videos, da, da, da. How can we put a spin on these to sell them? I didn't try and change the what. I changed the how. This is important. You can sell anything if you work out the how. You don't have to work out what it is. Next, play to people's strengths. This is especially important to st with staff, but it's also important with customers. Play to people's strengths. So on a chessboard, you have a knight and a bishop. How do you win the game? You use them to their strengths. You make sure you understand how each of them works and use them to their strengths. A lot of people have staff and they don't understand the strengths that their staff have. You might have two receptionists on a desk, but one of them's hot and one of them isn't. And you have a really big meeting and the guys are coming are four 38 year old businessmen. Which receptionist should be on the desk? But this is the kind of thing people don't think about. I mean, the answer is obvious, but people don't think about it. They'll just go, okay, yeah, someone's at reception. Okay, they're on their way. And they'll just think it's all gonna be fine. No, details matter. Play to people to their strengths. You're gonna have certain members of staff who are more physically attractive than others, certain who work harder than others, certain who are more stress resilient than others, certain who are more adaptable to changing hours than others. You need to learn your staff and you need to understand them and you need to use them, play them to their strengths because everyone should play to their strengths just like you should. If you have a weakness, someone else should be working for you who does it. I'm shit with creative stuff. That's why I have such amazing creative people working for me because I'm shit with it. Even if I know in my head what I want, I don't know about cameras and editing. So I hired someone to do that. But what I am good at, I do. So you need to play to your own personal strengths and your weaknesses need to be outsourced. And your staff, you need to play to their personal strengths, they need to be outsourced. And your weaknesses of your opponents, which are usually clients, need to be exploited. Doesn't matter what it is, you need to exploit people's weaknesses. Let's take a T2. We'll do a T2 example and a webcam example. So T2, I'd exploit people's weaknesses all the time. People would sit there in the meeting with me and I'd say, well, are you selling enough product? It's a stupid question. Well, yeah, we're selling enough, but we'd like to sell more. Who fucking wouldn't? Yeah, okay, well, TV's gonna do that for you. I just made them admit, they've just shown me a gaping hole. I wanna sell more, I will make you sell more. Okay, sign here, boom. Play their weaknesses against them with my strengths. Very, very simple, I can sell your products. Do you sell enough already? We sell enough, we wanna sell more. Okay, well, let's do a TV, sign here, bang, done. Same thing with cam girls, how to use people's weaknesses against them. We'd have guys come along and they'd say, oh, well, I'm an old guy, you wouldn't like me. And the girl would be like, no, I'm tired of these young guys playing games, I need a guy who's just ready to settle down. Play to the old guy thing. Or a young guy would come along and go, I'm not like these old creeps. And the girl would be like, yeah, I know, thank God you're not like these old, I talk to old guys all day, it's nice to talk to a young, handsome guy for once. Play, play to their ego. Strengths and weaknesses, everybody has them. Even me, Lord Emperor Tate, has the odd weakness. Very few, but I've got the odd one. But you need to identify them in your staff, identify them in your, yourself, identify them in the people you're trying to convince to do business with you, and use it against them. Because that's the reality of the world. That's what you do with everyone and anyone you meet. You exploit women who are lonely. Because if they weren't lonely, they wouldn't be fucking on a date with you in the fucking first place. This is natural human nature. So when you speak to people, speak to clients, speak to customers, you need to identify their weaknesses. Where are they weak? So if you're speaking to a company, if I was speaking to a company for TV that was very big, very, very successful, already sold lots of product and didn't need to more sales, 
then I'd be telling them about the prestige of TV, branding, making sure that all of their competitors know that they're the flagship, explaining that in their industry, they're gonna be the first one on TV, and that in nearly every industry, the company that went on TV first held the market share, and that you only get one chance to be first, and if a competitor comes first, they're gonna lose that prestige of being the first people within the bouncy ball company on television. If I had a, diff if I had a different client in the same industry who wasn't selling anything, I wouldn't be talking about none of that. I'd be talking about how the fact that we're gonna sell a bunch of product. We're gonna get them up there. We're gonna make them the market leader. You have to identify their weaknesses. I worked out what they wanted, what they needed to hear. Do you do that? No. You fucking should. Work it out. This is down to, once again, a how to sell as opposed to what you sell. So what's the famous thing they always say? Sell me this pen. I've never done that in my life, and no one's ever said it to me. But it's not about the what. It's about the how, just like before, just like I've told you. So if you start saying, well, this pen is white, and it has lots of ink, and it can write for a long time. You're, talk, you're talking about the what, you're talking about the how. Sell me this pen. Do you wanna write down your ideas? Yeah, I already have a pen. Yeah, but you don't have this pen. With this pen, you can write down ideas you can't write down with that pen. Well, why? How do you know that's true? Because I've been selling pens for a long time and I'm a pen expert. I'm telling you this pen, when you have this pen in your hand, the way that the writing flows from your mind, you're gonna come up with multi-million dollar ideas that you never would've had before if you didn't have this particular pen. I know all about pens, I know about the pen you have, and I know about the pen that you could have, and this is a superior pen in every single way. Fuck the pen. I haven't even talked about the fucking benefits of the pen. I've just put a spin on it. And what else have I tied in with my sales pitch right there? Curiosity. He knows about pens? This is the best pen? Well, it can't be that much better. It is. Absolutely is. Blind confidence. Well, okay, I'll try one pen. He might like it and buy more. He might not. Who gives a shit? He bought the pen. So it's not about the what, it's about the how, and you have to play to people's strengths and weaknesses. Keep this in mind, identify their weaknesses. Nobody's weakness is that their pen runs out too soon. That doesn't happen. People's weaknesses are that they don't think of good things to write down. That's a weakness. I can't remember the last time someone had a pen and goes, damn it, I've had this pen for three months and it's run out of ink. Doesn't happen. But I have seen people sit and write go, oh, I don't know what to write. Play the weaknesses and play the strengths. Think about it, think outside the box. Next, satisfy immediate need. So I recently was having a conversation with a guy within one of my companies and we were discussing the back end of one of my companies and we were talking about needing a back end system to run the company. And we were talking about how in the future, if we don't have this system, blah, 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 the future, the future, the future. You know how you convince people to do things? You satisfy an immediate need because people are lazy. If someone comes along to me and says, you need this because in two years, once you've said in two years, I don't care. And neither does anyone else. Most people out here are stressed about shit that's happened yesterday and shit that's gonna happen tomorrow. They ain't got time to think about from two years from now. If you wanna sell somebody something, you need to satisfy an immediate need. Immediate not later. So it doesn't matter what you're selling, but you need to look at your selling points and you need to be thinking immediate need. I did this with T2 all the time. Companies will come on and go, oh yeah, we're interested in branding. We're thinking maybe next year. I'm like next year, but when your competitors will get on TV, you need to be the first. Immediate need. Now they're starting to panic and think about it. First, they came to the meeting and want to talk about TV for next year. Now they're talking about TV for right now. 
If I was sitting there and go, yeah, well, next year we can da-da-da, ifs and buts, candy and nuts, maybe next year, maybe I'll die in a car crash next week. I ain't got till fucking next year. You're a hustler. This is what this is, Hustlers University. Hustlers need money today. You need money now. You haven't got till next year. You need it now. So the only way you're gonna get people to give you money now is if they have an immediate need that needs to be satisfied right now. No one's giving you money now for some shit that's gonna happen in the future. Immediate needs. So it doesn't matter what you're selling or what client you're talking to, find an immediate need for it. Don't talk about the future. Don't talk about legislation that's gonna happen next month. Don't talk about how next year they're gonna need. Say right now you need this because. Right now, urgency, panic, ooh, oh shit, now, fuck, how did I live without it? Oh my God, now. If you have any selling points that sell to the future, great. They can be icing on the cake. Your cake that's really gonna sell product is immediate need. If you cannot identify someone in immediate need, they're not gonna buy it. It's the same with absolutely anything. Even with cars, so, I never worked in car sales. I actually really wanted to because I would have been fucking good at it. But, because I'm so good at sales, every time I buy a car, when salesmen try and sell me, I know their tactics. But it's very, very typical of car salesmen, all the time. Go in there, yeah, I'm thinking of a new car next year, but my car I've got now is fine for now, da, da, da. Yeah, but you should get this car now. So, well, I've already got a car. Yeah, but you need this one now because you'll save X amount on the fuel and you'll save X amount on tax and X amount on insurance. And also this car has this new, this new system, the self-drive system, so blah, blah, blah. So when you're on the motorway, cruise control, da, da, da. He doesn't say, yeah, okay, next year maybe. No, it's like, no, no, you need it now because he identifies immediate needs, even if they're bullshit, even if they're garbage. Immediate, keep this in mind. You ain't got a sales point and you ain't got a pitch if it's not an immediate need. Never assume work. My kickboxing coach had a saying, if I didn't see it, it didn't happen. So he'd sit me there to bench press with 100 kilo, bench, bench, bench. He'd go out and talk on the phone. He'd come back 20 minutes later, my arms are obliterated. How many did you do? 62. No, I didn't see it. Start again. If he didn't see it, it didn't happen. If he didn't witness it with his own eyes, it literally did not exist in the universe. That's his universe. That's the world he lives in. If he didn't see it, it didn't happen. It's the same with your work. Don't assume work from your staff. Don't assume things are done. Check on them. If you don't see shit happen, it didn't happen. This is true of the world. It's especially true. I learned this one. I knew this one anyway, but it's especially true with like the cam girls. I worked and I did 10 hours. I made videos. Da, da, da. If you didn't see it, it didn't happen. It's this way with 99% of things in life. If you ain't seeing it, it doesn't happen. It's also, you can apply this to binary, is thing, are things done or not? What you'll often have in business is you'll ask somebody something, is this done? Yeah, 20 minutes. Do you know what that means to me? It means no, it's not done. It's still not done. This happens all the time. Okay, tomorrow. Okay, yeah, later. No, 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 no. Is it done? No, if it's not done, it's in the not done pile. And until it's done and I can cross off the done and I can just forget about it from my mind, it's not finished. I wanna see it finished and fucking done, pronto. If you didn't see it, it didn't happen. Keep this in mind, especially with staff, because a lot of them are gonna say, oh, and I did this today, and I did that today, and I did this marketing today, and I had this idea, and I sent these emails, da 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 da. If you didn't see it, and you can't verify it, if you can't check on it, it didn't happen. It needs to happen again, and you need to watch it, or you need to find a way to verify it. Oh, you had this idea, and you spoke to all these clients. Okay, well, I didn't hear you speak to them, and I, I ain't got time to check the phone records, so we're gonna call them again. Did anyone buy? No, okay, let's call them all again. I called them yesterday, cool, call them again. Didn't see it, didn't happen, doesn't exist. Next. Everybody loves a winner. This can go down to how your brand works and how your company works. 
Never, ever, ever admit a problem and never, ever, ever admit that you're struggling. Ever. Don't do that. There's a guy on Twitter who recently started putting on his email list about how it's been a hard year of business for him. That does not make people want to buy from you, bro. It makes people not want to buy from you. Everybody loves a winner. Nobody loves a loser. If you come along and say, my business is fantastic. We make so much money. We have so many clients. We're great. You want to work with us. We're doing fantastic. People want to work with you. If you come along and say, well, you know, we're new and we're struggling and we're new, but we're, we're, we're small. So we, you know, we value each customer because we're small. No, we're small, but we make a lot of money because we do a very good job for our clients. Everyone loves a winner. They're going to love you more if you're a winner. Nobody likes a loser. No one feels sorry for a loser and no one trusts a loser. No one has confidence in a loser. If you're going to go in for brain surgery and there's two fucking guys there, you want the guy who's like, yeah, easy, easy, no problem. You want the confident guy. You don't want the guy who's like, uh, don't know, it's the first time I've done one of these. Hmm. Even if they're the same qualifications. People love winners. They don't love losers. And winners in life are brash. Get a bit of water. Ugh. Look at me. The ultimate winner. Mr. Winner. What am I? Brash, confident, arrogant. So when I tell you, I'm going to teach you shit. Did I say, I've run some businesses and I think maybe there's a few things I could teach. No, I told you, I know fucking everything. I'm going to teach you fucking everything I know. And I've made millions and you're going to make millions. Everyone loves a winner. Come across as a winner and people are far more likely to trust you. Don't be coming across as a loser. Never admit defeat. Never admit problems, especially to customers and clients. As far as they're concerned, your company is perfect. It doesn't matter if your office is on fire. You don't have to tell anybody. You have to keep bringing in money. Your warehouse is set on fire. You know what I would do? I've got this company. I sell bouncy balls. My bouncy ball warehouse is on fire. I come in on Monday morning, my bouncy ball warehouse is on fire. Do you know the first thing I do? First thing I do is I tell all my salesmen, okay, the warehouse is on fire. We can't fill any orders. Call everyone up and try and get some orders. The first thing I do, even when my warehouse is on fire, is tell all my fucking salesmen to try, just like normal, to bring money in. Because that's all the business is. And that's all that matters. And that's all that's going to fix your problems. I don't say, send an email out and let everyone know that our warehouse is on fire. I don't sit and say, okay, slow down the orders because we're low on bouncy balls. It's going to be hard to fulfill. No, no, no. I say, sell some fucking bouncy balls. I'll fix it later. Get some money in the bank now. Next. Keep an eye on competitors and steal their ideas, especially before they get traction. Because if you stick to the rules I've taught you thus far, especially with speed, you can overtake them anyway. So if you see someone, hey, I did this the other day, man. I did this exact thing the other day. I saw someone launch a free Telegram group on Twitter. I thought, good idea. So I stole their idea. I started a free Telegram group. I'm in their group and my group, and my group is five times bigger than theirs because I promote it six times a day with my staff retweeting and adding a new tweet with my link, and he doesn't because he doesn't work as quickly as me. If I would have sit around and waited or thought that was a good idea and did nothing, it would have been much harder to catch him. So the point is, if you see a competitor idea, steal it right away, and then implement the most important business lesson, number one, speed, and then you can overtake them. Keep an eye on the competitors and be ready to steal. Steal, steal, steal. Steal everything they do. If you see your competitor start a GoFundMe, start one. Why not? But just advertise it harder, blast it everywhere, do things they're not prepared to do, make sure your staff are 
get better pictures, write better copy, speed, 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 and overtake them and beat them. Even if you don't beat them, just take away some of their momentum. You sell bouncy balls. So I don't know why we're on bouncy balls today, but we are. Your competitor starts a GoFundMe for their bouncy ball. You start a GoFundMe for your bouncy ball. They raise 100,000, you raise 50,000. Well, if you didn't raise that 50, perhaps your competitor would have raised it because the people who are interested in bouncy balls may have gone with him instead of you. So not only have you raised 50, but you've also taken 50 from him. It's a double whammy. It's not the fact that you've raised 50, it's that you've also taken 50 from him. So if your competitor is doing anything, steal his idea, even if you're not gonna pull it off, just to take some of their momentum away. So with the war room, if I have any ideas on how I wanna promote the war room, I do my big ideas on the days that other groups are trying to open up for membership just to combat them, just to take some attention away from them. Even if I don't get any of their guys, it doesn't matter. Just so they don't have a free reign. Never give your opponent free reign because that's what your competitors are, they're opponents. So keep an eye on them and be prepared to steal their ideas even if it doesn't work that fantastically. Steal it and implement it purely just to slow them down. But I'll tell you a few times I've done this and if you do it right and you do it with speed, you can often overtake them and you can often beat them. I've done it myself, so trust me, it's very, very doable. Next, I've spoke about this already, but it's important. Money and business as a hustler is your life. It's your life, meaning it's all you do. I'm not saying you can't do anything else. I'm saying you mix everything together. If you go for dinner, try and go for dinner with some guys you need to talk to about business. Make sure your people around you, your friends are talking about business. If you have to go somewhere, try and go somewhere for business. Let's say you really, really want a holiday. You're a bouncy ball company. You made a little money. You really, really, really want a holiday. Cool. Do you really want to go to the Seychelles or could you go to India and have fun? You've never been there before. It's still got beaches and speak to another bouncy ball company while you're there. Maybe get some cheap product. Mix everything together. You can find a way to do all the things you want to do with a business objective tinge. Trust me, you can do it because I've done it myself. Even things as simple as with the cam girls. I really wanted to go to Thailand. So I told all the girls, okay, if we make this much money this month, I'll take you all to Thailand. That was work. They all worked their asses off, they hit target, they felt like they got a free holiday. I had to go there anyway, and they made me a bunch of money. Always tie work into all the other things you have to do. Your whole life is work, your whole existence is work. So you can tie it all in, in every single way, because that's what hustlers do. Hustlers never turn their brain off of the money. So anything you have to do in your life, try and put a work tinge on it, because it's very doable. Before you know it, you'll see that if you're awake, you're working. That's how I live my life now. It's 20 past midnight, and I'm working. If I'm awake, I'm working. Soon I'll go to sleep. But until then I work. That's how it goes. Right, next. Develop a phone addiction. If you don't have a phone addiction already, develop one. And maybe it's bad for your mental health and your happiness, but we don't believe in burnout. So that ain't real. I am very, very successful in the realm I'm in now with social media, it's because of the amount of content I produce, the amount of original tweets, original ideas to YouTube channels, the amount of ideas I have for courses, the amount of speaking I do, the amount of videos I lay out, my Instagram stories, the pictures I take, I am always on my phone. Anyone who knows me will say, Tate lives on his phone. If I'm awake, I'm probably on my phone. I live on my phone because my phone allows me to do so many things. People who don't have phone addictions will tweet once, write an email, put their phone away and go about their day. That's not how you get ahead. 
If you're sitting there and you don't know what work to do, here's what you do. This is a very, very simple way to start making more money. It's very, very simple. Go on your phone. Look at all your apps. Delete the games and bullshit. Just delete them. I don't care how far you got in Candy Crush. Just fucking delete it. All the apps that could make you money, put them on the first page. Twitter, if you make money from Twitter, your email, whatever. All the apps that can make you money, you put on the first page. And you sit on your phone and you refuse to put it down for three hours. It's one o'clock, I'm sitting on my phone until 4 p.m. You get your phone, open it up, first page, and you refuse to put it down. And you just keep going through the different apps and doing something. You'll find work, you'll be surprised. You'll open up Twitter, you'll write something, you'll retweet something, open up your email, scroll through. Oh, this guy, I haven't heard from this guy in a while, email him. Open up your gallery. Okay, you got some product pictures. Actually, this, pic this product might look good like this. Let me take a picture like this. Okay, let me tweet that out. Da -da -da. Just sit on your phone and just fucking do things with apps that can generate money. Develop a phone addiction, you'll increase your fucking income. I'm telling you, I have a phone addiction because without my phone, I can't make money. With my phone, I can make money. So this is the reality of the world. Phone addiction is going to help you to make money. It's absolutely true. Next. Nothing is too good to be true that you sell. Maybe they say that in life there's many things that are too good to be true, but anything that you sell is certainly not too good to be true. The bee's knees, what you sell is amazing. This whole modesty, honesty shit ain't gonna get you to the top. It really isn't. Everything you sell is fucking fantastic. And you can speak this into existence. I've worked so hard on this because I've told everyone how great it's gonna be. So by telling you all it's gonna be fantastic, I've worked super hard. If I didn't say that and I sold it much softer, I wouldn't feel the same obligation to try as hard. If you sit in front of someone and tell them, look, I'm gonna do, do an amazing job for you. This, I'm gonna do an amazing job for you. You're never gonna, it doesn't matter, copywriting. You're never gonna have a copywriter as brilliant as me. You're never gonna have a copywriter as punctual or as skilled as me. You'll be a better copywriter for that person than if you didn't say it. Nothing's too good to be true and you can speak it into existence. Everything you sell is fantastic. You just tell the kangaroos all the time. Guys keep asking me what I do in private. Tell them you're gonna give them the best private of their lives. I'm gonna give you the best private you've ever had. And the guy would be like, really? Why? What are you gonna do? You're gonna have to find out, but I guarantee I blow your mind. Maybe she doesn't blow his mind. He doesn't come back, who cares? Maybe he goes, I blow my mind. Maybe he's a bit drunk and maybe, maybe she does the same old shit, but he just loves it because she's hot. Who knows? Nothing is too good to be true. Nothing that you sell is too good to be true. Put that spin on it. That's what people want. We live in a world where it's difficult to get people's attention. People have ADD. People are constantly looking all over the place. So if your offering doesn't come across as absolutely fantastic, they're not interested. We don't live in a world of mundane. Look at Instagram. Everyone's got supercars. Everyone's traveling the world. Everyone's got perfect bodies. Everyone's on the beach, blah, blah, blah. This is the world we live in now. So you need to have a product that reflects that. Where people, it doesn't matter what your product is, doesn't matter if it's fucking bouncy balls. It needs to be something that people are like, wow, if, if, if even half of what he's saying is true, I need that. Put that spin on it. And also you're gonna work harder and produce better results when you have that personal obligation. Next, we're tearing through these lessons here because we've got a whole bunch to learn. If you guys listen to everything I've said to you so far and you look at your company and you literally go through one by one every lesson so far and implement it in your company, you're gonna see how quickly things change. 
I've given you a lot of fucking knowledge here. Every single one of these points is important. Every single one can be implemented. Next. Spot bullshitters. Now, this is very, very important for people you're going to do business with, for business partnerships, for clients, for everything. Spot bullshitters. And there's a very easy way to spot bullshitters. What you're really trying to do is find out if people have money or not. And everyone pretends they have money when they don't. Do you know the easiest way to see if someone has money? The car they drive. I refuse to believe there's a man out there who's a multimillionaire who still drives a shit car. Yeah, there's some. There's some dorks. But if they're that, if they're that kind of person, then they're the kind of client you don't want anyway because they're tight-fisted. I see so many guys on Twitter. I'm an e-commerce, six-figure, multimillionaire, nine-figure, eight-figure, talking complete bullshit. And they don't even have a nice car. If you made nine figures, bro, you'd have at least one Lambo. I mean, I'm, I don't make nine figures and I'm sitting on six supercars. So what the fuck are you talking about? Learn to spot bullshitters and it's not hard. I get email propositions twice a day. Hey, Tate, you make a lot of money. I'm a nine figure money maker. We can work together on uh, uh, uh. spot bullshitters. Same thing with people who come in to work for you. Let's say you're trying to hire a salesman. What car does he turn up in? If he turns up in a nice car. He must have sold some product for the company before him. He turns up in a shit car, he didn't sell much. So you say, oh, how did you go to your last job? Oh, I was a top salesman. Then why the fuck are you in a Toyota? And I'll ask people that. I don't give a shit. I'll ask them straight. I was a top salesman. Then why are you in a Toyota? What do you mean? Well, if you're the top salesman, you made so much money for that company. Surely you got paid good commissions. Why are you in a Toyota? If they come back and go, oh yeah, well, I sold the most and the company commission wasn't well and they weren't paying me what I deserve, that's why I'm here. Fine. But if they start panicking, oh, uh, 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 spot bullshitters, put people on the spot. Don't let anyone lie to you. Don't let anyone famoose you. Because if you get famoosed, you're a goose. This is a word I met in T2. Geese are for famoosing and goose are for famoosing. So geese and goose. I know you're sitting there thinking, what the fuck's Tate talking about? Hear me out. Geese are all the people out in the world. Once you start interacting with them, and you get to know them a bit more personal, they go from one of the geese to a particular goose. So you famoose the geese to make them a goose, and you famoose the goose to get the cash. Do not let some idiot famoose you by bullshitting you and either taking your money or taking your time when they're a liar. Do not be a goose for some dude to famoose. You famoose the goose. You famoose the geese. You don't get famoosed or famoosed. Write that down. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Watch it again, because no one famooses me. I got an email the other day from some guy. Tate, got a business opportunity for you. It's an Amazon store, it's 30 grand and it generates profit every month, you haven't got to do anything. I'm like, well, how does that work? Because I always, I let people talk. Remember the business lessons, let people talk. How does that work? We start a business, we start an Amazon store with very little margin. We, we start selling sofas. If the sofa costs us $10, we sell it for $10 and a penny. We start building up loads and loads of positive reviews. We build up loads of traffic. When the Amazon store is at the top, then we start selling them for $15. Now you got $5 profit and you start building profit. You don't have to do anything. We do everything for you from start to finish. It costs 30 grand. I'm like, okay. But there's a big chance here that you can famoose me. I can pay you 30 grand and there's no guarantees you can disappear. So like, okay, yeah, where are you based? I have a personal meeting. Oh, no, we can't personal meeting. We're based in fucking Taiwan. Okay, so you're trying to famoose me. So, but I let him talk. I got his idea. I came back in and said, look, give me a store for a week. Let me check it out. And then if I like it, I'll buy. He wouldn't let me. That was the end of the conversation. Point is never, I was trying to spot the bullshitters. I'm 99% sure they were bullshit. 
I put them on the spot and I was making sure that I know end up a goose for someone else's famoosing. Don't do that. Why? Why? So a lot of you who run businesses will get sales and you'll know how they bought. They use their credit card. You know where they bought on your website. You know where they found out about you or who they heard of you from, a referral from a friend. But you don't know why they bought. This is the most important question. When's the last time you've asked someone why they bought something. You sell little electric motorcycles. Someone buys one. Have, what's the last time you emailed them? Why did you buy our product? And I know because people don't ask because then it assumes like your product's low quality. No, you just got to say, hey, fantastic decision. We're collating information. You did a really good choice. You bought a fantastic product. We'd like to know your individual reasons why you bought. Oh, I bought this electric motorcycle to commute to work. I bought it to travel around my estate. I bought it for my kid. Whatever. The whys will tell you more about where to advertise and how to sell more products than the hows, the wheres, or the whats, or the whens, or all the other fucking shit that everyone collates. Everyone collates all the hows, whys, wheres, whens. Sorry, the hows, wheres, whens. No one collects the whys. This is the only reason I give a shit about. The war room. How did you hear about me? Twitter. Where did he buy on CobraTate.com? What did he buy with? He bought via Gumroad with this card. When did he buy? At 1233. Did it? None of that helps me sell. Why did you join the war room? I joined because I wanted to feel like I was part of a community and I, in my local area. Da, 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 da. So then when I advertise in the future, I say, do you want to feel like part of a community? This is the question. You need to find out why everyone bought. Because that will also tell you why more people will buy. Nobody asks why. With the cam girls, when my girls would get a good client, a really good guy, a top level guy, they'd say, why do you choose me? There are so many girls online that you can pick from. I'm just curious why you picked me. Oh, because you're really fun and bubbly. Or I love that outfit. Or I liked what you were doing here. I liked what you were saying there. Ask your top 10 customers why. Maybe seven of them all have the same reason. Now you know why you're getting big customers. Nobody asks why. Nobody asks why. I'll get email after email. Please rate our customer service. How was this? What did you think of this? No one asked me why I bought in the first place. Isn't this the only question that matters? You need to identify the whys so you can create future whys. Why is all I give a shit about. I'm uninterested in anything else. Why do people buy? So you need to, if you have a customer base already, understand that. Now they may say, oh, because you know what? We have a good relationship and I trust you. Perfect. Then you know it's not about the products, it's about you as a person. That's good. That's just as good as I really needed that product and you were the cheapest. Whatever. That'll teach you if you need to have cheap prices. That'll teach you if you need to continue to be more friendly. You need to identify why. Our, my hosting with CobraTape.com is done with a particular company. I don't know anything about hosting. 
it keeps going down. It pisses me off. But the guy who does my website, James, he believes in them. And I think it's because they do some things for him which are complicated that he'd have to do otherwise. And also his, their customer support is good. His whys are there. Now fast hosts don't need, they don't know this. But my point is he has strong whys he wants to use them. Even though so far their service has been fucking shit. But their whys exist and the whys are saving them. And the whys will save you too. If the why people, if someone buys something from you and you ask them why and they say it's because you're a great guy and your product fucks up, you know you need to play on the fact that you're a great guy. If they, ask, if, if they bought from you and, it, and the, you asked why and the answer is because it's cheapest and the product fucks up, you'd offer them a cheap replacement or a cheap solution. Why did they buy? Because especially if you ask enough people, you're going to find out what is the actual triggering, triggering mechanism for people to buy your products in the first place. People buy from me because they trust me and because I have results. If I say, why did you buy from me? Because Tate, I've been following you a long time and I can tell you don't bullshit. This tells me that I need to be more authentic with my message. Show more receipts, more proof, more. Because this is why people bought and this is why people will continue to buy. With the cam girls, I came to you because you know what? You're just honest and, I, and I've had all kinds of shit from, for girls. I like that you're just yourself and you're not putting on an act. You're not acting all sexy. You're just chilling, eating pizza and being yourself. I've had cam girls sit there in their pajamas eating pizza, being themselves. That's why they got that particular client. I've had other guys who come and say, oh, you're always dressed the best. You always have sexy underwear on. So it's the opposite. But different girls have different customers. Different girls have different clientele. Different businesses have different clientele. What is the why for people who have already bought from you? And can you identify the why for people to buy in the future? Give people a why. And the easiest way to give them a why is to work out the why that worked previously on people who have already bought from you. Why? No one asks this. Start fucking asking. Also, ask yourself why. Think of the last thing you bought. Why did you buy it? Why? Think about it. It doesn't matter what it is. I bought water. Why? I was thirsty. Okay, so how do they advertise to me? You're a water company. You have a chance to put a billboard outside of a gas station. What do you put on the billboard? Well, I'll tell you what you should put on the billboard. So you can go on the billboard and go, Evian from Mountain. This is because this even big companies make this mistake. But I'm telling you as a hustler, I've made money and I know that why is the only thing that sells. Evian can put a poster up that says, from Mountain Volcanic Springs, 6,000 years old, blow the surface of the earth, mineral water. Or they can put up a sign that says, stop, are you thirsty? Hydrate yourself. Evian. Why did I buy the water? Did I buy the water because it was from a mountain spring 6,000 years ago? Or did I buy it because I was fucking thirsty? If you advertise to my why, I'll buy more. So the poster should say, you're thirsty. Maybe you don't even realize. You're thirsty, Evian. Why? What's the why? I bought water because I was thirsty. You need to put a why on it. And big companies even make this mistake. Selling pointless bullshit from mountain springs, da, da 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 Why? I don't come into you and start selling saying, Hustlers University filmed with the best cameras in the war room with solid oak walls with a fucking whiteboard 
and a chessboard. Why were you going to buy this? Because you want to learn how to make money. So I sell the why. I'm going to teach you how to make money. Fucking ask people why and sell the why. Because not enough people do that. Right. Next lesson. Everything is a sell. So I'll give you an example of this. In T2 television, we, I made a mistake that Dan, the crackhead, corrected me on. And the mistake I made is I had an opportunity to get credit when I didn't, when I didn't get it. So a client called me up and said, hey, uh, Andrew, hi. We were supposed to start our campaign on the 10th. We won't have distribution in place. We need to start a campaign on the 15th. I replied, no problem. Okay, no problem. Didn't make a difference to me. I booked the airtime for the 15th. No difference. What I should have done is put a sell on it because everything is a sell. What I should have done is go, ah, that's a problem. Airtime's booked months and months in advance. Okay, is it definitely the 15th? Because I'm going to try and move this for you. Is it definitely the 15th? Yeah, okay. Can you send me an email confirming you want to change your airtime from the 10th to the 15th? Put it in writing for me. I'm going to get in touch with the TV channels because everything's already been scheduled. So I'm gonna get in touch with them. I'm gonna try and pull some strings. I know I have some other clients who are starting around the same time. Maybe I can move some airtime around. Let me see what I can do for you and I'll come back to you. Okay, or let me know. Bang. Come back to them six hours later. Okay, I managed to pull it off. We're moving everything. Da -da. It, I didn't do anything. I put a sell on it. Like I did a bunch of work for him. Now he's like, yeah, well, when I need to change my airtime, Andrew changed it. Yeah, I remember, remember Andrew, they're good. Should we go to the other company or should we stay with Andrew? Well, Andrew, before when we had problems, he, he fixed them for us. He, he pulled some strings. I didn't do anything. So when after I said, yeah, no problem, Dan said, no, you're fucked up. I was like, why? He goes, you had the chance to get some credit out of that company and to build a rapport and to look competent for no reason. Dan was a crackhead, but he was a good salesman. And he was right. Everything is a sell. Everything is a sale. You're always doing them a favor. And you do that by putting a sell on it. Everything's a sell. Everything's a chance to sell. I've had customers come to me and say, hey, uh, I've, I want to order this product, but I want it to come in an unmarked package because it's for my wife. I don't want to know what it is. All my products already came in unmarked packages. Do I reply, they already come in unmarked packages, don't worry. Or do I reply, okay, what's your order number? I'm going to make sure I put it in an unmarked box for you personally. He'll tell me his order number. Okay. All right. Let me get this done for you. Da -da -da. When it's sent out, just to let you know, I've made sure the box, I've checked the box, it's definitely unmarked. That person's gonna buy from me again. Because when they needed something, I was there. I didn't do anything. I put a sell on it. I took the credit for something I didn't even fucking do. Every single thing is a chance to sell. All the time. So let's say you're a video production company, for example. And the client goes, oh, I need it in this format, this format, this format, this format. Instead of going, yeah, no problem, go, okay, well, usually it takes some time to convert or some of these formats can be quite big and quite difficult, but don't worry, I'll sort it out. I'll make sure. Can you send me a full list of the formats you need? This, this, is. Yeah, okay, I'll make sure the conversions are all done. Even when I film it, I'll keep this in mind because sometimes the aspect ratio, I don't even know, I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about complete shit. The point is, I put a sell on it. So now the person's like, yeah, that person's really good. I needed all the different formats and da da da. I mean, just click a button. I'm sure it's just clicking a button on the computer. Who gives a shit? Put a sell on everything at all times. And many people throughout the sales process will often miss a chance to put a sell on something. So if someone buys something for you and they want any kind of 1% request, even if it takes no effort at all from you, that is your chance to sell harder by putting a spin on it, putting a sale on it. I hope that lesson has been driven home because I do this all the time. Not with Cobra Tate, not with these kind of products, but with any kind of physical products, all those kind of things, I'm always putting a sell on it all the time.
Sometimes I do have to do things. Sometimes it's not always as easy as doing nothing. My point is, make sure the client knows how you've worked for them. That's an important point. Next, take every offer seriously. So, I, when I was selling TV advertising, I went to a meeting once with a guy and I sat down with him and he let me explain everything about TV from start to finish. It was a three hour meeting, everything about how it works, da da da. At the end, he said, okay, I'll get back to you. I called him up. He said, I'll get back to you. Anyway, I got, cause I was working with Dan and we believed in hard closing. I got to the point where I said, look, gotta do TV now or you're gonna have to be able to do TV this year. Airtime's filling up. It's gonna take time to get your advert approved by the advertising body because of the kind of product you are. We need time, blah, blah, blah. Hard, tried to hard close him. And you know, he replied to me, he said, Andrew, I wanna let you know that I was never gonna do TV. I never had any intention of doing TV. But when somebody comes to talk to me about something, I'll sit and I'll listen. That is a smart guy. That is a smarter guy than the guy who goes, TV, no, not interested, thanks. Let people talk. Mr. Amazon store. I was never gonna buy his fucking store. Still, I said, well, how does it work? Uh, and we put 1% product and we, it was one cent over and we built up the reviews and da, da, da. Now, if I ever want to start an Amazon business, I already know something, I already know a little trick. I've learned something. Always let people talk to you. Never. Take every offer seriously. Let people speak, even if you have no intention of ever spending any money. Don't get famoosed, don't be a goose. Don't let their sales pitch work. Be smart enough to let them pitch you and play along without letting it work. Like when you're on a date with a bimbo and she's saying, I'm a good girl. And you're like, oh yeah, I can tell you're a good girl. And you know she's a hoe. Don't fall for it, because some people will fall for it. In front of a slick operator, they'll still fall for it. Don't fall for it, but let them try, because that's where knowledge comes from. I used to say this all the time when I was, once again, when I was selling TV, sometimes I'd try the marketing manager, they'd shut me down and I'd call up and try and get the MD. Sometimes I'd get the managing director and I'd say, I'm just let, let you know that I had a fantastic offer to put your client on TV and your marketing manager wouldn't even speak to me about it. Get, trying to get him in trouble. He's like, what do you mean put me on TV? So like, we had an opportunity for paid advertising and also product placement with some free opportunities. I'm trying to call your marketing manager and they won't even speak to me about it. Before you know it, the market manager's calling me back because the boss has told him off. You know, some guy's trying to put us on TV and you're, you're not even taking his calls. So beef people, make people have to listen to you. And when people want to tell you something, sit and listen. But if you're a smooth operator and people are listening to you, you can close them. But my point is this, sit, if anyone comes to you with any kind of offer, Andrew, I want to sell you an Amazon store. Andrew, I want to build you a back end for your website. Andrew, I want to design you a new website. Andrew, I want to be your copywriter. Andrew, I want to do this. Tell me why. Tell me what you'll do. Tell me why I should use you. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, okay, 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 no. How do you think I know so much shit? I think I fucking learned so much. Smart, clever, patience. The main reason people don't do this is because they're lazy. Oh, I don't, I'm busy and he's trying to talk to me about TV, I'm not gonna do TV. You should listen to me because you would learn a whole bunch of stuff. You know what would you learn? you'd learn during my pitch about TV? You'd learn the difference between TV and magazine advertising. You're already doing magazines. You learn about the difference between TV and newspapers. You learn about why my adverts on TV are more successful than advertising on magazines and newspapers. You might learn something about how to change your copy in your magazine adverts to have more success. You would have learned something, but your stupid ass didn't want to listen to me. So when people come at you with offers, let them pitch you, but just don't buy anything unless it's really good. Do not become a goose. Let me draw a goose.
Don't become a goose. Next, this is another really important point where people are fucking up. You don't have to understand it to make money. So let's use cryptocurrency. At the height of cryptocurrency, when it was all going crazy and Bitcoin was $20,000 and everyone jumped in and everyone lost money. Even me, I lost a little bit. Everyone was getting involved in cryptocurrency. So I had another boy who I knew who was super involved in crypto. We both put about 100 grand in crypto. For the next three weeks, while I was working on other projects, he was watching videos on how Bitcoin works, how the blockchain works, how the exchanges work. And he's sitting there going, da, da, da. and I'm like, why are you watching that? He goes, because we have money invested and you know, you've got to understand the market. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't have to understand something to make money from it. I'm a hustler. He goes, what do you mean? I was like, no matter how many videos you watch and how much you know about Bitcoin, it's not going to change the global Bitcoin market. It's either going to go up or it's going to go down. It doesn't matter what you learn or what you sit and watch. It ain't going to change anything. He disagreed with me strongly. How can you put money somewhere you don't understand? It's like, all right, bro. I understand up and down. It's either going to go up or it's going to go down. I understand that. I understand how to get my money in and out. I understand the important things. I don't need to know about how the fucking blockchain works. I really don't. He disagreed with me. Three weeks later, it crashed. We both lost money. You know what the difference is between me and him? During those three weeks, I made more money than him. I made most of my loss back because I was already hustling on some other project while he was watching blockchain videos. Do you see the difference? Put it in. I understand up and down. Okay, whatever. Next. Bang, bang. Speed. Next. Open this business. Bang. Next. Next. Okay. Boom. Launch the war room. Next. Bang, bang. Money, 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 money. Oh, Bitcoin's gone down. Whatever. Money, money. I've got new money. When Bitcoin down, went down for him, he's like, oh, well, the blockchain says, uh, starts watching more videos. You're not changing what's happened. You don't need to understand something to make money from something. You don't need to understand the chemical composition of concrete to sell concrete. What you need is concrete that someone will fucking buy. What you need is money in and fucking dish some concrete out. You need to know how concrete works. And if you do need to know how it works, you hire someone who knows how it works. You do not need to understand things to make money from things. People who think they need to understand everything to make money from it waste so much time. You don't have that time to waste. The cryptocurrency example is a perfect one. To this day, I have over a million dollars in crypto. And to this day, I don't know how fucking blockchain works. And I don't care. Goes up or it goes down. No matter how much I know about the blockchain, ain't going to change whether it goes up or down. It's going to go up or down. It's with the gods. Do not waste your time spending energy on something that's not going to directly correlate to money in. Because that goes against the earlier lesson. What's the earlier lesson? Money you spend, any money you spend, has to go back to the income. You spend money, does it add money in? You spend time, does it add money in? You spend energy, does it add money in? Researching the blockchain, does that increase the price of Bitcoin? Yes or no? No, it does not equal money in, so stop fucking researching it. Sure, you could argue, well, if I research the blockchain, maybe I can start some company around the blockchain. You look like a geek. We're hustlers here. It's bullshit. You do not need to understand things to make money from them. What you need is people who are gonna give you money. That's what you need. You don't need to understand everything about what they're giving you money for. You just need them to give you money. I'll tell you this is another example. I right now, as it stands, don't understand really fucking HTML or CS fucking S or fucking HTTP or I don't understand any of it, but I just use it and utilize it to get money.
I don't need to understand it. I understand this. And this is what you need to understand as a hustler. You don't need to understand all the bullshit. You need to identify a why and make people buy from you. Don't waste your time fucking trying to understand every intricacy. Yes, being super knowledgeable about certain products is essential. And yes, it will make you some money. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not saying be a dumbo. I'm saying there's a lot of time people spending energy on things they don't need to spend energy on or trying to understand things they don't need to understand when the only key most important thing is this. Money in. Keep that in mind. So let's look at my Forex program. My Forex program is making money. It's doing even better than the Warren Trading Academy. It's making money. I keep putting up receipt after receipt after receipt because I know why people buy from me. People buy from me because they know I'm authentic. That's the why. So I keep proving I'm authentic to continue to sell. Everyone who's doing the Forex program is doing fantastically. Do I understand Forex? No. I don't know how my traders come up with the trades they come up with. But I'm still making money with Forex. I don't understand it. How did I do this? Well, I understood that I'm going to hire people, like I said earlier, who know something I don't. So I went to Dubai with a dollar retainer and hired a dollar trading team that worked for hedge funds, the best in the business. So now the only way people like you can get access to a trading team is through me or with your own dollars. And I'm cheaper. They place a trade for a bank. The bank makes 10%. I place the same trade. I make 10%. You place the same trade. You make 10%. Now we're rolling with the big boys. Now, since I've placed that retainer, have I sat at the graphs trying to understand how they came to the conclusions? Have I analyzed the Japanese uh, economy to work out why they think it's going to go down against the euro? Have I sat and watched news for 14 hours a day like they have? Or have I fucking just carried on in my life? I don't understand it. I don't need to understand it. I found people who understand it. I've paid them a whole bunch of money. They're competent. And I know they're competent. They're proving themselves competent and everyone's doing well. I'm making money from Forex and I don't understand it. If I can make five, six, seven thousand dollars a day from something I don't understand, doesn't this prove my point completely? And now there's a whole bunch of geeks out there who in my position would sit and go, okay, now I need, now, okay, I'm making money from Forex, got a Forex team. I need to understand why they place the trades. Do I need to learn everything about Forex? Whereas I'm thinking I'm going to launch Hustlers University. Now, okay. Maybe I could learn everything to know about Forex and replace them and save myself next year. There's an argument for that. I don't believe I can replicate in one year or learn enough in one year to have the experience that those six men have across 20 years of trading. <clears throat> so in that mind, in that perspective, I think it's a waste of time trying to learn anything. I'm not going to learn enough to replace them. I don't need to learn anything because I live in a binary world. Can you replace them? Yes or no? No then it doesn't matter if I'm 99% close to replacing them or 1% close to replacing them. I can't replace them. So it doesn't matter. So instead of sitting around looking at Forex, I launched Hustlers University because I get shit done and I'm a hustler. So you don't need to understand things to make money from them. It's very, very important. Right, next. I see a lot of people get into business and then by extension end up getting into politics. Politics is for big boy business. Politics is for Amazon. Politics is for the steel companies who have trade tariffs and fucking war, tax wars against China. You're a hustler. You're small time. You're going to be a multimillionaire and still be very, very small time. Politics is a mental trap and it doesn't matter who president is. It ain't going to change whether you're going to be successful or not. Even if the president changes and taxes go up, I doubt the tax increase is going to be the threshold just enough to sink your business. You're either a business that makes it or you're a business that isn't. 
I doubt that a new president comes, tax goes up 2% and then your business fails. I know this happens with some businesses and some industries and some sectors, but in your particular case, it's very unlikely. Politics is a mental trap. You do not have unlimited energy. You have a finite amount of energy and you cannot waste it. Forget politics. You're a hustler. Forget politics completely until you're a multimillionaire. Only then do politics matter because poor people are unimportant. If you're still poor, just forget politics altogether. This is a really key point. I see people get into business and they start talking about, oh yeah, well, we're going to lower the taxes through Trump. Shut up. Are you making millions of dollars? No. Who cares about taxes? Care about this. When this is big enough for the 1% tax increase to be worth millions, care. Until then, you're busy. Fucking dorks. All my notes here for my 100 lessons, the lesson I've written down here is famosa goose and famosa geese. It's an important lesson. You got famosa goose, you got famosa geese. See, you guys don't understand what that means. If you have the hustler mindset, that means something. You're sitting there going, what does that mean? It means something. So let me tell you the story of the time Glenda saved Christmas. So Glenda owned a company called Bomb Bomb, which was organic lip balm. And it was, it was December 17th. And every single company had closed, basically. And we had no money for Christmas. Me, Dan, and Tristan, and my one member of staff when T2 was in his infancy for TV. We had no money. And we're trying to hard close business, but it was too late to get them on TV for Christmas. Everyone wants to do TV next year. Why would they pay you just before Christmas? They all are like, we'll talk in the new year. It's impossible to get money out of anyone. And we're trying our best to hard close. If you buy now, you get a special discount on next year. If you buy now, we can get you bulk packages. By the time it gets to new year, you can hit the ground running. We can already have your advertising standards agency paperwork done. Every trick we can think of. Da, 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 da. And eventually, we, through a process of a three-hour phone call, convinced Glenda, the owner of Bomb Bomb, to pay us half of an invoice of upfront, which gave us like seven grand, which we split up between us, so we had three grand each for the week over Christmas. Now, to you, that doesn't make sense. You're like, okay, what's the point of the story? The point of the story is we needed money pronto. So we did everything it took and sat down and thought of every hard close, advertising standards agency hard close, free airtime hard close, creative hard close, everything we could, and we tried it on everyone. And eventually, what we managed to do was famoose a goose. Does that make sense to you? You have to famoose a goose. Maybe if I didn't famoose that goose, in the new year, she would have decided to do something else. A bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Money in the bank is money you can spend. Money in the bank is not money you can spend. The moose, the goose. So one of my cam girls had a really big birthday. Two years ago on her birthday, her cam birthday, it was my birthday and she'd like have balloons and it would cost a certain amount to pop a balloon. There's a surprise inside and she'd have a cake and she'd drink shots and get drunk and have this big 12 hour show. She made $10,000 in a day on her birthday. For the year after, she started saying to all her customers a couple months in advance, don't forget my birthday. And all her customers would say, okay, I'm saving, I'm saving. And they'd stop tipping her to save her, save money for her birthday. And she'd obviously still talk to them and give them lots of attention because they're saving for her birthday. And I told her, don't do that. What do you mean don't do that? I said, that is a fucking terrible idea. She goes, why? I said, because you're not famoosing the goose. 
You need to take the money now. You don't need them to save their money. You can save their money. Take their money now. Who cares if they tip you nothing on your birthday? It's just a day. If they've got money now, famoose it. Take it. Oh, but I want a big birthday. I want a big birthday. I was like, bitch, don't you understand that these dudes are just going to spend the money somewhere else or change their mind or tip some other cam girl or they're going to tip you a amount they saved to your birthday, which is less than the cumulative you would have had anyway if they tipped every day that they're supposed to. She wasn't thinking of how to famoose a goose. She was thinking like most people think about business. Hi, Glenda, do you want to do TV? Probably in the new year. Okay, yeah, I'll call you in the new year. That's not famoosing a goose. Hi, Glenda, do you want to do TV? Yeah, in the new year. Fantastic. If you want to do TV in the new year, we need to start right now. Immediate need. Right now, it's, it's, it's about, our company's closed, it's about to be Christmas. Exactly. So while everything's down, we're gonna do all the advertising standards agency paperwork. We're gonna make sure that we can hit the ground running. We're gonna make sure that in the new year, we have no delays because in the new year, there's obviously lots of customers who are sorting out things for their campaigns and we don't wanna have any kind of delays. We don't wanna have any kind of, we don't wanna miss the window to be successful. When do you wanna be on TV? Ask her, doesn't matter who her answer is. March, April, November, who cares? Yeah, exactly. So we are low on time to get everything ready because if we miss that window, then we're not gonna have a successful campaign. It's my job to make sure your campaign is as successful as possible. So the last thing I wanna do is miss that window. So what I think we should start doing is advertising standard agencies paperwork now. Uh, I don't know, I need to speak to my husband. Okay, well I understand you speak to your husband and I know it's up to coming to Christmas, etc. What I just need from you is a commitment. If you can give me a commitment so I know that we're definitely gonna go ahead with the campaign, we can start advertising standard agency paperwork. Usually we take 50% up front. If you can pay 30% of a campaign now, then we'll make sure that the paperwork's done in time so it's all submitted before Christmas, so it's the first thing on the pile that gets done when they come back. Blah, 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 blah. Famoose! Glenda saved Christmas. We literally sat in the office when that bank transfer came and bought a bottle of vodka and drank it and we're laughing about how Glenda saved Christmas because we had no money, zero, now we had money. Glenda saved Christmas, we got on the phone and famoosed a goose. That cam girl was not trying to famoose. And guess what happened when her birthday came? Guess what happened when her birthday came? Who's always right? Hi babe, I'm gonna tip you but I couldn't save as much as I hoped because they were too busy tipping other girls. They were getting your attention for free and spending the tokens they're supposed to be saving on other girls. So they give you a, a big tip, which is shit compared to the cumulative of all the tips you'd have had anyway. Guess how much she made on her birthday? Guess how much? 6,000. She cried for three days. Stupid bitch. Told her. Oh, I just thought they really liked me. Like, you fucking idiot bitch. Famoose the goose. If I didn't famoose Glenda and I called her in the new year, she might be like, oh, well, over Christmas, we were watching TV and we decided that it's not for us. Or I was talking to my uncle and my uncle got me drunk and touched my pussy and now I don't want to do TV. Who knows? Who cares? If you don't famoose it, it ain't yours. You need to famoose a goose. You need to famoose a geese. That's a lesson I've written down here. Write it down. So when you're sitting there going, how do I make some money? Where's the goose? Where's the gooses? Where's the geese? Famise them, famoose them. Does this make sense to you? As a hustler, it makes sense to me. Get this in your mind. Famoose a goose, famoose a geese. Don't be like my cam girl bitch relying on the future. Don't let Glenda have Christmas with the money in her bank when it should be in your bank. Famoose a goose. Next. This kind of ties into the whole don't get too legal before you get rich. The rules don't make anybody rich. The rules don't make people rich. The rules are to be broken. So I'm gonna tell you the story of my biggest ever television deal. 
And it ties into my business card, it ties into a lot of my lessons. So I'm gonna need my board for this one, this is a good story. My largest ever television advertising deal was how I bought my first Aston Martin. And it was 300,000 pounds. With a profit margin of around 100,000 pounds split three ways between me, my brother, and a salesman called Gerald. And this was for a company I may not have mentioned yet in, in this fucking thing. My career in TV was long. In between T2 and Vixels, for a six-month period, I ran a company called Povey Sindel. Don't ask why. Random name, sounds important. And we sold TV advertising. With our top salesman from T2, when I left T2 and left the company to Dan, which he ran on his own and drove it into the ground, I started another agency with our top salesman who left T2 to come with me and Tristan, and we started Povey Sindel. So, our largest ever TV advertising deal was SkySig. SkySig sold electronic cigarettes. Electronic cigarettes are not allowed on TV. In England, at the time, they were not allowed on TV. But we called them up and told them that we could get them on TV because we're experts at passing the Advertising Standards Agency and that we could guarantee get them on TV. And they were very interested in speaking to us and we flew to Scotland and we went to the meeting and I remember when I flew back from Scotland checking my bank balance and I had like 300 pound to my name. I was broke, but I turned up in a nice suit. And we convinced them we could get them on TV and we convinced them to do this 300,000 pound contract and they were so desperate to get on TV because no one else could possibly get them on TV that they paid half up front, 150, another 150 when they were gonna go on TV. Now, what's the lesson here? The lesson is this, the rules need to be broken because following the rules will never make you rich. If I would have followed advertising standard agency rules, I would have never got rich. I broke the rules and lied and I took all their money and I thought, fuck it, I'll find a way to get them on TV. Because just like my business car said, if you give me the money, I'll find a way. I got them on TV. Now their advert didn't say electronic cigarette. It didn't show an electronic cigarette, but I got them on TV. It was bullshit, random lifestyle pictures with a ending that led to a website. And it was all curiosities. People thought, what the fuck even is this? I don't even understand. So people go to the website because they didn't understand what it was. And the website was their products. But I still got one TV. It fulfilled my obligation. How did I get rich? How did I get my first? To me, that's a lot of money between me and Tristan, 66 grand in a day. How did I get that money? By breaking the rules. You've got to break the rules and you've got to be prepared to take the money. So if someone comes to you and goes, can you do this? And you sit and go, no. You sit and go, yeah, I can this much. Make them pay, find a way. Worst case, you give them the money back. I'm not saying be a scammer. Don't be a scammer. Be the kind of guy who can do the impossible. They're very different things. I did the impossible. Like my business card said, if there's a problem, if there's money you're prepared to pay me for any service, I will do it. I will break the rules to get paid. So you're sitting there going, oh, well, this is how we do this. This is how this is done. When you do this, you have to do this. Don't be a geek. I've heard this from so many email copywriters. Oh, you need to put your, e your, your business address at the bottom of your emails against the rules. Against what, the, the email rules? The email police? Oh, the email police are coming. Oh no, the email police. Uh, oh, did, did you hear about Tate? He got shot dead by the email police. Fuck them. 
Fuck the rules. I don't care about the email police. I do what the fuck I want. I will email you as many times as I fucking like. Unsubscribe then. And I won't put an address on the bottom. If I had to put an address on the bottom, it would be fake. Because I don't give a shit. Because the email address, the address on the bottom, the postcode, the physical address at the bottom, is not going to put more money in my pocket. It's not going to add anything to my money. So I don't give a shit. I can't explain. Even discussing it annoys me. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. I don't care. Because I care about money in. So I don't care about dumb shit. I break rules. All the business rules. I break them all. I do whatever the fuck I want. As long as it brings money in, I don't give a shit. As long as it doesn't put me in jail, I don't care. If you're sitting here, one of the greatest businessmen in history is the guy who ran that fire festival. Have you seen that documentary? If you haven't, watch the fire festival documentary. The guy was a fucking genius. He got a whole bunch of influencers, got J- Ja Rule, got Emily Ratowalski, whatever, all a whole bunch of fucking super beautiful models, advertised this festival on an island, did exactly what I said, promised there to be, made it too good to be true, promised private jets, promised luxury villas, promised all this crazy shit with no money, took millions and millions of dollars off everybody, tried to make it real, took the money first, tried to make it real, made everyone, told everyone they had to use electronic money inside the festival, so they had to upload their money on the website and it would be converted to electronic money, took millions more, completely fucked up, didn't deliver any festival at all. And when it all went to shit, he didn't even fucking care. He made millions. All his staff were like, oh, this is so bad, we've robbed so many people. He didn't give a fucking, he didn't care. Guy's a genius. Then what did he do? Now he's in jail because he pushed it too far. Then what did he do? Took the fire Festival email list, started emailing everyone, promising them front row seats at the Lakers or an exclusive audience with Drake in a private room that for $100,000 a ticket for things that completely didn't exist and took millions more. Now he's in jail. So he pushed it too far. But don't you understand the genius? If he would have not done the second part and just stopped with the festival, and just gone to court and been like, yeah, my staff were incompetent. They didn't do the things they were supposed to do. The government of the island changed their minds last minute, which is true. And it ruined everything. And I'm really sorry that I didn't deliver. I'm going to try and pay back as much money as I can. But he followed my business principles and he famoosed loads of money off the top, looked after himself first and not the business. That He could have just taken millions for no reason. The biggest famoose. All the geese got famoosed. He famoosed all the geese. Pushed it a bit too far. But if you would have stuck to everything I've taught you so far, don't you see how he would have made $10, $15 million and got away scot-free? Guy's a genius. How did he do it? He broke all the rules. Fuck the tax man. Fuck this. Fuck that. We're going to do the best festival. Make it sound too good to be true. Speed, speed, speed. Let's get loads of advertising out. Take all the money in. All the money in. All the money in. Don't worry about actually doing anything. Just take all the fucking money. Get all the money. Get all the money. Guy's a hustler. Can't say he's not a hustler. Look at charities. Charities do the same thing. Oh, give money for the poor African kids. None of it gets to the African kids. Charities keep all. They're for moose, you. For moose. Straight for moose. Life is a for moose. Everyone's for moosing you. Starbucks is for moosing you. When you buy a fucking coffee for four euro and it costs them two cents, including the cup. Then you ask for a large and it's four euro fifty for this much extra hot water. Bigger cup, bit more water, 50 cents. What's the margin on that? 49.9 cents. You're getting famoosed. So get prepared to famoose people. Fucking fire festival guy was a genius. This guy I'd do business with any day of the week. He understands how money's made. Get it in. Get it in. Promise some Drake tickets. Promise some Drake in an exclusive private room, 100 grand. Okay, we sold five of them. What do we do? Okay, we'll try and contact Drake. 
Drake won't listen to us now. Okay, then, then message him and say that uh, we can't do Drake, but we can do a guy who says yes. Who says yes? Jerul. Okay, tell them it's Jerul, and they also get free access to the next one, to the mystery one. Put some curiosity on it. So they all go to Jerul, and they're waiting for the next one, and then and they don't charge back because they're just curiosity. We'll handle it later. handle it later. Sell tickets, get money in, money in, money in. Money in, money in, money in, money in. Fire Festival. Guys, G. He knows more about business than the dork who goes, I've started a company and I've got uh, my tax certificate and I've got my VAT number and I've, I've registered my logo and uh, I've, I've started my website and I'm, I'm going to hire an advertising agency and hasn't sold a fucking thing. That guy knows business. Fucking fire festival. He didn't even have a festival. He didn't give a shit. Money. He stuck to my principles completely. He didn't have a festival, but you know what he did have? A fucking payment processor. He had that. $20 million. He had that. Jesus Christ. Most of you people start festivals, start fucking going and buying tents. You wouldn't have no money, no one signing up, no payment processor, and you'd be looking at tents. Fuck tents. Where's the cash? <sighs> For Musa Goose. For Misa Goose. Next lesson. Always, always sharpen your tools. So at T2 Advertising, we would, every Friday, in the morning, sit and go through our television advertising pitches. Even though I had some people who worked for me for a solid year and knew it word for word, we would still sit there, everyone in the group, and the experienced guys would pitch in front of the non-experienced guys to teach them something, and we would constantly sharpen our tools. If your tool is a phone pitch, practice. If your tool is an email, get a copywriter to analyze it or analyze it yourself or do a, a double blind test with two different types of email, practice. If you're getting leads through advertising, of course, refine them. Always be sharpening your tools all of the time because your competitors are and you don't want to be the one left with the blunt axe. You need to be always sharpening your tools. How are you getting customers? XYZ. Fine. How can we sharpen XYZ or try another way of XYZ or improve XYZ? Because XYZ is what leads to money in the bank and that's all a business is. Always be sharpening your tools. If something's working now, it probably won't work in six months. So you need to find something else or you need to get that tool that is working now and needs to be sharper so it is ready for six months from now. Stay ahead of the game. Too many people find something that works and they start sitting on it. Can't sit on nothing. Not in this world because the world moves fast. You don't end up like blockbuster video, do you? Oh, everyone loves renting videos and if you do Netflix, you can't buy popcorn. Boom, out of business. Dorks. Head of the game. Another point. And the reason I say sharpen your tools is this. Good salesmen, bec salesmen become good by being thorough. And once they are good, they become lazy. So my, in, in, with TV, my best salesmen would become best because they would follow the script to the letter. But once they started getting deals in, they thought they knew everything, they'd become lazy with their pitching. This is how people are. Once they think you know it all, you're lazy. And this is another reason why you have to sharpen your tools to remind yourself how you got good. It's like being a fighter. And I'm winning my fights with Jab Cross. I'm good now. I'm world champion. So I'm doing spinning kicks and all this shit. Jab Cross. It's worked for a very long time. Got me to where I am. Sure, add something to it, maybe. Have an alternative, maybe. But never forget the basics. Always sharpen your tools all the time, especially for sales guys. If you're a guy out there and you're a sales guy, and you, and you land a few good deals one week, I guarantee, even though your pitch may be motivated, even though you'll be happy, your pitch is probably a little bit less thorough than when you haven't landed any deals. 
Because you're like, oh yeah, people are buying from Easy now. So hey man, do you want do you want TV? Like, no, you got to be back to the beginning, back to the start. Gambler's fallacy. Doesn't matter if it's been red ten times in a row. The odds of it being red or black next time is still 50-50. There's no more likely to be black than it is to be red, just because it's been red a bunch. Stick to your tools, sharpen them, stay thorough, especially when you get good, because that happens a lot. This is especially true in the digital world, especially true with your online advertising, especially true with your video production, your cameras, all the latest shit that comes out, the new tricks. You've got to be on top of it all. When Instagram first came out, there was no television advertising company in the world that thought we need to be able to optimize videos for Instagram. Not, it didn't even cross their minds. Now there's a whole bunch of kids, students, kicking their asses at it with iPhones. If they were the first people who thought about it, sharpened their tools, stay ahead of the game, they could have been the Instagram advertising gurus who made billions. Always be ahead of the game. Always sharpen your tools at all times. And the fast-moving industries, super important. Next. Create problems and instantly solve them. Sell on problems. So, why are you here? Why are you in Hustle University? Because you want to learn how to make money. So how did I sell this to you? I told you you don't understand money. You don't understand how money's made and I'm going to fix it. That's what I said to you. Now you're here. Have I done a good job? Yeah. I didn't lie to you. I didn't con you. But did you see I identified and sold on the problem? Earlier when I was talking about the pen, what did I sell on? The problem. You can't write your ideas down properly. You don't have this pen. You have to sell on the problem. Television advertising. I sold on the problem. You're not reaching enough people. How can you sell more if you don't reach more people? How can you be seen as a premier brand if you're not on TV? Problem. Solution. Here's your problem. Even though you don't know you have it, here's the solution that I can provide. Doesn't matter what you sell. Bouncy balls. Give them a problem. If you drop your ball, it breaks. But if you drop my ball, it bounces. But why does that matter? Well, why do you want to break your stuff? You don't want to break anything. You're going to buy a ball, you need to buy my ball, so it never breaks. I'm going to give you a special deal on this ball right now. Identify a problem and sell. If you know, if you can identify a problem with people, couple that in with the why, you're going to sell shit all day long. All day long. So, even my cam girls did this, man. Even my cam girls would do this. They'd be talking to a guy and they wouldn't say, come private, I'm so horny. Da, 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 da. They'd give them a problem. They'd say, you're not satisfied, I can tell. I'd be like, LOL, what do you mean? I don't know, I can tell by the way you talk, I don't think you're really satisfied. When's the last time you came really hard? The guy's like, uh, well, uh, even they had a last week with my wife or you're right or it doesn't matter what they say. You've now told him there's a problem. He was fine until you told him there's a problem. Now he's thinking, oh yeah, maybe I'm not for me. What's the solution? I have an idea. I'm gonna do something. I have an idea. Let's do a private. It's gonna take a long time, but I promise. I promise it's gonna be different than anything you've ever done. I think it's gonna drive you crazy. Even if the private's the same, who cares? Identify the problem. You have a problem. I have a solution. If a cam ho can do it, you can do it. You have a problem. Doesn't matter if you're selling fucking one of the guys in the war room selling oil pipe equipment. You need this new valve. No, we don't. Yes, you do, because the valve you're using is not as efficient as these valves, and you're wasting money. Problem, wasting money. Solution, my valve. Doesn't matter what it is. If people don't know there's a problem, they're not gonna buy. Tell them there's a problem. 
So you need to find out whatever you're selling and you need to find a way to tell the people out there, the mass market, that they have a big issue. Big issue, you need this. So all my cam girls did the same thing. I can tell you're not satisfied. Bang, have to do it, basic tricks. Next, and this is a very, very important key. <sighs> Buying from you should make people feel happy and important. Because if you do that, they will never stop buying from you. People want to be happy and people want to feel important. And most people are not happy and most people don't feel important. Buying designer clothes, spending $200 on a fucking t-shirt is done so they feel happy and important. I'm wearing designer. Buying from you should make people feel happy and important one way or another. Even if you're selling gas valves or, gas valves or bouncy balls, something boring, then you send them a fucking fruit basket the next day. Who gives a shit? It's 20 bucks. Something so they feel important and happy. Doesn't matter what it is. You need to find a way so that people who they buy with you, they feel important and happy. Everyone who buys from me feels happy and important because they're getting exclusive knowledge. This is the reason I don't go mainstream with cold traffic. The reason I don't go mainstream with cold traffic and become like Ty Lopez, and I probably make a lot more money, is because then my people who buy from me won't feel happy and important. Because everyone would have, oh, everyone, Andrew Tate, yeah, he's, yeah, I've seen Hate You. Have you seen Hustlers University? Yeah, yeah, everyone's seen it. You guys have stumbled across a dark portion of the internet and you're getting all these secrets from a guy who refuses to go mainstream. I do that particularly so you guys are very happy with your purchases, knowing information that other people don't know. So that's an angle I've developed. It doesn't matter what your developing angle is. It doesn't matter, but you need people to feel happy. And even more importantly, you need people to feel important when they do business with you. I've done business with this person. This is why people pay stupid retainers to the big advertising agencies. They pay crazy money because they get to do business. They get the prestige that comes with it. Find a way to make all of your clients feel prestigious. doesn't matter what it is. If you do that, you're going to have a lot of repeat business and people, it's going to be much harder to steal them from you. So it doesn't matter what your industry is. You just sit and think, how can I make the people who buy with me or do business with me feel prestigious and important? So let's say you're selling a copywriting course. Who gives a shit? You sell a copywriting course, you email them all afterwards. Hey guys, I've got, we're going to try out some of your copy. Can you write copy for the Bouncy Balls company? They're a really big company and I'm going to submit some of your copy to them and maybe they'll still choose you. Imagine this is all a lie. Imagine this is a famoose. But now those guys have watched your copywriting course, they're going to sit there and they're going to type and they're going to write this copy and they're going to look on this bouncy ball website and go, this bouncy ball this is the biggest bouncy ball company in the world. I'm writing copy that might be used for the biggest bouncy ball company in the world. Now they feel important. They got a chance at something. Do you understand? Now they're feeling, oh, I'm important. Oh, wow, this is a big chance. Even if it never happens for any of them. All of a sudden you've added some importance to their lives. Now who else are they going to learn copywriting from? You, who might give them a chance at something and make them feel important, or Joe Schmo. Super important. Now, the next chapter after this one is going to be bonus modules. And the bonus modules in Hustlers University are going to be tasks I want you to complete. Now, I've just told you this is a bullshit task, but my tasks were not bullshit. My tasks are real. So there's going to be real tasks I want you to complete. And I will tell you now, you stand 0% chance of doing good in any of those tasks unless you've internalized every single lesson I've taught you here. Internalized. It has to become second nature. You need to watch Hustlers University start to back four, five, six times in a row. And then you stand a chance. So there's going to be a few weeks before they're uploaded. Tasks are upcoming. 
Welcome to the end of the first portion of Hustlers University, the knowledge. Now you've got work to do. But you need to learn everything I've taught you. You need to learn it again and again and again. Go back to the beginning, watch it again. Take notes. Think of how you can apply it to businesses you've run before or businesses you're running right now. Think of how you can apply each and every lesson to businesses which you're thinking of running or up upcoming. Build plans, write things down, start getting information collated, starting to get it straight in your head because work's coming next.